Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. earlier on Friday, Friday the 13th, and I was at a haunted house in Rockaway Beach. Oh, you got to check it out on Instagram. But more importantly, you're probably saying to yourself, what the hell, Sleeper, were you doing out at Rockaway Beach? Uh, Broad Channel before I got to Rockaway Beach, Rockaway Park, Neponset, Bell Harbor, I was in that whole area, Breezy Point, the Irish Riviera, because I couldn't believe what the city has decided to do, ladies and gentlemen, for all of you cognizante, all of you who love Rockaway Beach. The city has decided to close Rockaway Beach from 92nd Street to 116th Street for two months in the middle of the summer. For two months in the middle of the summer. Now, how does that make any sense? Uh, I don't even know if the mayor, Eric Adams, is aware of that. But the point is, it is absolutely insane in the brain to uh, close down an area that actually can add to the vitality, the return, the resurrection of the city of New York, especially uh, the Rockaways in the summertime. Anyway, I was out there, 92nd Street Beach, 92nd Street on the boardwalk. It was supposed to be a demonstration at 5 o'clock today. They canceled it because of the threat and the sprinkle and the spritz of rain. That never never chases me away. They'll be back uh, if you want to attend that demonstration against the city's plans, which are in effect to close and shut down Rockaway Beach. From Beach 92nd Street to 116th Street, they'll be meeting at Beach 92nd Street on the boardwalk, 2 o'clock on Sunday. I can't be there because I have to be here broadcasting. But I'm advising you to all go out there. That great song, Rockaway Beach by the Ramones, was really a tribute to D.D. Ramone. They were in uh, Forest Hills at the time. But they love to go hang out in Rockaway Beach, especially D.D. Ramon, who came from a a family that had all kinds of problems. I think he originally was in Germany. His father was a drunk, domestic abuser. He and his mother fled, came to Forest Hills, and he used to love to go and hang out at Rockaway Beach. And it was really the Ramones, Rockaway Beach, the first surf punk rock teenage rebellion song that I remember. 
And it was really a private escape. Uh, in fact, let's open up our phone lines on that note. If you can believe that the city of New York and all its infinite lack of wisdom in wanting to uh, redo Rockaway Beach has decided to close it down in the summer when they could have done all that work in the winter. Uh, again, it'll be closed, uh, Beach 96th Street to uh, Beach 116th Street for two months in the middle of the beach season. Is that nuts or what? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. I remember it was years ago I was having major problems with crooked Joe Crowley, the congressman, who ended up eventually getting knocked out by AOC all-out crazy Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez of the Democratic Socialists of America because crooked Joe Crowley was asleep, spent all of his time at his house in suburban Virginia outside of the Beltway, and didn't even bother coming back to his constituency in both the Bronx and Queens. They didn't even know who the hell he was. That's how AOC was able to beat him. But I remember I had a sit-down with him at an Albanian-Italian restaurant that had to have had the worst Italian food I had ever eaten in my life. But Crooked Joe Crowley, to him, this Irish guy, was the best uh, Italian food he ever had in his life. And halfway through the conversation where he's trying to fathom why I keep calling him Crooked Joe Crowley, Crooked Joe Crowley, because he was crooked along with the Queen's Democratic machine. So crooked that when they all died of greed, you'd go to the wake, they'd be in the casket, it's time to go to the uh, uh, to the cemetery. You can't close the casket, so you had to go and get a Black & Decker power drill to drill these crooked crooks into the ground. And so then he broke out in a chorus of Rockaway Beach. This guy was great with show tunes under a carousel. I said, hey, I'm not a Lawrence Taylor lookalike, please. I'm not singing show tunes. But he started singing uh, Ramon's classics and the Rockaway Beach song. And I I have to admit, he was pretty damn good. I know it's 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And it sort of harkened me back today as I was right by Beach 97th Street, Beach 98th Street, the old Rockaway Playland. That amusement park was so great. Shut down in 1987 because they couldn't afford the insurance. But I always preferred Rockaway Playland to Coney Island. Coney Island was too packed, too congested. Uh, the ocean there, uh, what passed for an ocean, it was like uh, sometimes swimming in a toilet bowl. The sand was dirty. You went out to Rockaway Beach, and oh, my God, the Atlantic Ocean was so good. It was never overcrowded, and it had an ambiance about it. In fact, at one time, there were 175 million visitors who went to Rockaway Playland. 175 million visitors, not a year since it started, and then until about the beginning of the 1970s, and then it started to decrease. But the Atlantic waves, the smooth sand, the boardwalk, the cleanest beach in all of New York City. Well, you start out in Far Rockaway. Uh, that's taking your life into your hands. Redfern, Auburn, Edgemere, the projects uh, over on the Jamaica Bay side. But you start on the boardwalk about Beach 9th Street, Far Rockaway. You could uh, potentially end up walking all the way to Beach 149th Street in the Ponset. About a good seven-mile walk. You take your life in your hands on the far Rockaway side. 
Man, it was so good. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And I remember, it was, what, last year there was a whole bunch of shark reportings in the Atlantic off of Rockaway Beach. You can't sell any alcohol. But then again, people bring alcohol on the beach. And if memory serves me correct, there used to be a ferry to the Rockaways. That's right. Used to be a hell of a lot easier getting to the Rockaways by ferry. You could ferry there from Westchester, I think, in 1964. Sheepshead Bay right near Lundy's in 1954 when I was birthed. Ah, so good. And, you know, the... uh, the capo di tutte, the totalitarian dictator of the uh, of the parks of the city of New York, Robert Moses. He closed that amusement park and he wanted to build Shorefront Parkway right before World War II. He destroyed all the ambiance of the nearby bungalows. And he thought he could just wipe out that area. But ha, that was one of the projects that Robert Moses was not successful on. And remember, you could take that... That train used to be a double fare, I remember. You'd have to get off a broad channel after you pass Howard Beach. You'd get off that train, and you'd have to pay a second fare in order to go to Mott Avenue and Far Rockaway or the last stop, 116th Street, in the Rockaways itself. (sighs) I remember. I love that roller coaster ride in Rockaway Playland, the Atom Smasher, that wooden roller coaster. What was it? Uh, in movies like uh, Cinerama, Sophie's Choice, it was so good. Uh, you'd go to Rockaway Playland, they'd have a beauty contest every Monday night, and then children's contests galore all during Saturday afternoon. And if you happen to know somebody out in Breezy Point, the real Irish Riviera, as you went directly west, wow, it's a mile long, all those cooperative buildings. About 5,000 people live there. They got their own security. Tried to get in years and years ago. (laughs) I always tried to walk along the shoreline on the Atlantic uh, beach, and security would stop me and say, hey, where's your pass? You don't live live in Breezy Point. Where you from, kid? I'd say, Canarsie, what the hell are you doing here? Well, you know, some of the guys I go to school with in Brooklyn Prep, they invited me here to a party. They did? Well, you're not a resident here, so get the hell out of here. Blankety, blank, 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 blank. You had to be Irish back then. If you weren't Irish, forget it. Don't bother going to Breezy Point. But, oh, my God, the beaches there, absolutely the best. Bell Harbor, Rockaway Park. And I remember it's October 29th, 2012, Hurricane Sandy came and just ripped that area to shreds. Remember out in Breezy Point, they couldn't get the fire engines out there. 130 houses burnt to the ground. Other houses were damaged. I remember they used to have a Coast Guard station out there. Where was that Coast Guard station out in the Rockaways? Uh, I remember my father, Chester, taking me out there one time. Say, oh, this is the Coast Guard station. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. That's the first of what will be many trivia questions, because unlike Frank Morano, the other side of midnight, he believes the trivia leads to no discussion at all. I know damn well it does. But where was that Coast Guard station? I remember my father was telling me about the Army Corps of Engineers, the plans there to put in more dirges, groins. No, no, not male groins, groins, jetties. 
to try to stop beach erosion because the waves would come in, take the beach sand out, and you'd have to pump up the sand from way out there in the Atlantic Ocean because it cost gazillions of dollars to just re-nourish the beach with beach sand. And then I remember, what was it? When they turned it into the uh, national uh, park there, Jamaica Preserve. I think it was that one bird, the piping plover. What, what was that bird where if you came anywhere near that bird, you did any damage to that bird, uh, you killed that bird, whether inadvertently or purposefully. Uh, that was like a uh, you get the death penalty. That was like a federal crime out there. I think it still is. It's like a sparrow-sized snowbird. I remember we would see that bird, and the guys who lived out there would say, oh, run away from that bird. If that bird gets hurt, it's like a praying mantis. Remember, we used to be told, don't, oh, don't you dare, don't you dare harm a prayer mantis. That's a federal crime. You could go to jail. You could go to Sing Sing. You could end up in the electric chair. I remember we were kids. We were playing in the lots, and we come across a prayer mantis. Oh, don't do anything to the prayer mantis. Was I right, ladies and gentlemen, or was that just an urban myth about doing damages any kind of damage to a praying mantis or out there in the Rockaways or anywhere in the Jamaica Park Preserve, what they call that sparrow-sized snowbird, that piping plover. I remember the kids say, oh, run away from that. Oh, my God. And then correct me if I'm wrong. I could have swore out in Fort Tilden, which is on your way to Breezy Point, an actual Army fort at one point. It was a Nike missile launch site. They had surface-to-air missiles there in the 1970s. Am I lying or am I am I telling the truth, ladies and gentlemen? And you couldn't swim over there. All of a sudden, you go swim. Best place to swim was right by Fort Tilden. Hey, kid, get out of that water. This is a secret military uh, post. What do you mean secret? None of your B.I.B. business. Well, that's because Nike was there. No, not the sneakers. The Nike missile launch sites. They had actual surface-to-air missiles right there in the Rockaways. And I know they had those 90-millimeter guns. They had like 16 of them, ACAC guns. You know, just in case we were attacked. Oh, man. That's why I love going to Rockaway Beach, going to Far Rockaway. It just revives, it resuscitates the memories. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Can you believe it, ladies and gentlemen? The city of New York will be closing Rockaway Beach from Beach 92nd Street to Beach 116th Street. Last stop on the subway line. For like two months in the middle of the beach season, in the middle of the summer. How stung God could you be? You're trying to revive, resurrect New York? Where are the hipsters and millennials going to go from the Berg, Williamsburg? Oh, they love it in the Rockaways. Yeah, yeah, they go to Coney Island, but that sort of played out. They really love the Rockaways. What are they going to do? Walk around the Rockaways? You know, what are they going to do? Kiss the Blarney Stone, chase the leprechauns? Uh, pick shamrocks, get hit with <laughs> shillelies as they try to park their car on the side streets. Don't park your car on the side streets. Oh, my God, that's a capital offense. Once you go west of 116th Street, you're taking the, your life into your hands. one 800 Let's go to BJ in Queens. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, BJ. 
Well, uh, this is just yet another example of the factlessness of the Adams administration closing the beaches during the summertime. As you know, being a uh, uh, the founding member of the Guardian Angels, the youth need a place to let off steam. They need a place to uh, outlet and let it all hang out so that they can, you know, that reduces the crime. This is a very hot city, even by the breeze of the beach. Uh, but, uh, again, now, you know, now, uh, we have what, a situation, what BJ, right? BJ, you used one term, let it all hang out. You could do that in Reese Park, Bay 1, <laughs> Bay 2. You could actually put your schlong out. You don't have to wear uh, a hey, bra. Hey. You, you can, that's a nudist colony there at Reese Park. Well, you know, I tell you, it's very interesting. They filmed the Flamingo Kid down there, if you remember, with Matt uh, Dillon and Richard Krenner right. about the cabanas. And Also, a lot of people don't know this. Uh, uh, Jack Kerouac grew up in a, uh, if you take the bus, the uh, Q53, it travels right through Woodhaven Boulevard. And there used to be a place called the Little Shop of uh, Flowers. Uh, that was a little. It was to the left uh, on the uh, uh, on on Woodhaven Boulevard. Right above there is where Jack Kerouac, uh, the famous beat, uh, the father of the Beat Generation, grew up. He grew up in Queens. I had no and idea. He's actually he is actually it's actually landmarked. You can Google it, and it's it's. I don't think it's called the Little Shop of Flowers any longer, but they they actually landmarked it. Uh, so because he was so famous. But uh, I remember you bring back good memories. Number one, the uh, the Ramones was my first concert uh, mm. when they were all alive and uh, I mean just full of energy back in 1980. But uh, you know, uh, along the beach, if you remember the pay one price commercial for Rockaway uh, Rockaway uh, Amusement Park, yes. right? Oh and yes. Six dollars and ninety five cents got you unlimited rides on the roller coaster and on the the the, the uh, teacups and all of it and it was a lot of fun boy oh yeah and it wasn't it wasn't as crowded and as congested as Coney Island the beach absolutely. was nicer the boardwalk was nicer oh absolutely you just had to schlep out there a lot of people they didn't want to take the train all the way out there but i'm telling you it was worth the extra ride and that bus ride, that Q53 bus ride, that was from Thunderdome. Boy, people used to smoke on that bus, drink on that bus. They'd go over that bridge uh, into, Beach, uh, uh, into Beach Channel, and you'd see all the people fishing off the side of the bridge uh, right by Jamaica Bay there, I yes, guess. Yes, yes. Oh, and, the memories. Now, now, and they would drink and smoke on that bus, and there were fights on that bus. And I don't know how people got off that bus in one piece. They would be blasting the ghetto blasters, the yep. music, yeah, no, no, five it, different it, radios. It now, now, what was the name of that flower shop again? The Little Shop of Flowers. So it, it was, was not it, it was not the Little Shop of Horrors. It was the Little Shop of Flowers. I think that's... that was the name. That was the that was the theme name. If you remember, it was kind of themed after the movie with Vincent Gardenia yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, uh, Rick I, Moranis. I think that's where the Gaudis got the deathbed lilies that they sent to me before they had me shot. <laughs> yeah, it was well, right there you know, across Bay Boulevard. You did better than the lilies, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but now there was a playland, very small playland, on Broad Channel before yes. you even got across the bridge to the Rockaways. Oftentimes yes. my mom would circumvent the Rockaways and say, we don't got time, kids. Uh, you're just going to have to be satisfied with the mini Rockaway playland. And, I mean, it really was mini. Ladies and gentlemen, is there anyone out there who remembers the name of that mini amusement park right there in Broad Channel before you even got to the Rockaways? 
Yeah, that's a good one. I remember the school. I remember the uh, the camp, the day camp that they would drop the kids off at. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I can't remember. There was a couple of little parks, uh, but that in particular, I I, I can't remember the now, name. Now, BJ, of that. do you know that at one point that there was a toll booth on Broad Channel? It was an independent, autonomous yes. area. They used to collect the toll if you wanted to go the rest of the way. Uh, in your vehicle towards the Rockaways. Yes. Because they were not part of the city. It was an unincorporated area, and they said, hey, you want to you wanna go on our roads? You're going to pay a fare. Yep. They had a, their own little, uh, their own little uh, turnpike uh, cash uh, machine going on there. I don't know how they got away with that, but, you know, it's one of these little things that they have these crazy little laws uh, unbeknownst to the rest of us. And it's very hard to even consider that that's part of the five boroughs. You, you totally forget. But, you know, there are people that would go out there and live there. I remember the St. John's home. When I was a kid, uh, we had a um, – the family had a friend, a Christian brother, lived out in the St. John's home. And we would go there and we would get the parking pass from the St. John's home. And that's how we got parking without, you know, having to pay for it. Uh, um, yeah, because you couldn't park on the side streets. That was nope. to keep out the riffraff. They want no riffraff out there. It's like Manhattan Beach. You go there. Oh, no, no parking on the side streets. You say, Why can't you park on the side streets? It's a no, no. It's a semi-private community. Now, in the '80s, you remember the whole place south it dive bombed i mean it really started to look like dresden there and uh then in the 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 i had a friend that went down there and he bought a house and he bought it for shekels and it was worth like a million dollars by the 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 mid 2000 like 2010 it was he'd refurbished it. it was unbelievable but he bought it people were people couldn't get out of there fast enough in the 80s it just the place went so bad and so south uh, and you know, there were a lot of people that hung in there, especially past the fence on 149th street that separated Rockaway from Reese park. They eventually tore down that fence. Uh, but, uh, that was the really, you know, where the, the Irish Riviera really, you know, the, yeah. And then the, in Reese the, park, the BJ, Reese park, they had that huge, magnificent bathhouse that they never oh, really ever restored. But it was the first place that I went, because I came in over on the Brooklyn side, where they call the Gil Hodges Bridge, came across there, yes. uh, right past Floyd Bennett Field. So we're going to Reese Park, and all of a sudden, like Bay 1, it's all guys, and they got their schlongs hanging out. Bay oh 2 God. were all women, and they were nude, and I thought I had died and gone to heaven. I said, this is a city beach? And it's a nudist yeah. colony. Guys were like gaggling and oogling, and their eyeballs were down near their ankles. Well, it's very ironical because they have the psychiatric home that's all closed up, or at least it was the last time I was down there. It's a huge psychiatric home right around off uh, of uh, Rockaway Boulevard there. Um, uh, that's uh, about three or four blocks from uh, Reese Park, and it's all boarded up. I think the um, there's a bunch of uh, parking lots too. They actually train the bus drivers on how to uh, park, and you know, down by uh, uh, Fort near, not near, right by uh, not Fort Totten, but where they built all oh, the Fort uh, Tilden. Fort Tilden. And by the way, they used to have surface-to-air missiles there. They used to have silos, Nike missile launchers. And I went in there, you know, check it out, a bit of a wise guy. Hey, what are you doing here? Get out of here. It's a military establishment, kid. 
You want to get arrested by the MPs? No, 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 no. It's quite all right. I already got my JD card from the NYPD. And they wouldn't let you swim over there. Uh, You you knew that that was like very, very sensitive. Oh, oh, the memories, the memories, BJ. They flow. As I was there today. To join the people of the Rockaways to say no to City Hall. They're going to close Rockaway Beach. Beach 92nd Street to Beach 116th Street for like two months. Right after the Memorial Day weekend when the beaches in New York City officially open up. Now how crazy is that? You're trying to revive and resurrect the area. You're going to close the beach to, to do beach nourishment or whatever you want to call it. You couldn't do that in the winter? You see all the gear there. You see all the rocks, the boulders, the groins. No, not the men's groins. The groins, the dirges. They couldn't do that in the winter. What the hell were they doing in the winter? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to uh, William, who's calling from Westchester. Your turn to be heard there at WABC, William. Hey, hey, Curtis, I... Definitely there were uh, Nike missiles at uh, Fort Tilden, but back before that, World War II was heavy artillery to keep the German Navy away. Uh, we would, my, Rockaway was my idea of paradise on Earth. We were going there from what I remember the early 50s till about the mid or later 60s, and cousins had a number of bungalows right near the uh, elevated station. I guess that's Beach 98th Street right by uh, by uh, Playland. Yes. Go back early enough, I remember the great Long Island Railroad trains using that L. And when we first got a car going ac- across Jamaica Bay, I remember seeing the remnants of the uh, the trestle that had burned down from the Long Island Railroad, I think about 1950. And as I say, it was my idea of paradise. Cousins would get together over the summer in those bungalows, eventually torn down by, th- thank you, Robert Moses, and uh, just the, the walk to the beach there, the beach was fantastic. And going by Playlands, all the food places, the odor of the uh, the French fries cooking, it was fantastic. And uh, we just had a great time. And uh, by uh, uh, Robert Moses tearing, tearing down those bungalows, basically that made a, a libertarian out of me. Uh, uh, he also destroyed the neighborhood where we oh. lived in the, in the Bronx. Yeah. I remember when, as a small kid grandparents taking me on the third avenue l train all the way down the south ferry we would take a ferry that would drop us off right by where the bungalow colony was on beach 98 right it used to have ferry service from also sheepshead bay by lundy's from westchester uh out about the, westchester but uh, i thought that the city was going to establish that as a ferry route it's it, well there is a, a speed ferry there now but it's not used to the capacity it could be i i gotta tell you uh when they uh, eliminated the long island railroad going all the way west it stops at redford it stops right next to the housing projects people are not going to get off there because guys will cap shots at them just for the hell of it you know, it's an 18-story public housing project, and a number of uh, houses there. It's a very rough public housing project. Uh, that link should have continued on because that could be so vibrant. There have been so many attempts to develop the Rockaways. It's the best beach. It's right on the Atlantic Ocean. It's got this boardwalk that's unused once you get past, uh, like you get past like the 50s. You go over the 50s down to the 9th uh, Beach, 9th Street. It's totally unused. It's desolate. 
And you say to yourself, you say to yourself, you couldn't have developed that over the years. Well, it's by understand. Well, I, I used to uh, ride the subways a lot, and the last time I took a train all the way out to Rockaway, there seems like there's several stations where nobody gets on, nobody gets off, and you can see where they tore down the bungalows but never put anything up. Yep, and they allowed it during the age of crack cocaine. The crackheads would go in the bungalows, break in, they torch up their crack, and those bungalows would go up uh, in smoke. I was at the uh, firehouse on 116th Street earlier. I was actually sliding down the pole showing my athletic ability, but they were telling me some of the old-timers there, they're no longer active, they just drop by the firehouse. What it used to be like, they'd, have, they'd get those runs, they'd have to put fires out in the bungalows because the crack house, uh, there'd be a bunch of crackheads in there sort of beaming themselves up to Scotty, smoking those uh, rocks of cocaine, and then it just burnt those great bungalows down. Again, ladies and gentlemen, you haven't heard it anywhere else. You're hearing it first here with Curtis Lee on WABC because I know where all the bones are buried and who buried them. I went out there earlier today on Friday the 13th to join people in the Rockaways Broad Channel, Breezy Point, to protest the fact that the city is going to close the beach from Beach 92nd Street to Beach 116th Street for two months, right after the Memorial Day weekend. Are they schmucks? Are they putzes down at City Hall? They want to revive this city, and they're going to turn? They're going to close the attraction of the Rockaways to so many of the hipsters and millennials who come all the way from North Brooklyn and then spend their shekels there? How stupid is that? 1-800-848-9222. All night long. This is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Talk Radio 77 WABC. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC.
What is the uh, name of the group that's singing this uh, Merchant Mariner song that was so popular? What appears to be a lifetime ago and so appropriate to where I was today, the Rockaways. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. This is an issue. You could be a Democrat, Republican, conservative, a liberal, apolitical, independent. It doesn't matter. The city is going to close the beaches from Beach 92nd to Beach 116th Street in the Rockaways for two months right after the Memorial Day weekend, the start of the beach season, crushing the economic revival and recovery of that area. It has so many great memories for me, and I know it does for you. Turn out 2 o'clock on Sunday. I can't be there. I'll be broadcasting here at WABC. But go out there with Rockaway Pride. Don't let the city shut that beach down. It is the most magnificent beach of the many beaches in the city of New York. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Bobby out in Long Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Bobby. Curtis, listen, the place was called the Bow Wow. It was on the borderline of Howard Beach. And Broad Channel, where they had the rides. The Bow Wow. Okay, I'll accept that. I'm looking for another one that was right in Broad Channel itself. I know the Bow Wow because I used to go there with my mother, Francesca, when we were visiting my Aunt Mary and Uncle Steve in Old Howard Beach. The Bow Wow, yep. Okay. Yep. No, no, I'm going to give you partial credit for that, but that's good enough for a Curtis Lee with Booby Prize. Are you ready to receive your prize, Bobby? Oh, give me, give me that hair. Yeah, the, the, the hair, the, the hair I ain't got. Uh, we're gonna be talking. To, we're gonna be talking about that tomorrow. Apparently, in England, if you refer to a man as not having hair or being bald, that's considered a form of sexual harassment. You're not gonna want to miss oh, that tomorrow. I do you meant the belly. Oh, the belly button uh, lint. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, stay on the line. Hey, Avery. Avery, hook up our first Curtis Lee uh, booby prize winner. Don't ask, don't tell. I throw nickels around like manhole covers. You're going to get a magnificent WABC cap uh, with Curtis Lee on it. And, boy, that's a place you want to rock it. Howard Beach, Broad Channel, the ponds at Bell Harbor, Breezy Point, Rockaway, Rockaway Beach. You definitely want to. Anyway, let's go to Matt and Howard Beach. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Matt. Yeah, Curtis. Um, I think it was called the Big Bow Wow. I'm not sure if it was the Bow Wow. I was only a little kid. The Big Bow Wow. But that was on the Howard Beach side. Correct? It was when you were going into Rockaway. Oh, okay. So you you think it was on the Broad Channel side? Yes, it was right across the street from uh, um, the uh, the boatyard there. I think it's Schmitty's. The, the boat yard, not far well, from the might... American Legion post, right? Well, that's, that's all the way. The American Legion post is the other side of um, Broad Channel. Okay. That's where the ball field is. Yes. Anyway, the the Rockaway thing, I'm sorry to um, – it reminds me of the uh, the movie Jaws where Quinn walks in and he says, do you want to pay up or are you all going to uh, be living on welfare for the next um, couple of months? Um, closing the beaches. How, how, how dumb is that, right? You're in a city, you're trying to revive the economy. We're the largest city with the slowest recovery. The beach community is an attraction for so many, and they have a limited Absolutely. season. 
And now they're going to close the beach down in the middle of the beach season. How stupid is that? Well, look what you're dealing with, you know, politically, you know. Well, that's because, you know, know. I'm telling you, that's because they don't go to the Rockaways. They have no idea of the history of the Rockaways. Right. They they live in their own little myopic uh, sphere of influence, and it does not include the Rockaways. Well, yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't know. I tell you what, you're in I'm Howard like, Beach, right, Matt? Well, I'm in Howard Beach now, but I lived in Broad Channel. I grew up in Broad Channel. All right, and all right. this, because... this is what you got to do, Matt. This is what you got to do. You got to head to Beach 92nd Street on Sunday, rain, snow, sleet, or shine, right on the boardwalk, join the demonstration, because if the people in that area are not heard, they're going to squash you, and they're going to take away your beach season, which is your economic revival. Going up and down 116th Street today, store after store, closed, closed, not coming back. But there is a possibility those vendors and those owners and operators of those mom and pop shops can hang on with a good beach season without having to close themselves. How stupid. Let's go to Dan in Farmingdale. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Dan. Curtis, my man, I got... Two for you, two trivia, one uh, Breezy Point and one Cheech and Chong that ties into B-19 Street. Ah. Breezy Point, what year did the boatload of Chinese uh, land on the sandbar and come strolling past the Sugar Bowl and the post office in Breezy Point? Remember like <laughs> 300? Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember. Da- remember David Dinkins, the mayor, was out there giving them blankets these were, uh, you, like you said, 300 red Chinese illegal aliens. Uh, that must have been a sight down That's <laughs> Yeah, so he's giving them blankets. They're running ashore. They're, they're like, yeah. scattering everywhere. Uh, and it just showed you how many people are snuck in in the, in the hull of a ship. You have no idea. Well, Stowaways. Yeah, probably happens every other day. Every other day here. Especially from Red China. Especially from Red China. Here's the Cheech and Chong one. What character said this quote in the very first uh, 78 up in smoke? Y'all don't understand the new cut. This here is the new cut. They don't look like waiters' uniforms. That's the stuff that set those Arabs off. Hmm. You know what? Uh, that, that should be an easy one for you. See, I love how TikTok, 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 Cheech and Chong, Puff Puff Pass. Let me see. Uh, hey, uh, hey, uh, Hamilton Bill. Uh, wait a second. No, Broadway Bill. Uh, you got a blunt on you here? Hey, Avery. Avery, I saw you talking up before. You have any uh, residue left? I have no sense of humor, these guys. Uh, no, I don't know. Well, what is it, Dan? Curtis. Don't you remember Curtis? Curtis. Curtis got him the, the, the waiter's uniform. No, I'm, 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 I, I, my, 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 my wife loves that movie. Uh, I, I was on the periphery of Cheech and Chong. They were funny movies, but I got to tell you, Dan, I'm going to have to ask my wife, Nancy, about that. And remember, she's coming up on Sunday night, the most listened to, the most called-in segment of the many segments I do on the weekends when WABC stands for Always Broadcasting, Curtis, 11 to 12, Right before Dominic Carter, it's the Animal Welfare Hour. Anyway, let's go to Thomas calling from the Rockaways. Is this correct, Thomas? That's correct, uh, Curtis. All right, did I nail it so far? Did I nail it? 
Yes, you did. Thank I got you. an answer for that song you were just playing. Oh, oh, good, good, good. That's Proco Harum, Salty Dog. Yes, yes, Proco Harum, great group, Salty Dog. Uh, whenever I hear that song, I think of my father, Merchant Seaman, 54 years, Chester, who would actually sail out there in the Atlantic Ocean, uh, coming in uh, with cargo ships, uh, the Horace Lucumback, and then uh, also uh, the Gulf Deer oil tankers into the Straits of the Verrazano, the Kilvan Cove, the Arthur Kill, and then into the tank farms in Staten Island. Oh, yeah, I always think of my dad with this song. Absolutely. And, Curtis, another thing, the uh, Coast Guard station is still there, you know. As you come off the Gilhardt's Bridge, on the right-hand side, it's right there, the Coast Guard station. It is. Yeah, right across the street from Fort Tilden. It's right there. It's not, as, it's not as big as it used to be, is it? it it's it's like a, a concrete building, but it's like it looks like an old, you know, it's, a, it's an old house, you know? I'm going to have to check that out because I'm telling you, maybe uh, I'm just aging. Uh, it blew right past me, but I was, I was still thinking back when I was a kid. Those surface-to-air missiles in those silos right at Fort Tilden, the Nike missile launches having nothing to do with the, <laughs> the sneakers. And the MPs telling me, hey, kid, get off of here. This is federal property. It's a federal crime. You'll end up going to Leavenworth. I said, I just want to swim. I just want to take a swim. There's nobody here. There's a reason nobody's here, kid. You know, if you go in the back there still, the pill boxes are still there. They are. You know, absolutely. You go by the the back there. You You walk in from the entrance there, go straight back about 100 yards. The pill boxes are still there. You know, Thomas, I had a huge battle when uh, Comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope, was in charge. His Department of Homeless Services was looking at Fort Tilden to try to turn it into a homeless shelter. And I said, over my dead body. Yeah, it wouldn't have happened down here, that's for sure. There'd have been riots. (laughs) You got people from Bell Harbor to Ponset. Breezy Point, Rockaway Beach, the Rockaways, they'd have been going nuts. Absolutely. They uh, wouldn't have had that, i tell you that much. I got I to gotta head down there time. again. I must. I got to hit the Coast Guard uh, Center there. I got to hit the pillboxes back there. I got to I, I gotta really immerse myself. You see, I was traumatized by those military police who had me believing I'd end up in uh, Leavenworth. Well, they ain't there now, uh, Curtis. You go back there. You walk around anytime you want. Do anything you want back there. No problem. Yeah, now they're not doing. They're not doing what they did in uh, Reese Park, Bay One and Bay Two. You know, rolling their tar paper out and uh, hanging it all out. Are they? Uh, still thing. They're still doing the same thing down there. Yeah, one and two. Yeah. <laughs> I see any other rank, you know, buddy. Uh, Was that <laughs> a shock or what? Absolutely. To see a nudist right. colony in Reese Park. It's still there. Oh, Absolutely. Oh, it's still there, man. Oh, oh, Thomas, the memories, the memories. Oh, let me let me hear Proko Haram, Salty Dog. Yes. What a great song. What a great song. 
By the way, Rockaway Playland went dark during World War II. They couldn't operate, especially at night, because there were submarines right offshore, Nazi submarines that were sinking Allied shipping, merchant vessels, right off our shore. Let's go, if we can, to Mike in Queens. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mike. Hey, what's up, Curtis? Yes, Mike. away. Yes, Corona quit. What happened, Mike? Uh, You fell into the abyss there, into Jamaica Bay. I think you got swallowed up by a horseshoe crab. What happened? Mike, Mike, uh, call back. Oh. (sighs) Anyway, let's go to Michael in uh, Virginia Beach. Your turn to be heard here in WABC, Michael. Uh, thank you for uh, bringing up a topic that uh, parallels what's happening in our federal government. You don't shut down a beach area in the prime season unless it is your objective to torpedo the businesses that uh, uh, rely on the tourist season and unless it's your objective to bring in new businesses, uh, some kind of a cartel, which will... Uh, uh, benefit most by the spending of taxpayers' money to redevelop the area. It's as simple as that. Now, the parallel uh, on the federal level is uh, we need $20 billion to upgrade the military domestically so that it can protect the United States. In the last two months, we sent $20 billion to Ukraine – but uh, we haven't raised the money needed here at home. And now we're about to send another $40 billion to Ukraine. It's a racket. It's as simple as that. And Curtis Sliwa is the man that points it out. Well, thank you. Thank you. And by the way, uh, you're down there near Norfolk, Virginia Beach, that Tidewater Peninsula there, the Hampton area, Chesapeake Bay. That is a magnificent beach area there that always has to be preserved. But the business of a beach is to attract people. They come to the beach, and then they spend money with the vendors who are along the beach boardwalk. And what they're doing in the Rockaways this summer is a disgraziata ashanda. I don't care if you're a Democrat, Republican, conservative, liberal, independent, Libertarian, doesn't matter. You have to come out and be at Beach 92nd Street on Sunday. Rain, snow, sleet, or shine. Right on the boardwalk and join folks who are protesting the city's decision to close down that magnificent beach. The best beach in all of New York City with the cleanest water, the best sand, the best boardwalk. Wiped out by Hurricane Sandy in 2012, finally after all of these years restored. So what did they decide to do? Close it down for two months to do work that could have been done in the winter. Your typical misfunctioning bureaucracy of the city of New York. And nobody says anything. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Al in New York. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, uh, Al. Yeah, Curtis, good morning, buddy, good morning. Listen, you brought back, you know, like, just like you do on the weekend, brought back memories of Rockaway Playland before it turned into a cesspool. I used to take my girlfriends there. It was so beautiful. It was just so 
beautiful. The other thing, too, is do you remember this? I just thought this a minute ago. When you used to go to Manhattan Beach, they had the hot dog concession there. You couldn't go up to the, you couldn't go up, you'd have to go on to the side of the building there. There's like 60 years ago. You had to get a ticket. You remember you had to buy a yes. ticket first? Yes. In order to. You couldn't park. Remember, you couldn't park in Manhattan Beach. Same thing like the Rockaways. You know, you couldn't park on the side streets uh, west of 100, uh, west of uh, Beach 116th Street. Uh, but I tell you, the fecal matter in Manhattan Beach, because it was right next to Jamaica Bay, uh, left something to be desired there, Al. Yeah, I don't remember that. But yeah, I'll bet, I'll bet you didn't remember that, Al. <laughs> Those Lincoln logs floating by while you were doing backstrokes in Australia, crawl. you didn't notice that that was fecal matter? I wasn't in the water much, Curtis. Curtis, the other thing, too, is the bridge that crossed the bay. You know what we used to do? We used to jump into the water, uh, jump, dive into the water there. People would throw money in. We'd go down and, you know. Go fetch it in the. Uh, yeah, the problem you know, was, problem nice. was uh, that that was there uh, where I was. It was the Paddockett Basin near Canarsie Gravesend. We go diving off those uh, bridges, and unfortunately, they had stripped cars the night before and pushed them into the Paddockett. And sometimes you go crunch. Oh, that didn't. Uh, Curtis, one more thing, if you don't mind. Listen, I have to. I know last week you weren't in the mood for me, but. I, uh, you know, with the with that race last week, you know, if one of the horses was named Eric Adams, his horse would end up in a tie, you know, tie, oh. suit and tie. Oh, God. Uh, oh, God. Spare us. By the way, uh, the 80 to 1 long shot is not running in the Preakness in Baltimore. So you will not have a potential Triple Crown winner. That is who disgraziare, Shanda. Those hillbillies there in Kentucky, right? Are not running the horse. I think that horse was juiced up. What was that? Uh, the right shot? Uh, uh, <laughs> lightning bolt? Whatever the hell the name of that horse was. I had two of the three winners, and this horse came out of nowhere. And now it won't run in the Preakness? one 800 Let's go to Chris in New York. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Chris. Hi, hi Curtis. Um, do you remember the name of the hotel restaurant that was on 116th Street on the boardwalk? I don't remember the hotel, but the building is still there. I think they've turned that into some kind of structured living facility. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's the same building. Okay, yeah, it- the name of it was Curly's. Ah, Curly's. We'd go, we'd go there for ring dings and, you know, Sunny Boy orange drinks. And, oh, ring dings. Yeah. Oh, and, wow. And I remember Wednesday night, my father would come from work, and then we'd take the A train down to Rockaway, get off 16. Then, oh, no, we'd go, no, 108. And then they would have fireworks at every That's Wednesday right. night during the summer. I forgot all about that. My mother would bring us there because we were living in Ozone Park at the time, 88th and Boyd. And then we lived in Old Howard Beach. So a cheap way for mom and dad to keep the kids busy was to take them to the boardwalk in Rockaways because at about eight thirty, nine o'clock at night, dusk, They'd have the fireworks. You're right. And they were better than the Coney Island fireworks. Much better, Chris. Oh, yeah. It was it was great. The boardwalk was filled with people, and 
We couldn't wait for Wednesday nights to come. Also, um, did you ever see a movie called um, Radio Days? It yes. Was, um, yeah. Oh, that was wasn't that wonderful? Absolutely. Rockaway during World War II. It was Woody Allen's uh, biography. Uh, what, what do you call it? A uh, biography or something? Well, he narrated the movie. Well, uh, remember, have, Woody himself. Right, Woody himself was from uh, Brighton Beach, but let's face yeah. it, the Rockaways were the the pearl, the pearl of the beaches in New York City. Yeah, that was wonderful. I loved that movie. It was funny, charming. Yes. You know, um, and you know, and and just like you were talking about the subs before, the submarines, and they'd have to put all the uh, the lights out at night. And oh, it it was just it was wonderful. And, 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 and think of this, think of that. this: all the great memories that you have, and they're going to close that beach down right after the Memorial Day weekend for two months. What schmucks? What putts is at City Hall? Right? Who who there? Who made that decision? Oh, look, Eric Adams, he couldn't find uh, the Rockaways on a map. Uh, he, that's not his cup of tea. That's my cup of tea. I did very well out there. I've spent many years there. That's not. Uh, an area that Eric Adams was that familiar with. But there are people in City Hall who should know better. Let's go to Mike in Queens. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mike. Curtis, Curtis, Corona, Queens. Uh, seven train, 42nd Street, last stop. Queens sent them all. Take the bus. Go down to Rockaway Playland. Pop, pay one price. One corner, you had the go-karts. The other, that pizzeria on the other end of the entrance to Rockaway where you'd go eat. Handball, swimming, oh, pretty girls from Franklin K. Lane High School. I mean, I was in high school then, not now, but. Ah, <laughs> uh, now think of it. Do you know what the acronym uh, Franklin K. Lane, uh, what it stood for? <laughs> I did, no. Tell me, tell me. Fun, kicks, laughs, and no education. Franklin K. Lane. <laughs> Right on City Line Avenue. I remember it during the race riots. Oh, my God. I think Harry Houdini, who was buried in Highland Park, uh, right opposite uh, Franklin K. Lane High School, was spinning in his grave. The riots were so bad there, so bad. I'm a little younger than you, so all I have is the fond memories of handball. uh, My first communion. Afterwards, I was in my suit getting on all the rides at Rockway Playland. The only place you can still shoot a twenty-two rifle, and the guy that ran it looked like a Hell's Angel. And then they had the other one, the uh, the hundred BBs per minute, and you had to shoot out the star so you can get the big stuffed animal, which you can never shoot out the star. Oh, but, no, uh, they just, uh, I tell you, the memories were flowing. Ladies and gentlemen, I can't beseech you more. Don't let them close down Rockaway Beach from Beach 92nd Street to Beach 116th Street all during the summer season. Show up Sunday at 2 o'clock. I can't be there. I'll be broadcasting. I was there earlier today, Friday the 13th. But please, represent me and so many of our listeners who can't be there. That beach has got to remain open if Rockaway is to survive after the lockdown and pandemic of March of 2020. Other side of midnight. Here's Curtis Lewa.
See, nobody has better jams than Curtis Sleewa. Nobody at WABC or anywhere else on the dial, especially in the wee hours of the morning. That's right, Broadway Bill Lee came out of retirement from WCBS-FM to take over the boards here. And meantime, Avery, who is our overnight producer and phone screener, will talk about how you got dished and dismissed by the Frank Morano crew tomorrow, same time, same place, Avery. But check, check out this vibe. Oh, yeah. Go ahead, Dominic Carter. See if you can get your groove into this. Yeah, folks, nerdly. Let's see if you can get your groove into this. Frank Morano. Oh, no. Oh, no, if the songs ain't in the 1919s, it doesn't count. What is that, brother? Can you spare a dime? What is the name of this jam? This great song that has not been revived in a month of Sundays and is so pertinent to our discussion now as we are going to discuss the subways of New York City that have experienced a 70% increase in crime. All kinds of crime. So what is the name of this song? And uh, Broadway Bill Lee, keep it low all throughout here because I need that motivation going into the wee hours of the morning. All those folks who would normally be riding the trains as they're coming from restaurants, as they're coming from clubs, as they're coming from gin mills and bars. Not doing it like they used to, especially the women. They're saying, look, if I can't Uber it, if I can't lift it there, I ain't going there. And you know, if the women ain't going out to the wee hours in the morning, the men sure ain't. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let me catch that vibe. Yeah, go ahead, Dominic Carter. You can't touch this. Bo Snurdly, you can't touch this. Frank Morano, please. This is so beyond your ability to get the groove to your move. Don't even try, because you'll probably get sacrilegious. What is the name of this song that you probably have not heard in a month of Sundays? 1-800-848-9222, and it's synonymous with the subways of New York City, 1-800-848-9222. So let me give you the latest in uh, Eric Adams. Uh, boy, that swagger man still has no plan to deal with the crime, but boy, does he dress good, right? With those Ferragamo jammies, with those customized suits. We're not talking suits off the rack. This is not a men's wholesale outlet guy at all. And you know where he is right now? At 1 o'clock in the morning, he's at the Zero Bond Club again downtown. A private club where the rules are whatever happens in the Zero Bond Club stays in the Zero Bond Club. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Cracking down on subway crime. 
So uh, I noticed a station that I'm well familiar with. Spent most of my time growing up uh, as a kid there. Broadway Junction, East New York. It's where the A train is in the bowels of that station. And then you take the escalator high into the sky and it connects to the J train and to the L train. Obviously, the L train kept me connected to uh, Rockaway Parkway. Last stop, Canarsie, where I grew up. But 100,000 daily riders. That's the third busiest subway hub in all of the city of New York, if you can believe that. That's right, Broadway Junction, East New York. Third busiest in the city. And so what did our crackdown on crime get this week? Ha! I made Eric Adams... A Central American woman selling guava melon. <laughs> they took her out in handcuffs. The 34th Transit Police Precinct. Come on, guys. Come on. What's next? The charro lady selling charro? I, you know, I've been riding the trains for 43 years as a guardian angel. Since I was five years old on the L train, which stood for the lousy line, 1959, by myself. And I'm 68 years old now. That means 63 years I've been riding the subways of New York City in all four boroughs. Yeah, I know they have Staten Island Rapid Transit. I don't even consider that a subway out there in Staten Island. I have never seen a crime committed by a charro lady or a Central American woman selling guava melon. And they took her out in handcuffs. <laughs> and Eric Adams was all proud. He was his, busting his buttons and bridges with pride. And he's got this obsession. I don't know what it is about people barbecuing in the subways with uh, propane tanks. Listen to a comedian do a riff on Eric Adams as he was sitting there at the Robin Hood Foundation dinner. You know, all the gazillionaires, Jeff Bezos, uh, all of them were there. And this comedian was like just ripping Eric Adams. Today, May 9th, in a press conference, our great honorable mayor said, we can't have vendors selling on the subway. What's next? Someone brings a propane tank. People are doing barbecues on the subway. Hey, Mayor Adams, what are you talking about? What are you picturing? What is a subway barbecue? And why do you hate them so much? Were you dumped as a teen at a subway barbecue? Mayor Adams always addresses two problems and then one crazy one. No guns, no crime, no barbecues on the subway. We need better schools. We need better transportation. No more volleyball games on the BQE. Not more. Oh, by the way, uh, the mayor's cut the funding for the BQE. It desperately needs uh, to be reconstructed. Any of you who've driven on that BQE... uh, Look, there's fiscal problems in the city. There's no more stimulus money. So uh, our mayor, Eric Adams, has said no money for the BQE now. I think that's a mistake. But he's got to balance a $100 billion budget that's already whacked out from the days of uh, Bill de Blasio. But I asked this one time before. And the mayor has an obsession in thinking that people are going to be barbecuing on the subway. 
with propane tanks. Has anybody out there ever seen anybody barbecuing on the subway? And especially with propane tanks? Where, where did this obsession come up? I get it, the Charo ladies. I get it, the guava melon lady. But he's constantly talking about his fear that people are going to be barbecuing, or as he calls it, barbecuing in the subway with propane tanks. Maybe somebody can enlighten me out there. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to the phones. It's Carol calling from Yonkers. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Carol. Oh, good morning, Curtis. How are you? About that uh, group, D-Train. Very good. Oh, I love that music in the 80s. But I'm going to take a stab at the uh, name of the song, uh, Keep On. Yes. It is? Oh, my God. Yes. Now, if you (laughs) notice, you haven't heard that song in a long, long time, right? I have it in my collection, believe it or not. Like with loose ends. Yeah, I, I was really heavy to um, R&B in the 80s, and then I changed to reggae and calypso. So ah, but this, <laughs> this song is so synonymous with the subways because it's called, the group was called D-Train. And, yeah. you know, you just got to rock this song, you know, just you put your little earbuds in. You know, people are getting stabbed and shot in front of you, <laughs> beaten, and you're just like totally tuned out. <laughs> you're on the subway. Wow, this is great. <laughs> Wow. That, that is a really, really great song. And I think that group might have had a song that I can't remember right now. Um, but they were great with the bass and everything. It was fun. It was Absolutely. Fun Could dance to that song all night long, nonstop. It just kept coming at you in waves, Carol, waves. That's definitely, definitely. Well, you stay on the phone. You stay on the phone, Carol, because, uh, Avery, you make sure you take good care of Carol. She uh, hit it out of the ballpark knowing that that group was D-Train. Classic. Why haven't we heard this song of late? It took Curtis Lee with to resurrect it. Not Dominic Carter. No. Not Bo Snurdy. No. Frank Morano. Oh, that's Rudy Valley. Brother, can you spare a dime? Al Jolson. You know, please, this would give him a heart attack. Could you imagine if Frank Morano had to get up on the dance floor and dance to D-Train? He'd have cardiac arrest. And let me tell you something, Frank, if you're listening, I would not be giving you CPR. I'm not giving you lip-to-lip resuscitation. No way. Great song. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. I know some of you are leaving the clubs as we speak, and you're saying, damn, I was listening to the DJ all night. He was spinning some good records, some good music, but I didn't hear D-Train. You ain't going to hear it out there. Carol, she remembered it. She gave up on D-Train and R&B. She went calypso and reggae. Hey, it's okay. Especially with the birthday of Bob Marley if he was still alive. Uh, see, I didn't forget. I didn't forget. Peter Tosh. That's because they tried to get me in Trenchtown. I'm not going to discuss that. The shower posse, they uh, did not necessarily like Curtis Sliwa. Ha, huh, I wonder why. Oh, here it goes. Go ahead, Sid Rosenberg. You think you can match this? Bernard McGurk? No way. 
You can't touch this. I heard Dick Morris. He was spinning some tunes. Nah, can't touch this, Dick. Cannot touch this. Rudy. Rudy, if it ain't the Godfather, he doesn't play it. We're going to be talking Godfather later on. Greg Kelly at war with Rudy Giuliani over certain elements of what was in the Godfather movies and where they took place. And Frank Morano saying, dissing and dismissing it and saying, you should go to the Mob Museum in Las Vegas. In fact, so nice, you should go twice. I wonder who's greasing him to have said that, huh? We'll get down to the bottom of the nitty-gritty of that. Our number's 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Tommy in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Tommy. Oh, hey, Curtis. Um, I just woke up. I'm sorry. I am uh, had a bad night. Um, did, did whoa, 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 Tommy, tell me. How come he had a bad night, Tommy? What, what was the problem? Yeah. Uh, none. Uh, it was, uh, I was working. I was doing some work, and, uh, and I got mad because I saw somebody bobby-feeling on the subway. You saw what? I, I went back to sleep. I was so upset. Somebody was bobby-feeling on the subway. So I was upset. I had to go to sleep. Yeah, you shouldn't have woke up. <laughs> Tommy, you shouldn't have woke up. With a line like that, you should have stayed asleep. Oh, oh. That head, huh? oh so how did, how did D-Train get their name, Tommy? Well, I mean, they, they go over there. They used to record over there. Uh, they were recording. It's just a note of fact. Uh, uh, they were recording over there uh, at one of the studios. And... Um, and he couldn't, they were having a problem when they went to that. And the same studio went, I can't remember the name of the people, D'Addario, something like that. Uh, D'Arios, they, they they had this uh, studio and they were, D Train was recording there. And they moved to Manhattan. They were the uh, studio. Tommy, Tommy, you, you, you're doing a little coke there. I noticed you're huffing a little no. bit there. Hey, Tommy, come on. No, I'm sorry. You said I, you had a tough time waking up. You know, maybe you did a line. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not yeah. calling the DEA on you. You know, I'm not. I'm not. Okay. I'm not. I'm not busting your stones. You, you just sounded like you were snorting there. No, I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not. I should though, right? Maybe I should wake up a bit. Well, yeah, you, you have in the past, right, Tommy? Come on, your nose. Yeah, is... well, met much, many, many times. I know many, that. Yeah, I, I could tell you, schnoz. It's used to that uh, nose candy. It's okay. It's yeah. all right, Tommy. Uh, I got the DEA symptom. What do you want from me? Whoa, what do you mean? You just woke up and you called me. No, I got the deviated septum, you know? Oh, a deviated septum. That's what the girls used to say when all of a sudden they would go to get a nose job. You know, they'd say, oh, I have a deviated septum. No, you just have a big beak. Yeah, you got a schnoz. Like it's exactly. Roman nose. Roman Italians and Jews. Italians and Jews. The big schnozzes. Yeah. They'd have a big beak. Next thing you know, their eyes would be blackened. They'd have gauze on, uh, in their nose. <laughs> their, their nose would be all swollen. And they'd say, you'd say what, what happened there, Gloria? Oh, uh, deviated septum. They, they, they forced the operation on me. I didn't want to say you've always had a big beak. Uh, that's the reason you had it. Yeah, you look like you got a nice nose now, but it used to be rolling over your face. You know what I'm saying? That's right. It's not like a, right. a fighter, somebody who had their, their schnoz punched down their throat a few times, and then they had to get an operation so they could breathe. That I can understand. But the young ladies at such a young age would have those nose jobs, especially in the 60s and 70s. Oh, my God. Well, you know, I'm just thinking of when you said that about the nose job, Karen DeWilla. 
Oh, my God. Hmm. She was so gorgeous. But I saw a picture of her when she was like 10, 12 years old. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm glad I met her after she got the nose job. Oh, uh, one nose job or two? I'm sure she had more than one because she had a really pretty face. She had, she, she had really nice eyelids, too. She, did, she had shady eyelids, and they took care of them, too. I, I, I could never understand that. It's like that's that's how you were born. Just leave it alone. Leave it alone. Women always were toying with their look, whether it was their nose, their hair, their eyebrows. Remember women uh, women would just shave their eyebrows off, shave them off, and then put the mascara there. And you'd say, why'd you shave off your beautiful eyebrows just to put a line exactly. of mascara there? I, I never got that one either. Could not for the life of me figure that out. Some of these women with bushy eyebrows, you would kill for bushy eyebrows. And the next mm-hmm. thing you know, they're shaving them off, and they put a line of mascara there as if they were a ball player putting black cork underneath their eyes, you know, to, to fend off the uh, uh, the uh, the light, you know, when they're trying to catch a, a fly ball in Yankee Stadium. <laughs> hey, hey, Tommy, you sound like you got some congestion problems, too. Then. Oh, man. Oh. Maybe I got the COVID. Could you Maybe could be, you know, you're, you're doing a line, a little COVID, you know, you need to slow down a little bit, Tommy. A little slow down. Yeah. Well, I just woke up and I'm a, I'm a heavy smoker. I haven't had my first cigarette yet. <laughs> Maybe you want to put that. Maybe you want to put that cigarette. Sorry, Curtis, I don't want to cough on the radio anymore. I'm sorry. Oh no, it's, it's okay. Night. It's okay. Oh man, I'm gonna choke out. Guess what, Tommy? I ain't giving you CPR either. No lip to lip for you or for Frank Morano. Wow. I've had people fall asleep on me lately, like Juan from Boston, Ellen from Queens. Tommy's choking out on me. I don't know. Something going on here. 1 800 848 That's 1 800 848 WABC. Let's go to Andy in Queens. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Andy. Hey Curtis, yeah, I want to talk about all the, the crazy uh, crime what they smash and grab with the uh, at the jewelry stores and all this crazy and the duck sauce killer. Yeah, ooh, but it's uh, mad crazy in so many places. Uh, pick your poison. Which one you want to talk about first? Well, I mean, did they ever find the guy who killed the uh, the delivery guy, the duck sauce? No, no, we've been patrolling that oh area God. in Forest Hills as Guardian Angels. We've never been asked to patrol Forest Hills before. They've never had these kind of problems. Imagine he's a 45-year-old Chinese-American guy, well-known in the community, leaves behind a wife, a widow, and apparently got shot and killed because he didn't give the customer enough duck sauce. So they never found the guy? Well, they think they know who it is, but, you know, things move so slowly now that arrests don't get made unless they have the DNA, they have photo identification, they have witness identification. It's a real shame. They know who it is, but they're not making an arrest. Uh, I wish I, I knew the inside scoop on that, but this should be a slam dunk. Everybody knows the guy who would come in and harass the employees. That one time he got arrested he threatened them with a gun uh, over something oh else. Uh, they tackled him. The staff tackled him. The cops uh, came there from the uh, precinct over on Yellowstone Boulevard in Austin Street, and they didn't arrest him. And you say to yourself, what more does somebody have to do, kill somebody in order to be arrested in New York City in 2022? 
I can't. I, I, I yeah, because I just feel like you know, this people, you know, people are just worried that this guy is still around and. You know, it can never happen again. It could happen again, and yeah. Well, well, we got we got guardian angels there now. The smashing grabs at the jewelry stores—that's happening everywhere. The most recent one was up in Yonkers, right on South Broadway, broad daylight. Four guys just smashing the pieces, the window, and then reaching in, grabbing the jewelry. Uh, up in the Bronx, Longfellow, it happened there. Uh, right across from our studios here, there's a jewelry store. And Andy, they don't have any jewelry in the window. That's a clear indication that they know that they're going to be targeted for a smash and grab. And this is in Midtown Manhattan. I mean, no place is safe any longer. Uh, It's just crime has has run wild. It's fear city. Criminals know there are no consequences. They can do smash and grabs. They can walk into Soho, NoHo, doesn't matter. They can go shoplifting with their Alvin Bragg uh, swag bag, fill up two bags, and nothing's going to happen to them. Yeah, I just, I, I can't, you know, you got to, like I said, with the, with, like you spoke earlier about the buffoon mayor with, with the park. I mean, I don't know what Joanne Ariola, she's a city council member for the area. I don't know if she opened them up or said anything about it. Um, it, you know, everybody's stressed out. The beach is a great place to be to relax and calm from the madness of the city. They shutting that down and they got the businesses. So I, you know, it's, it's, I can't, I'm just lost for words. And I just want to thank you. Um, I'm in Richmond Hill. You had, um, guardian angels here. Everybody was so happy to see you guys here. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, Richmond Hill, uh, they had uh, attacked, uh, those Sikhs outside the Sikh temple. It's a large Sikh community now. Right near Richmond Hill High School, uh, which had graduated Phil Rizzuto, the scooter. The Yankee scooter, Phil Rizzuto. Uh, Broadway, Bill Hamilton, I need a little D-train here. I really need to get the vibe up. Because I know there are people getting out of those clubs, those restaurants, those gin mills. And I know they thought they heard good music earlier tonight. But nothing like the jams that I keep coming at you with. And you can never quite figure out what direction I'm going to go. One minute it's R&B. Next minute it might be rock and roll. Next minute it might be electronic dance music, my favorite. Next time it might be country and western. Ah, rarely, but sometimes. It's an eclectic form of music that I associate with the spoken word. Because that's what we do, the spoken word. It's theater of the mind. When we go into the wee hours of the morning, I have to paint the picture because you're not stunad. It stimulates your ability to think with your medulla and your cerebellum. And that's why I like to give trivia out because trivia leads to massive numbers of discussions as we digress and we move in all different directions. Whereas Frank Morano believes that trivia does not lead to any discussion at all. He couldn't be more hopelessly wrong. Anyway, let's go back to the phones. one 800 848 Let's go to uh, Billy calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Billy. Hey, how time you're going to close the beach? Hey, 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 Billy, where you calling from, Billy? Uh, Bensoners there. Oh, all right, Bensoners, yeah. What, what, what do you got to say, Billy? Oh, no, I was going to tell you about my favorite time going on patrol. You know, on Broadway Junction going up there, uh, you know, going up to 42nd, crossing through Broadway Junction. And uh, some of the favorite songs I used to hear on the train going up, which was like, uh, what was it? 
Ann Parrish and uh, what's that guy's name? Is it in uh, with Jimmy Bowen? No, Jimmy Ruff. No, not him. There's another Jimmy Ruffin. No, no, he's that's older. That's before those times. That's those times were hot. They were great. Bo Hannon. The music. The music made the night. Uh, So you were hearing it on the boom boxes back then. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Did you have your own boom box, Billy? No, I don't have a boom box. Never did. Huh? Never did. A gig. Man, I can't hear you. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Listen to the music, Billy. Listen to the music, Billy. Yeah, keeping it on. Keeping it on. Oh, this is such a good jam. You could go all night with this jam. Why did it take Curtis Leewood to revive this? Getting out of your clubs, getting out of your nightclubs, your restaurants, your gin mills. Tell me, you're not hearing any music like this. Now, I know that our owner-operator of Red Apple Media, our parent company of WABC, John Katsimatidis, wants to potentially have a music station. I would suggest uh, Broadway Bill Lee that you sign up, an alumni of WCBS-FM, Came out of retirement after 1972, man. You were up on the racks. You were down in Fort Myers. You were like going, going, gone. Started to die. And then you heard me. You heard me revive you and resurrect you and say, no, no, you got to come back to the Curtis Lee show here at WABC. And then Avery. Avery, who was uh, down there in Atlanta. Oh, yeah, he was uh, very studious. He was studying production, radio, television production at one of the great classical universities down in Atlanta, Georgia, Peach Pit Alley. And uh, he came up here charging. He's our overnight producer. He's our phone screen. A lot of people had some really bad things to say about Avery. We're going to get to all that. Miss you, gosh. Tomorrow, we're going to settle the score. Because... You see, I think it's all Frank Morano and his crew. They're envious. They're jealous. Because they know our crew is the best, number one, second to none. Although you should have seen Frank Morano flexing at the awards ceremony the other night at the Empire Steakhouse put on by John and Margot Katsimatidis and Chad Lopez, our capo di tutti. He was like, oh, wow. My ratings have gone up 20%. Curtis, yours only went up 17%. He did one of those. I said, can you believe this guy? This guy used to be my producer. Now they tell me he's number one, second to none. He's the golden child, the future of talk radio and untouchable. Hey, touch this, Frank. Yeah, there's his board op, Matt, there's Alex, there's Felipe, and there's Frank Morano. What a dysfunctional crew that is. Monday through Fridays from 1 to 5, 
20 hours of overnight radio, and then you get 12 from me, Saturday mornings, 12 midnight to 6. So nice, they let me do it twice, and it's uh, Sunday mornings from 12 midnight to 6. And then you hear me uh, with Anthony Weiner, 2 to 4 on Saturdays, and then uh, 3 to 5 on Sundays. And then I'm back and wrap it all up from 9 to 12 with the last hour, the Animal Welfare Hour, with my beautiful wife and animal rescuer par excellence, Nancy Sliwa. It doesn't get any better than that. Let's go to Miriam, who's calling from Forest Hills. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Miriam. Miriam, you sort of answered me before. I was asking about the man who was killed, the delivery man on Queens Boulevard. My son lives around the corner from where the store is, and he was the sweetest, nicest man he would have ever wanted. My grandson had a problem with his tire once. By tire, he helped him out. He was really a sweet guy. But did anyone ever apprehend you? You answered somebody else that question. No, no, unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, the police and the uh, district attorney's office say that they have a possible suspect. They have not moved in to make an arrest, Miriam. You are right. That Chinese-American. Curtis, my yes. granddaughter saw you there. You were uh, patrolling there. I told her to go up to you to say hello because you're the nicest guy in the world. I've spoken to you many times. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 I appreciate that and appreciate all... You were waiting in the elevator to take Hunter up, and you were just always such a nice, caring, wonderful person, and you should be mayor. Yeah, you know, I was at PS100 uh, the other night. uh, It was about a week ago. That's over near the gardens. There's nobody there. I live six blocks from Hunter and uh, Carter. Yeah, Hunter and Carter. Oh, I used to see you in front of the uh, Sunday walking Hunter. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 Hunter. I was kicking the soccer ball around and talking with his brother, you know, doing the male bonding thing. In that schoolyard, PS100, it's in Forest Hill, the gardens. There was nobody there. I, I don't ever remember being in a playground and nobody was there. I remember PS114, PS115, Bill C. Junior High School in Canarsie. Used to have the huffers over in the corner. Those are the guys, the glue sniffers. You know, their their noses, uh, they had the rum rouge on their nose because they kept <laughs> huffing airplane glue. Remember, everybody should stay away from them. Those are crazy guys. Their brains are going to go pop. Now you walk into a playground, PS100, the gardens. There's nobody there. Nice. They have a little track. They have little game boards on the ground. They have basketball courts. Nobody there. Old style. Big gymnasium. I could look inside. Old school gymnasium. And then the assembly hall. Huge. They don't make schools like that any longer. I hope those kids appreciate what they have there. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. All night long, this is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. I'm talking good old Low and slow is tried and true. 
little country western action. You never know what's going to come uh, up next on the Curtis Lee Show. But there's a purpose to this madness. I'm playing this barbecue song because our mayor, Eric Adams, has a obsession in thinking that people are going to bring barbecue pits onto the subway platforms and trains with propane tanks. In fact, it is so foolish that while he was sitting there at the annual Robin Hood Foundation group with all the gazillionaires and billionaires like uh, Jeff Bezos, John Mulaney of uh, Saturday Night Live was making fun of him. Today, May 9th, in a press conference, our great honorable mayor said, we can't have vendors selling on the subway. What's next? Someone brings a propane tank. People are doing barbecues on the subway. Hey, Mayor Adams, what are you talking about? What are you picturing? What right, is exactly. a Subway barbecue? And why right. do you hate them so much? Were you dumped as a teen at a Subway barbecue? <laughs> Mayor Adams always addresses two problems and then one crazy one. No guns, no crime, no barbecues on the Subway. We need better schools. We need better transportation. No more volleyball games on the BQE. Not more. <laughs> I don't get that barbecue thing. I'm 68. I've ridden the subway by myself for 63 years since I was five, 1959. I have never seen barbecue on the subway. Let's go to Miriam in New Jersey. She may know what Mayor Eric Adams is talking about. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Miriam. Good morning, Curtis. Yes, Miriam. Let me tell you something. That guy has no swagger, first of all. And you know what? So we're talking about barbecue and in the subway system with a propane tank, whatever. You know what I heard? What? He barbecued in the subway system with Frank Morano. Ha! <laughs> ha! They barbecued together. No, no, let me tell you something about Frank Morano. His days of riding the subway are over. Over. No, no, there was a time that Frank Morano could be spotted on the uh, subway system getting around town. But ever since uh, he got married uh, to the lovely Rachel, he's now a homeowner, father of Carmine, who, by the way, uh, when I was at the uh, Staten Island Ferry Hawks game, the opening night, Carmine was there with Rachel and Frank, easily 36 pounds now, easily. No, one of the people said, can I hold Carmine? Frank said, you know, he's kind of heavy. And I said, easily 36 pounds, right, Frank? Frank wouldn't answer me. The poor person uh, who picked up Carmine, I think, got a double hernia. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go, if we can, to uh, Sammy calling from the Bronx. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Sammy. Hey, Curtis, before I get started, I want to say you fill in on the weekends, in the mornings, at night, in the daytime. You're like the George Blander of uh, talk radio. <laughs> oh, that's excellent. George Bland. Uh, remember Houston? He, he, kicked, he, he kicked field goals. He was a great passer. Oh. 
was the ultimate utility, man. That's how you are. That's right. Well, uh, for the Yankees, years and years ago, there was Gil McDougal. He played every position. Uh, I, I tell you, there have been a few great utility guys, and that's me. I can uh, plug in any uh, time slot, no matter what the subject matter, with a moment's notice. Uh, but then again, I have the most experience probably of anybody here, 32 years in talk radio at WABC. It's a long time. Well, anyway, there's going to be a little bit of relief for the citizens of New York. As it currently stands, to get a carry permit, the police department, you have to show a special need, like uh, Robert De Niro could get a carry permit, uh, Howard Stern, John Casmatiz, because he makes a lot of money. He's a businessman. He can get a carry permit. But the average Joe Schmo can't get a carry permit. It's like, where's the equal protection? You're granting up somebody a special privilege because of their social status or uh, economic status, and that's unfair. And in June, when they announced the leaked uh, you know, abortion uh, decision, they're also going to announce uh, the right for the average Joe Schmo to carry a gun. As long as you could pass a background check in New York City, they're going to allow you to get a carry permit. Yeah, well, now, uh, Sammy. And all the politicians up in arms about it. Yeah, they're acting like uh, citizens, uh, law abiding citizens, are more a danger to the crime situation than the criminals carrying guns, illegal guns. And you scratch your head and you say, there are a lot of states that I've been in where I have guardian angels and people have the right to carry. Uh, probably the most obvious one is uh, Phoenix in Arizona. You have people like 75, 80 carrying, you know, uh, and they're not, uh, they're not, uh, the, the gun is very available. You're able to see it. It's on their hip, 44 Magnums. Uh, Florida is awash with guns. Texas is awash with guns. They don't seem to have the same problems that the major urban areas in the North do with guns. Like, look, Washington, D.C., Baltimore, uh, New York City, Boston, Philadelphia. We can just go down the line, Chicago, Portland now, which is a murder capital, Seattle, Los Angeles, San Francisco, St. Louis. Uh, You know, there's more cities with gun problems that have strong gun control laws because they don't let law-abiding people carry weapons. That's real. Well, at least the criminal, uh, criminals might think twice about mugging somebody or robbing somebody. And I know, like, the police department, they're afraid it's going to be like the Wild West. Don't we have the Wild West right now? <laughs> <laughs> Did you, the best one was right where I used to be a manager of uh, McDonald's uh, near West, uh, West Fordham Road. The other night, a guy's wearing an Allen Iverson throwback jersey. He pulls out a gun. He shoots the, his friend right in the foot. And the friend keeps yelling at him and doesn't back off. Now, that tells you right there that this city is completely out of control. People just pull guns out and they shoot even their friends when they're having disputes and arguments because, Sammy, the cops are not doing stop and frisk. Stop and frisk would end a lot of this. <laughs> it works. It, uh, <laughs> well, look, I mean, people... back to back up right. in the Bronx, I mentioned West Fawn, and that was a few days ago. Tonight uh, at about 7 o'clock, an area that we used to patrol heavily during the era of crack cocaine in the 80s, Brian and Seneca in the heart of Hunts Point, we used to do uh, crack raids there. Uh, a guy had a gun. He shot at two undercover detectives, narco detectives. Uh, they shot back. They killed them. If you notice, there was a guy they shot and killed just the other night. That was an undercover team uh, because 
the, the streets are awash with guns in the hands of criminals. That's right. Hey, I want to ask you a question. When yeah. I was a, when you when you started the Guardian Angels in '79, I think I was I just started high school, my first year, and I never understood why the cops used to roust you guys. I mean, if you're a cop, wouldn't you want an extra pair of eyes and ears out there helping you out? I just never understood that that aspect of it. Well, remember, at that time, uh, we were under fiscal constraint. Ed Koch could not spend money because we were on the uh, uh, bridge of going bankrupt. And so uh, he had to lay off cops, firefighters, teachers, social workers. They had to lay off about 9,000 civil servants, a lot of them cops. And so the cops said, wait a second. If people accept these volunteers, they'll never hire back our colleagues who are laid off and many of them fired, might never return to uh, their profession of being police uh, for the NYPD. So there was a lot of animus that way. Uh, there were a lot of people who thought I was a charlatan. I was a hustler, you know, like Al Slim Shady Sharpton. A lot of people didn't think we didn't carry uh, weapons because, you know, I said, we don't carry weapons. And they said, come on, you can't survive out there without carrying weapons. So it took a long time. And then Rudy became mayor in 1992, and he said, stop this. Stop the harassment of Guardian Angels. We're going to work with them. And we haven't had a problem since. Haven't had a problem since, even with mayors who didn't necessarily like me. I think they understood that uh, the people love the Guardian Angels. Well, I, one thing I noticed between, like, the 1990s during the crack epidemic and now, okay, there was much more crime back then. But people got arrested. They went to jail. You know, they and they went to prison <laughs> after that. Yes. Where now it's like a revolving door. It's, I've never seen anything like it in my life. In order to, I mean, I can, my neighbor upstairs, right, try to stab my other neighbor, right, with a butcher knife. He was out within four hours. I couldn't believe it. I was shocked. Yeah, because they have now what they call alternative sentencing programs in which district attorneys, instead of uh, prosecuting you to send you to jail for violent crimes or attempted violent crimes, try to segue you into what they call the alternative sentencing program. You come in for therapy once a week. They give you Oreo cookies, although uh, at the at the inflationary rate of Oreo cookies you've seen in the stores, I don't think they're going to be able to afford them anymore. Maybe it'll be Ritz crackers, a uh, glass of milk. You sit down. Uh, you tell the therapist why the furniture is upstairs and rearranged in the wrong rooms, and then they let you go home. And you go out and you do it again, and you carry your nine, your loaded nine. That's, that's the sign of manhood in the streets, to not just carry a nine millimeter, carry a loaded nine, and that you're willing to use it. Well, because there's no consequences, people have, you know, they feel like they have the right to do what they want to do, and uh, they get away with it. That's for sure. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, Sammy, it's going to have to get worse before it gets better. It's been a history in this town. It got worse when David Dinkins got elected. 2,000 murders a year, 5,000 unsolved shootings. And then Rudy Giuliani a second time was barely elected, barely elected. And then all of a sudden he turned what was the murder capital of America, the crime capital of America in eight years to the safest big city in America Eric Adams would behoove himself to sit down, have a private conversation, and limit it only to public safety. doesn't have to call, talk about Dominion, Smartmatic, uh, whether Donald Trump uh, was robbed in the election, all that stuff that would divide them. Just keep the discussion about public safety. Nobody knows it better than uh, Michael Matichich, Rudy Giuliani, because he's done it. 
Uh, let's go to Sal in Brooklyn. Uh, your turn to be heard here at WABC, Sal. Hey, Curtis. Yeah, everybody in the world support the Guardian Angels. Always been the best. Always a lot of respect to you, brother, and your whole your whole organization. Thank you, Salvatore. Yeah, nobody knows a city like Curtis. You know, Curtis, I was thinking you were talking about the boomboxes, right? Yes. I grew up with them. I grew up with them. And, uh, you know, I think they... They could serve. I think they should come back. I'll tell you why. They could serve two purposes. Remember the brothers? Everybody carry them on their shoulders walking sure. through the street, right? Sure. Right up, sure. right up to the ears. Well, now with all the bullets flying around, you can listen to your music and protect your protect your dome from a stray one. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Those, uh, I mean, some of those boom boxes were like seventy-two inch big screen TVs. Curtis, the eight, the eight D cell batteries, right? You run through them in one day. All the batteries you had to buy, and I know, I'm guessing back then uh, that was a big, uh, a big hot item. You know, people would walk out with as many as they can to uh, to, to to charge up those boom boxes. Oh yeah, and in a pinch, remember there was always the Chinese woman going up and down the train selling those knockoff uh, D batteries. Yeah, you know they were good, good and bad days. You know, Curtis. Yeah, but I, I got to tell you that when guys would be out there with the boom boxes and it'd be blasting music, and I'd be on the train patrolling with the Guardian Angels, I'd say to the guy, "Hey, could you do me a solid? I got a, I got a headache. Could you lower that boom box?" And you know what the guy would say, Sal, F you, who do you think you are? I said, who do I think I am? I would open the window, because remember, you could open the windows on the trains. I said, I'm going to show you who I am. Boom! I take the boombox, smash it up against the wall, throw it out the window. And the guy would go absolutely nuts. And I say, you want to die over a boombox? And some of them were foolish enough to think that it was worth dying for, Sal. Well, you know, Curtis, only you could get away with that. You know, I mean, I, uh, the only the only thing that might have saved you sometimes, and and a lot of people in the world may notice, especially the nation, is if you happen to be on that uh, Coney Island train going over to Stillwell Avenue, and the Warriors were coming back from that rock view up in the Bronx. You know, Curtis. That's right. And uh, you know, we came out the very same time. February 8th, 1979, Paramount Films released the cult classic, now The Warriors. And I announced, get this, on Friday the 13th, February 13th, 1979, we're going to be talking about the significance of Friday the 13th and the fear that people have on on the day that just passed. They won't even come outside. They won't even uh, barely breathe. But uh, it was only... Five days after the Warriors hit the big screens in theaters across America, and everybody thought we were cast characters of the Warriors. You know, they'd see us on the trains. We looked like popping fresh Pillsbury doughboys and doughgirls in those red berets and red sateen jackets. And the thugs and the thugettes would say, Warriors, come out and play. And they'd call us Charlie's Angels, Hell's Angels. All kinds of words I can't even use on the radio right now or get bumped by the FCC. But it was a time where we had no other recourse. It was do or die. If you ever had an opportunity to see the movie The Warriors, it was so real to life. 
a charismatic gang leader named Cyrus summoned all the street gangs in New York City to uh, Vancouver, uh, excuse me, to Van Cortland Park, which is the northernmost area of the Bronx, last stop in the number one train. And they all congregated, and from a mount he gave a speech that said there's like uh, 40,000 of us, there's only 20,000 of them, the cops, we rule the streets, and they really did back then, the gangs did. And then somebody from the crowd shot Cyrus dead. Everybody blamed it on the Warriors. And then the Warriors, since they were all street gangs, had to fight their way back on the subways to where they were from, Coney Island, Stillwell Avenue. And that's where they resolved as to which gang actually shot Cyrus. And it was not the Warriors. Great. If you've never seen the Warriors, it is such a good period piece with the graffiti, the feel, you get the complete ambiance of what it was like in the 70s. When uh, I came out with the Guardian Angels on February 13th of 1979. And remember, next hour, we're going to be talking about the significance of Friday the 13th. All the people that are fearful, that probably for the last 24 hours were out of sight, out of mind, didn't go to work, didn't contact anybody, hiding under their uh, Castro convertible, thinking the world's worst things would happen to them. Anyway, uh, let's go to Troy calling from Long Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Troy. Chris, a pleasure speaking to you, sir. Oh, pleasure. Now, which part of which part of which part of Long Island you calling from? Western Suffolk, West Babylon. Okay, all right. I've been there. I've been there. Now, what can I do for you, Troy? I'm a blind DJ. Uh, I'm with some of these some places with party, and I want to invite you to a party we're having in August. Now, wait a second. You said you're a blind DJ. Totally blind for the past ten years. Wow. So, how, how do you how do you pick your musical selection? I know about all my CDs. I know, I know, I know from start to finish. Wow! So then, uh, th- have you ever played this song by D Train? What song is that? Good, good. All right. And, uh, what kind of party you having? Now you got to lure me out there. What, what kind of jam are you having out there, Troy? We're going to be having a classics party. We're playing these from the eighties and nineties. Oh, all sorts of good stuff. Oh, so you have other DJs? It's going to be a battle of DJs and MCs. Now, see, my brother, my my partner DJ Lloyd, uh, we've been friends for years, for twenty years. He's going to have, I'm going to have him play. He's going to sell for everything, but he's going to help me uh, pick up my music. Uh, going to try to get some people to come out to Belmont Park or another place. Well, I tell you sure what, I tell you what. Hold hold on the line, Troy. You got to talk to Avery here. Uh, who will take your information, and in the meantime, while I try to make up my mind as to whether I'm going to go to West Babylon or not, we're going to send you a cap that you can rock as a blind DJ. Man, that's going to be something special. WABC, Curtis Lever, and don't ever mess with Troy. Because if I ever hear you dissing and dismissing Troy's musical selection, I will hit you so hard, your mother will feel the vibrations.
Now, who played that promo that Chris Libertini did about Ellen falling asleep on me? You know that was put together by Frank Morano and his crew to make me look weak, like I'm soft, ineffective, and that as a talk radio show host, that maybe I need to fold myself up like a cheap camera. Not Oofa. It's another side of midnight. Here's Curtis Lewa. To the phone, Snoop Doggy Dog and Dr. Dre is at the dope. Ready to make an entrance, so back on up. Before I have to pull the strap out the cut. Give me the microphone first so I can bust like a bubble. Compton and Long Beach together, now you know you in trouble. Cause ain't nothing but a G thing, baby. Too low, death G, so we crazy. Death Row is the label that pays, man. Unfatable, so please don't try to fake this. But uh, back to the lecture at hand. Perfection is perfected, so I'm a lad, I'm understand. From a young G's perspective And before me dig out a trick I have to find a contraceptive You never know she could be earning her man And learning her man And at the same time burning her man Now when she burning I'ma chill for a minute Cause ain't no loving good enough to get burned while I'm offended yeah. And that's realer than real deal Holy field And now you hookers and hoes know how I feel Well if it's good enough to get off of a proper chance These two degenerate wannabe gangsters like Dr. Dre like Billionaire now Cause you idiots out there bought his headphones And then of course there's Snoop Doggy Dog What, with Martha Stewart? You really believe that? Come on, you getting bamboozled? Anyway, I tell you about the time uh, Snoop Doggy Dog went into a porno palace On 46th Street, the corner of 46th Street Restaurant Row off 8th Avenue We had a headquarters right across the street And he and his homies started uh, some fight with Sri Lankans. There were always Sri Lankans uh, that were guys that operated these uh, porno palaces. And so it got nasty inside. And we could smell the chronic. Because the guy was smoking, split, right in the place while they were arguing and fighting. And we went in there. And they say, oh, it's Snoop Doggy Dog. Oh, Snoop Doggy Dog, I'm going to kick your ass. You're getting out of here now. We rule this area, the Guardian Angels. You ain't coming in here and start no trouble with Sri Lankans. And what he was calling them, oh, I can't repeat it here on WABC. But to the tune of these two degenerate wannabe uh, street thugs. Although Snoop is a real OG and the fact that he did a drive-by shooting in a park in Compton and got away with it, killed, killed a gangbanger. And when it came to trial, everybody had instant amnesia. Who's Snoop Dogg? I never saw him before in my life. Yeah. But I want to discuss now the rituals around Friday the 13th that has just passed. Why so many people seem to uh, duck for cover on Friday the 13th. Just to give you an idea, it's not only associated with bad luck, but it inspired a secret society, a 20th century novel, that horror film franchise, and not one but two unwieldy terms. So, uh, Avery, right now, these are words that are so multisyllabic, uh, I can never pronounce them in a month of Sundays. 
If you happen to know the two unwieldy terms that have 23 letters apiece, you're going to win a Curtis Sleeve or Booby Prize. Don't ask, don't tell. I throw nickels around like manhole covers. And uh, this may be our biggest brain buster ever here on the Curtis Sleeve Show. What are the two terms that are used to describe Friday the 13th? Each of those terms has 23 letters. And there are people who believe on Friday the 13th, if you walk under a ladder, you cross a path with a black cat, which I did on Rockaway Beach itself by the boardwalk. Black cat walked right in front of me. There was an older couple there said, oh, my God, black cat, bad luck. I said, no, 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 no. Black cat needs help. And I reached out and helped that cat that had a little bit of a limp, just a little bit of a limp. But it wasn't a feral cat, you can tell. There's no feral cat that would let me, all of a sudden, a stranger, walk up to it. So I'm pretty sure that that cat had gone out and probably was chasing something and got injured. But I'm pretty sure it uh, belonged to somebody nearby. Breaking a mirror, you know, you know the Greek tradition, breaking uh, plates. And the Jewish tradition, you know, breaking glasses. But breaking a mirror was always considered to be bad luck. And Friday the 13th, I was told as a kid, brings bad luck. Why is that? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's look at the number 12. 12. Wasn't that Joe Namath's number for the New York Jets, right? Broadway Joe. Anyway, 12. That sort of uh, made you feel complete. They're 12 days of Christmas, 12 months of the year, 12 zodiac signs, 12 labors of Hercules, 12 gods of Olympus, 12 tribes of Israel. But then its success at 13 has a long history of signs of bad luck. The ancient code of Hammurabi reportedly omitted a 13th law from its list of legal rules. Now, some said it was just a mistake. But others say it was done psychologically. In fact, what is the psychological term that is associated with fear of the number 13? Fear of the number 13. What is the psychological term? Again, it's a uh, brain buster. It's a tongue twister. And it's multisyllabic. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And I guess uh, from the... uh, Christian point of view, the number 13 being unlucky had to do with the Last Supper with Jesus Christ. 13 uh, attended, including Jesus and his 12 apostles, one of whom was Ultraditor, that was Judas. And the next day, of course, was Good Friday, the day of Jesus' crucifixion, so thereby Friday the 13th. The seating arrangement at the Last Supper is believed to have given rise to a long-standing Christian superstition that having 13 guests at a table was a bad omen, especially for those that it was thought would be courting death itself. Friday was also said to be the day that Eve gave Adam the fateful apple from the tree of knowledge, as well as the day that Cain killed his brother Abel. All on Friday the 13th. Then there was an exclusive society that was called the 13 Club. 
The group dined regularly on the 13th day of the month in a room 13 in the Knickerbocker Cottage, a popular watering hole that was owned uh, between the years 1863 to 1883. Before sitting down for a 13-course dinner, members would pass beneath a ladder and a banner reading in Latin, those of us who are about to die salute you. And apparently U.S. Presidents Chester A. Arthur, Grover Cleveland, Benjamin Harrison, and yes, Frank Morano's favorite president, Teddy Roosevelt, would join the 13 club's ranks at one time or another. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Mike, who's calling from Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mike. Uh, Triska decaphobia. Wow. Did you say that like three times fast? Triska decaphobia, decaphobia, Triska decaphobia. Excellent, excellent. Fear of the number 13. That is amazing. How did you come uh, about with that? Uh, Is that something you learned early on in life? Well, Triska deca is just 13 and uh, uh, then phobia, fear of. Wow, very good. Oh, you must have taken Latin. Ah, You're a Latin scholar here, huh? it's, uh, it's, uh, It's Greek. Greek, Greek to me, Latin. What the hell? Isn't it all the same if you don't understand it? Yeah. Okay, stay on the line, Mike. Hey, Avery, got a brainiac here. It's Greek to me, but he nailed it. Triska. Tr- 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 uh, how, how do you say that again, Mike? Triskadecophobia. I'll give you another one. I'll give you another one. Go ahead. What's the uh, the the, uh, the psychic disease where you pull your own hair out? Wow, I do that all the time. What yeah, what little hair I have left? Trichotillomania. Trichotillomania. Yeah, we have people compulsively tear their hair out. Now you know tomorrow, same time, just about same place. We're going to be discussing how in England now. If you declare that somebody is balding, that is considered a form of sexual harassment. It's considered luxism, it's called. Oh, wow. You're a very alert guy. Uh, you don't listen to the Frank Morano show, do you? Uh, I'm chronic insomnia. I have no choice. Ha! You're an insomaniac. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. So you go from Frank Morano, Monday through Fridays, 1 to 5. To Curtis Sliwa, then Saturdays and Sundays from 12 midnight to 6. Yeah, basically. And you're a wordsmith. Uh, to a certain degree. Excellent. Well, stay on the line. Avery, take care of and Mike. During the day, I walk around like a somnum, somnolist, a you, somnambulist. Uh, ooh, wow. You re- a sleepwalker, somnambulist. I ooh. walk around like a sleepwalker during the day. Where did you learn all these terms, Mike? Columbia College. Oh, Columbia College. I see that. Mike, uh, Mike, were you one who originally listened to uh, WINS 1010? Yeah, yeah, that's me. Yeah, we converted you, didn't we, Mike? I still listen to them. I listen to, what's the other one, uh, the, uh, CBS, and I listen to, I even listen to the one you hate, WOR, sometimes I listen to them. Yeah, that. that's uh, Women's Only Radio, WOR. And insane, uh, you know, uh, alien believers and uh, mystics. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. Look, more talk radio is great. I I advocate more talk radio as opposed to less talk radio because, Mike, uh, 
in case, you know, we no longer have WABC to broadcast from, we get a pink slip, we might have somewhere else to go, right? Sure. More talk is good. Excellent, Mike. Stay on the line here. Hey, we make sure to take care of Mr. Columbia here. By the way, I understand your baseball team has been on quite a ride. Am I correct about that at Baker Field? Yeah, they're doing pretty good. Lou yeah. Gehrig was was on the team. That's right. Oh, you're amazing. You're really kicking it. By the way, uh, did you follow the basketball exploits uh, of Columbia University? They're usually t- pretty terrible. Yeah, but they had a run there. They had a young man from Jefferson High School in East New York on Pennsylvania Avenue. I wonder if you remember his name because he was all Ivy League for Columbia. Uh, Probably after my time. Oh, okay. But that, see, that opens up discussion with somebody else who might be a fellow Columbia alum who is listening now, would never acknowledge it. But now, Mike, that you've done it, you give him the courage to do so. Great. Thank you. Stay on the line. Avery, take care of Mike here. Make sure that he gets his WABC hat with Curtis Lee on it. Mike, a proud graduate and alum of Columbia who we helped convert. He was a hardcore listener to 1010 WINS, WCBS, as you heard him. And, yes, even WOR, Women's Only Radio. And because he is an insomaniac, he listens to Frank Morano Monday through Fridays, 1 to 5, and then follows it up on the weekends with yours truly, 12 midnight to 6, Saturdays and Sundays. Ah, you see? Man, he kicked off those multisyllabic words. I couldn't even get through the first uh, syllable. But we still have the two other words, ladies and gentlemen, the two other words that even have more letters than Christodecophobia, I think that's what he said. There are two words that are terms that are also used to describe Friday the 13th. One begins with a P, and the other one begins with a frig. Boy, I'm giving you a little too many uh, hints there. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Carol in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Carol. Oh, hi there, Curtis. My birthday is... December 13th, and it's always been lucky for me. And I knew somebody else in my town that was born in the same hospital the same day that I was. And uh, I'm still friends with her to this day. Wow. And uh, was it on the same day, December 13th? Yes. We were born on the same day at the same hospital. It was Margaret Haig. Hospital in Jersey City, the same day. Oh, well, uh, you don't want to miss it in the next hour. There's going to be quite a debate as to where the Godfather scene was filmed in the hospital. Greg Kelly disagrees with uh, Michael Bonicich, Rudy Giuliani on that. You do not want to miss that. I can't wait to hear about that. Yes. Yes. And uh, did you ever consider yourself somewhat unlucky because you were born on the 13th? No, not at all. I've always been lucky. I won on the lottery, and a lot of good things have happened to me over the years. Oh. Well, I'm going to be 65. I'm going to be 65 on December 13th. Wow. 65. I know. 
and I don't even feel that old. No. I, I, I still feel young. I really do. Now, this, uh, the 65 nowadays in our era was the, was the 45 of our parents' era. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you figure it. You start adding. Yeah, you start adding to how long people of our generation, the baby boomers, are going to live because of medicine, because of uh, uh, advanced ability to maintain uh, life, hopefully a good, decent quality of life. We'll probably have an extra 10 to 20 years than our parents had. Yeah, I think so. I think so. By the way, Carol, one last thing. How old do you think Frank Morano is? Because he acts older than you and me combined. I heard, I don't know if this is true, he's 55. Did you ever hear someone, let's assume Frank Morano is 55, did you ever hear someone that age act so old? No. Yeah, he really, I mean, at times... I think when I'm listening to Frank Morano, I try to listen as much as possible. That's why I need all of you to listen uh, 20 hours a week, Monday through Fridays, 1 to 5. Uh, so to rat, rat him out to me. That's right, eat the Parmesan cheese. But at times, I swear I was listening to an 80-year-old guy. I really do. Let's go to Howard in Babylon. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Howard. Hi, Curtis. Yes, Howard. I was curious to know if you knew whether there was an FBI file on the Guardian Angels and you specifically. Oh, yes. Oh, when I had access to my file, uh, I got a double hernia from the pounds of paperwork that were involved in it. Unfortunately, they redact so much before they give you your report that you can't really make heads or tails out of it at times. So much of Mm -hmm. it is redacted, crossed out. But I, there were reports about me in different cities crisscrossing the United States and foreign cities where I had been organizing Guardian Angels. And the uh, FD, FBI was like squirrels, just collecting information and adding it to my file. Likewise, also with the Guardian Angels. Through the Freedom of Information Act? Yeah. Yeah, no, no. Anybody uh, can uh, file under the Freedom of Information Act and at a certain point, They've got to give you your file. Now, do they give you your full file? Uh, I'll never know, but mine was pretty sizable, pretty sizable. Mm -hmm. I got got a double hernia just going through it. I can understand. I don't think it's fair that they did that to you either. I think you're a patriot, but that's my opinion. Hey, look, uh, for a long time, the FBI, the acronym was Forever Busting Italians, and it was Forever Busting Islamists. Now they're so involved politically, it's a shame. It's a shame because uh, I always thought that the FBI, although I never trusted it with J. Edgar Hoover, uh, mm-hmm. was always supposed to stay above of the nation, and they're no longer staying above the politics. They now have their own personal prejudices involved in their investigations and their cases. All right. I thank you very much. I was very interested, and you answered me, and I wish you a good evening. Oh, well, thank you very much. Hmm. An inquisition there. Wouldn't you all like to know what was in my FBI file? I'll bet you Frank Morano probably has a copy of it. You know him. He's like a squirrel. He's like, uh, he's a clutterer. He collects everything. He probably has more stuff my 32 years of doing talk radio than I have. And I'm a clutterer too. But man, he gathers up 
he gathers up uh, materials like a squirrel gathers up nuts. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Kay calling from the Bronx. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Kay. Oh, hi, hi, Curtis. Yeah, I was just wanted to like double down on what you said, that black cats are not bad luck. You know, my, I had an aunt that had all those old wise tales and superstitions about black cats were bad luck, black cats were bad luck. That's all I ever heard of growing up, you know, with her. But um, I had a black cat. My sister found a black kitten when she was going to Theodore Roosevelt High School in Fordham Road. Three, three kids were trying to strangle it, had it by the neck, wow. strangling it on a rope. Wow. And my sister had to get into a fight with them to rescue this little kitten. Mm. And she was uh, more like an like an outdoor, indoor cat, my cat. Sure, uh, sure. And I grew up on uh, Grove Street off of Southern Boulevard. Yeah. And my cat would, you know, watch me play with my friends. She seemed to really delight you, just sit there and watch for hours and seemed to get amused watching me play. And this one particular day, I was playing stoop ball, and I, you know, my friends were popping the ball, you know, against the stoop, and it was flying high. And and I went to go grab this one ball, and it's uh, went past my head. And my cat at the time, she was underneath this this uh, car watching you know, us play. And so this stoop ball went over my head, and I started, I was six years old, and I started to run out into the street to go get the ball. And by the time, and I was just getting ready to run out from between the two cars. And all of a sudden, my black cat, Tabby, she, my friend said, ran for, from like two, three car lengths, and she grabbed my ankle. And all of a sudden, I looked down, and she's like, ah! I said, Tabby, what are you doing? And all of a sudden, a yellow cat went, Phew! flying really fast right past me. Wow. And she stopped me from running in front of a speeding taxi cab. And had I ran in front of it at the speed it was going, I probably wouldn't be here today or God knows what kind of condition I would be in today. So for everybody that hears these 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 old wives' tales about black cats or bad luck, my black cat Tabby saved my life, saved me from running in front of a speeding car, speeding taxi when I was six years old, going up on Grove Street off of Southern Boulevard. Wow. You know, Kay, if uh, only uh, I had had... Uh, any one of my 18 rescue cats with me three days before the mayoral election when I got clipped by that yellow cab running across 6th Avenue, Avenue of the Americas. Who calls it Avenue of the Americas? 6th Avenue, right in front of Radio City Music Hall. That cab clipped me, knocked me about six feet in the air, broke my wrist in two places. I scurried up, ran here to WABC because I had a hour uh, political advertising time at 12 noon to 1. I wasn't going to miss that because I wasn't going to get a rebate. Uh, but afterwards, I was unable to move and ended up having to be transported to uh, Lenox Hill Hospital where uh, they determined I had broken my wrist uh, in two places. Excuse me, my elbow. Maybe I should have had uh, one of my rescue cats with me and they might have kept me out of harm's way. You know, I'm more in danger from yellow cabs than I am from 9 millimeters. Remember, it was June 19, 1992. I got shot five times in the back of a yellow cab that had been stolen the night before. 
on the orders of John Gotti Sr. to John Gotti Jr. to the Gambino crime family. And then three days before the election, I got clipped by a yellow cab. And then um, uh, about a month later, I was coming in to do the morning show, uh, get do, be interviewed by Sid, Sid Rosenberg. And I took a cab because uh, I would have never gotten here in time taking the subways. They were so messed up that morning. Then when I got out of the yellow cab, it rolled over both my feet. And I could have swore it broke those little bones in your feet. I still feel it to this day. I think the uh, rule of thumb for me is to avoid yellow cabs. one 800 let us go to Paul in Connecticut. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Paul. Hello, Curtis. My name is Paul Novakovic. I live in Westport, Connecticut, about 50 miles outside of the city. But one of the things that was old wives' tales was they have 13th floor at hotels. But when my dad got married, we did have a party on the 13th floor. He had a suite in this hotel in Miami, but that was an old tale. Wow, so you had a party on the 13th floor at a hotel. Do you remember which one in Miami? No, it was it was very nice, but after he got married down there around in the when I was about 16, I'm 55 now. And uh, it was a pretty nice time with the number 13, but if it could be good luck or bad luck, you know, as a gambler, you play number 13 on roulette, black right, 13. Right now, well, uh, where do you live now, Paul? Westport, Connecticut. Westport, okay. You used to have highlight there. Remember, you used to have highlight in Bridgeport. You could be losing all your money at highlight. I went with my buddy to the dog track down there. We watched, he says we watched the ponies down there. Oh, so you went to a, a dog track in Florida? Well, I went in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Oh, that's They so had High Lie in Miami. Yeah. Or Hialeah, I think it was when yep. we went there. Yep. But that was years ago. Yeah, now, wait a sec. So you say they had a dog track in Bridgeport. You went to Highlight down near Miami. I know they had uh, yeah. Highlight in Hialeah, believe it or not, Hialeah, Florida. Uh, yeah, that's where we went once down that, there. That is such a rigged game. I'm telling you, you talk about rigging horse races or dog races or other sports that people bet on. Uh, Highlight is the most rigged game of all. Did you win or did you lose? Uh, I would think I was too young to even bet and worry about it because, you know, they just started, you know, on the way, on the way, arriba, arriba, you know, they're trying to throw that ball. Yeah, yeah, well, they had the Basques from uh, Spain, and they'd have the baskets, the wicker baskets, and they would catch the ball, yeah. and they would fling it off the wall. And yeah. uh, it was always rigged. It was always fixed. The house always uh -huh. won. Uh, the betters uh, would never beat Highlight. Never, never beat the house in Highlight. Uh, well, my friend was trying to show me in the horse racing how to read the book, you know, the thing on the racing, tell you how the horses do on wet tracks, dry tracks, and start to learn the names of the jockeys. Now, did you follow? Uh, uh, did you follow the recent Kentucky Derby uh, the other week? Well, I did. I looked it over just before, and then I saw thirty to one odds. I think it was the only one. And then they didn't have that listed on the first thing I saw about even that horse gonna, that was going to be in there. You know, I know if you're watching, it's there, and you see a scratch, and then it goes in, and all of a sudden, you know, as a 
if I was betting on horses, I hope for more scratches would get a race with about five, six horses in there and try a trifecta. Well, I tell you, I, I tell you this, Paul. Uh, that eighty to one last minute entry by those hillbillies, uh, and now they don't want to run him in the Preakness to possibly go for the Triple Crown, which would end up at Belmont Stakes. Man, that is wrong. It's some that horse was juiced up. There's no doubt in my mind. What twenty one? What what twenty one? Only twenty horses. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. All night long, this is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. You can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. about a redo of Elton John's classic, Cheating. Yeah, Cheating. Oh, yeah, let me hear it more. Let me hear it more. the club, from the gin mill or the restaurant, you may have cheating on your mind. Ixnay on that. That's nothing but double trouble. I guarantee you that. That'll be bad luck for you and whoever you're entwined with. But let's get back to Friday the 13th and all the problems that people think had befallen uh, them or at moments in history. On Friday, October 13th, officers of King Philip IV of France arrested hundreds of Knights Templar. The powerful religious and military order formed in the 12th century for the defense of the Holy Land. Imprisoned on charges of various illegal behaviors, but really because the king wanted access to their financial resources, many Templars were later executed. Some cite the links with the Templars as the origin of the Friday the 13th superstition. But like many legends involving the Templars and their history, the truth remains very murky. Can anybody sort of connect the dots for us on the Knights Templar? And Friday the 13th, 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Other noted historical facts that took place on Friday the 13th. 
The Nazis bombing of Buckingham Palace, September 13, 1940. The murder of Kitty Genovese in Queens, right there off of Austin Street in Forest Hills. That was uh, March 13, 1964. A cyclone that killed more than 300,000 people in Bangladesh, Dhaka, November 13, 1970. The disappearance of a Chilean Air Force plane in the Andes, October 13, 1972. The death of rapper Tupac Shakur. He is alive. He is alive. He is Machiavellian. Well, if you believe he is dead as a doornail, it's September 13th of 1996, while Suge Knight of Death Row Records was driving the car that the bullets were fired into. Did Suge Knight of Death Row Records set up Tupac Shakur? 1-800-848-9222. They had just been at the Tyson fight in Vegas. 1-800-848-WABC. And the crash of the Costa Concordia cruise ship off of the coast of Italy, which killed 30 people January 13th of 2012. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Penelope calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Penelope. Thanks. I've been a big fan for years, and um, I grew up in uh, three years in Massapequa, and my friend's brother, older brother, was a guarding angel, and he would take the train. I'm like, what are you doing? And I grew up and figured it all out. But oh, thank you. My story... So we always appreciated him, even though he's a little bit of a jerk off, but <laughs> can't give him <laughs> any reason. Sorry. Probably Sorry. made him a good guardian angel. <laughs> um I on March thirteenth, Friday the thirteenth of twenty twenty, I found my grandmother's wedding ring and a jacket I never wear that was my mom's jacket. It's the story. So well, kind of a double-edged sword story because it was right before the shutdown of the pandemic. That Friday, I walked into Costco and everyone was online. There was like 30 people on each line. I was like, oh, I got to pick up my kids. Anyway, so uh, I found it's worth thousands of dollars and I found it in a pocket. But I never wear this jacket that was my mom's. I didn't even want But My sister said, take this home. <laughs> so... I guess I did wear, I remember losing weight and the ring was sliding off a little bit. And when I'm cold, you know. So I found the ring that Friday the 13th of 2020. And I told the kids, who said Friday the 13th was no good? I'm more religious than superstitious anyway. But it was a good and Wow. So that actually had the reverse effect on you. Well, yeah, it was right before the pandemic, though. So like. Kids knew they didn't have school on Monday. So now, prior so to that, ring. Prior, prior to that, before you found the ring, what was your impression of Friday the Thirteenth? Well, my grandmother was born in Wales, and my mom, but um, they were both superstitious. But I grew up more religious, so you know that's more important. <laughs> oh, sure. But did they have fears of Friday the Thirteenth? Oh, yes, definitely. The 13th, because we had a VHS tape at my uncle's house, right, in the 80s. It was Friday the 13th. My mother got so scared, <laughs> smacked my dad in the face. By accident, like, just swung her off. 
Well, well, well you mean uh, the movie uh, Freddy Krueger? No. Who's that? Jason? Or... Oh, Jason. That's right. Jason. Okay. I think he had the hockey mask, right? Jason had the hockey right. mask. Right. Right. <laughs> Watching the old VHS tape in my uncle's basement. But um, they were very superstitious anyway, but. Mm. So but the skull's over your left shoulder if you dropped it. But you see, your finding of the ring broke that curse, at least affecting your family. Yeah, yeah, because I had an okay day for what I'm, you know, what's going on now. So it was okay. Well, yeah. thank you. Thank you, Penelope. Another oh one, goodness. another one who broke that curse of Friday the 13th where so many people would actually hide out during the day, wouldn't even go out, wouldn't, uh, like today I saw a black cat, black cat right before the boardwalk in the uh, Rockaways, I'd say it was probably hmm, 118th Street, Beach 118th Street, and there was an older couple there, and they were in horror, oh, my God, a black cat, Friday the 13th, it's going to bring you bad luck. I said, are you kidding? How much worse bad luck could I have in my life? And they had a good belly laugh out of that. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Walt, who's calling from Yonkers. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Walter. Uh, what's going on, Curtis? I have a trivia question about the Friday the 13th, the original? Sure. 1980 version? Yes. Uh, there's a well-known actor in the original movie, and I didn't find out until I saw it like four or five times. A well-known actor. A well-known actor in the movie Friday the 13th. And you didn't... The original de- one. Right. You didn't depict it until maybe the fourth or the fifth time that you saw the movie. Exactly. Wow. I mean, let me strain my brain. I'm twisting my medulla and my cerebellum as we speak. God, I don't know. I don't know. Who, 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 Walter? Let me give you a hint. Okay. The actor is, you know, obviously they're the guys, the young kids getting to the camp and whatever in the cabin. And they was making out in the cabin. And he gets uh, stabbed by Freddie in the back. Ah. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, huh. so it's towards the beginning, more or less. All right, so now uh, he got stabbed by Freddie in the back. Is this like the metaphor of Frank Morano stabbing me in the back, or is this really being stabbed in the back? <laughs> no, this is really, really stabbed in the back. Okay, all right. No, no, I, I'm drawing a blank. Who is it, Walt? Kevin Bacon. Wow, Kevin Bacon. Yep. Wow, you you bamboozled me. You you got over on me, Walt. Yeah, I didn't realize until I saw it four or five times. I said, I know this guy. Hmm. You know the rest of the the rest of the cast. You know, never. I don't. I never seen him anything else until I saw him. I said, I know this guy from somewhere. I'm telling you, I think Walt, you deserve a Curtis Lee with booby prize. Don't you think so? <laughs> I think you deserve a Curtis Lee booby prize. Don't ask, don't tell. I'm so cheap. I throw nickels around like manhole covers. Uh, I'd be more than happy to send you some of my... Make sure your listeners check it out so you can make sure that, yeah, it is him. Oh, so you mean mean if it isn't Kevin Bacon, then I get to take my uh, booby prize back. 
<laughs> no, no, it's really him. It's really him. Oh, now you got me in doubt. Now you got me in no, doubt. It's really him. Would no, you? It's really him. Oh, I cross your heart and hope to die. Well, I'll cross my heart and uh, hope to die much later, but yeah. Okay. All it's right. Him. All right. So, Avery, take Walt. Hook him up with that WABC hat rocking the Curtis Sliwa show. That'll definitely help him in No Nine Hill, the Schlobein Projects, Mumford Gardens, uh, and Getty Square, where uh, the thugs and thugettes might be surrounding Walt at a certain point as he's standing there for the uh, city bus. And then all of a sudden, they'll see WABC. That won't have an impact on them, but they'll see Curtis Sliwa and they'll say, this guy chump or what? Should we uh, go for it? And then uh, it's up to Walt, because I won't be there, Walt. I'll just be a logo on that, that baseball cap. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Dean in Jersey City. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Dean. Curtis, you know what next week is? Preakness week, brother. And I have a horse for you. Oh. If you're ready, I'll give you the selection. It's the Philly. D. Wayne Lucas will be putting out a Philly who won last Friday, the day before the Derby. She won the Preakness, but not the Preakness, but the Derby for Phillies. Hmm. Now, you remember me. You played my tape last week two times. I'm the degenerate gambler. Yes, yes. Gambling for 15 years. If you want your epicenter money back... All you got to do is bet the Philly, Daddy-O, and let's go to the bank together. Now, what is the name of the Philly, Dean, that will be running in the Preakness? Secret Oath. The trainer is D. Wayne Lucas. She ran against the boys three weeks ago in the stake race, four weeks ago in the stake race. She ran a close third, a premature move, and they took the jockey off. And they put Saez on, and then three weeks later, she won the Kentucky Derby for Phillies, which is called, I believe, the Oaks. Now, she won't be a big price. Now, question. She'll probably be three, four to one. Question, uh, Dean. Normally, when you have uh, a Philly, a Stallion, and a Gelding, who has the advantage when, when all things being equal? Well, a gelding is a horse that has no nuts, no testicles. You know that, right? Right, right. A stallion is an older horse that goes out and just makes babies. Yes. A filly is a filly, and a colt is a boy. Mm. When a filly runs against the boys, they usually get a three-pound weight allowance. That's how they kind of judge the difference. Mm. But a filly can beat the boys now and then, but it has to be a good filly. Ah. This filly is pretty good. And I don't know if Zandon's coming back. If Zandon, who finished second or finished third, runs in the race, it'll be a better price for the Philly. Now, right now, I don't think he's going to run, but I think Epicenter, the horse that did all heavy lifting, ran his balls out and got people that donkey, the hillbilly donkey. Now, that donkey that I refer to as Lucky Strike, um, uh, they, they've decided not to run him in the Preakness. Why do you think they did that? Because the horse is not good enough to run back in two weeks. Hmm. You know, the Triple Crown goes two weeks after the Derby, then three weeks after the Derby, 
uh, two, it's a derby, two weeks Preakness, three weeks Belmont. So in the span of five weeks, you got to run a horse three times in five weeks. That's unheard of. They don't do that. Only for the derby do they do that. Usually you got to wait like six weeks to run a horse every six weeks because you don't want to, you know, wear the horse out and hurt him. Right. So this hillbilly donkey, I believe, is not no nearly as good as the rest. I, I watched the replay times and I still don't know how that horse won. So I now, really uh, do you uh, believe that they will enter that horse in the uh, Belmont Stakes? Yeah, and he and he won't. Belmont Stakes, a lot of people think the longer you go, the better it is for a closer. It's just the opposite. Pace makes race. You've heard of people talk about that, right? Sure. So it's the pace of the race. When they usually go a mile and a half to Belmont, it, 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 the, the front runners have a better chance than the closers, believe it or not, hmm. because the horse on the lead goes very slow, and it's hard to run. It's hard to come from behind into a slow pace. That's why that donkey, the hillbilly donkey, won so easily because the pace was like scorching fast. Hmm. It was the fastest first quarter in the history of the Derby in 140 runnings. And is there a reason for that? Because during so much of the week, the track was wet, sloppy, and yet it seemed like the weather recovered uh, later in the day that Saturday, a week ago. Uh, But what accounted for it being such a fast pace? Too many fast horses. Mm -hmm. They had horses from Saudi Arabia in there that ran over there in Dubai who ran 1-2 on the front end. Both of those horses were rented. They had horses from the outside that needed to get a good position, so they ran up real fast to get position, and everybody got caught in the speed battle. That's why Epicenter, who was a, a speed horse, got away sixth or seventh or eighth, and he was in the eighth position. He so- waited for everybody to do their business, and then he came around and tried to pick up the pieces, but the hillbilly horse came from out of nowhere. Yeah. So now, Dean, uh, if the race were being held tomorrow at the Preakness, uh, you're suggesting that the Philly secret oath would win the race. I believe this horse will win the race. You won't get a big price. You'll probably get four to one. But you know what? $20 to win on a $10 horse is 100 bucks. Mm. And if you can, they'll bet Epicenter will be bet off the board. It'll be less than two to one guaranteed mm. because of the way he finished in the Derby. And I think that race was very hard on him. I don't think he can. You know, he'll run second or third, I'm sure, of that. So exact probably will be the filly and the horse who ran second in the derby. But I don't think the horse that ran second in derby will, will win. I just think it took too much out of him. Well, we... Don't forget what I told you. Yes. That trainer that trainer was 0 for 22 going in. Yep. He got beat, he got beat by Secret Oath. The day before, he had an undefeated filly who was going for the, for the to win the Oaks. He got beat because they put a forty-six to one shot in there to kind of wear him out. He finished third or fourth. So that trainer just got the jinx. He's the the winningest trainer in the history of America. He's won more races than anybody ever. Steve Ashmussen is the name of the the, the trainer. He has he's the trainer at center. So he, when they interviewed him, they said, what did you think about the Derby? He said, I can't believe I got beat. We did everything the right way. 
My jockey had him in the right place, Rosario. The horse finished up great, and we got beat by a donkey that nobody saw coming up the rail, <laughs> 80 to 1. Well, I appreciate it, Dean. Uh, for those of you who have followed the acumen of Dean, who I've described as a degenerate horse player there from Jersey City, he says, uh, take secret oath in the upcoming Preakness to Philly. Uh, I'm sure we'll have an opportunity to revisit that Friday before the race. But just uh, count your P's and Q's. Maybe this is the race you want to uh, melt your 401k down to a 201k. Raid your kid or your grandchild's college education fund. Take a reverse mortgage. Or even if you're very bold, go where few have ever gone, a payday loan. I know it's extortionary. But if you hit on secret oath at the Preakness, the Philly, it may well be worth it. Our number is one 800 Speaking of the Preakness, let's go to Pete in Staten Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Pete. Hey, yeah, uh, Curtis. Yes, Pete. Oh, shit. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I just was, I had to get something. Yeah, uh, what you were talking about um, with the... Uh, with uh, I seen I I spoke to uh, uh, what's his name Lopez uh, um, from his station tonight. He was at my friend's restaurant, and oh. they put me on when I spoke to him. What a gentleman! Who is that? And uh, uh, Chad Lopez. He oh, was Chad Chad yeah. Lopez, our capo di tutti, our general manager. He was at which restaurant? He was at Grimaldi's on Twentieth Street and uh, like the old limelight. Oh, so did uh, they turn out the house for him? Did the maitre d' come by? Did everybody just come at him in waves? Oh, I think they're having a good time. I'm out in Edison. I'm out at the Sheridan. I had two bees got in the window of my house, and my wife was going crazy. She says, he's going to bite us. So I got a reservation. I got a nice deal. I called up a couple places, hooked up in a nice pool and a whirlpool, had a little surgery done on my both feet. And I was using the pool with the whirlpool, and it really was a big help. And uh, the preetness that's coming up, I heard the caller before me uh, say about that. I had the wheel with that horse, Solomon, that's going to be running, and the preetness that your friend liked. And uh, I didn't get paid off on it. Matter of fact, they paid me for the 20th horse, and they confiscated the city. I mean, they confiscated the ticket. So I went to Brenton, and I have a, um, a subpoena. I'm subpoenaing the place in Jersey for my ticket so that I could follow this up for a lawsuit. Well, you know, that's uh, in Bayonne. That's in Hudson County, the most corrupt county in America. You are aware of that, Pete. Yes, I am. We spoke about that, and that they are, you know. So it's really, really a really rotten thing. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight it, you know, Curtis. I'm going to fight this thing. I don't think I'm going to win. I've been told by a lot of people I don't have much of a chance, but going to give it a fight. No, no, that's good. That's good. I said all. I said all. I paid a ticket, you know, and they go and put a 21 horse in, and they give me uh, $5 back because of $5 whale because uh, it's ridiculous. Well, no, no, no. That's good, Pete. And good that uh, they took good care of our Capo di Tutti, our general manager, Chad Lopez, tonight at Cromaldi's on 20th Street. How How would Pete have known that? How could Pete? Pete was taking a whirlpool. You know what a whirlpool is? 
When you're indigent, you're poor and impoverished, you can't afford a whirlpool. So you just take your socks off, you put it in the toilet, you flush a few times, and that's the poor man's form of a whirlpool. Oh, it gets the job done. I, I know some of you are like, ugh, ugh. I've done that many times. On a nice, hot, sweltering day where you have no A.C., and you put your dogs, your dogs that are like talking, into that toilet water that's nice and cool, and you flush it a few times, you won't know the difference. As to whether it was a spa and you had your dogs in a upscale whirlpool, or if you had your dogs in the toilet and you were just flushing over and over. A poor man's whirlpool. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Charlie in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard. He at WABC, Charlie. Thank you, Curtis. Uh, I have something that's, that bothered me I wanted to talk to you about. I heard that uh, Congress next week, when they, uh, when they vote for appropriations for the Ukraine war, that they might not pay it. They might not pay enough money next week. And uh, that bothers me because uh, one of the people from Ukraine said, that's what the United States always does. They're interested in these wars for a while, and then they start forgetting about it. Well, remember, it's Rand Paul, U.S. Senator of Kentucky, who has said, wait a second, we haven't even read the fine print on the legislation that would give them uh, additional funds to fight their war against uh, the Russians. Uh, and I think there's merit to that, uh, Charlie. So many times uh, our elected officials in Washington or in the state capitals will pass legislation that they nor their staff has read. They have no idea what's in it. And they just vote on it because uh, there is obviously uh, pressure to do so. I think it behooves everybody to take a few days to read the fine print, to know exactly what the legislation is going to make us responsible for, Charlie. Yes, but but, uh, but still, uh, I mean, the legislation is uh, it's so important uh, for, for the basic reason of uh, supporting uh, the Ukraine with, uh, with weaponry and whatnot that... Uh, I think that surpasses the other no, reasons. No, look, look, the argument is made. We need to know what's in the legislation. You cannot pass a bill sight unseen. It's sort of like uh, Nancy Pelosi who told the Democrats, just vote for Obamacare. You can, read, you can read the legislation afterwards. Just as an act of faith, vote for Obamacare. That's not why they get elected. They have a staff that can go through the volumes and can pinpoint what the legislation says. Most of them tend not to do that. It is interesting, though, that Finland says it wants to join NATO as quickly as possible. Sweden is seriously considering it. Erdogan, the totalitarian dictator in Turkey, Turkey, a member of NATO, has no way that uh, Finland and uh, Sweden should be joining NATO. I agree with that. I mean, why do you want to keep pushing Putin, Putin, Putin? He's got 6,000 nuclear weapons. What do you need Finland to join NATO for? Oh, my God. We'll never be able to survive without the Finns' support or Sweden. Are you kidding? This is not the days of the Norsemen, of the Vikings. Speaking of the Norsemen, there will be the annual uh, Norwegian Day Parade in honor of Leif Erikson and Eric the Red in uh, in uh, Bay Ridge, 
the folks will be meeting there at 80th and 3rd Avenue on Sunday at 1 o'clock. Turn out in mass if you're a squarehead to support the Norwegians. We'll be there, the Guardian Angels. Will you? It's another side of midnight. Here's Curtis Lewa. Her name was Lola. She was a showgirl with yellow feathers in her hair and a dress cut down her ass. She would merengue and do the cha-cha. And while she tried to be a star, Tony always tended bar across the crowded floor. They worked from eight till four. They were young and they had each other. Who could ask for more at the Copa, Copa Cabana? The hottest spot north of Havana at the Copa. If this guy has one more facelift, his face will snap like an old rubber band. Who am I talking about, ladies and gentlemen, as part of the Curtis Sleewa trivia here? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And let me cast out another trivia question. Who is the uh, mobster choking on his lobster, a member of organized crime, the Colombo crime family, most associated with providing the muscle at the Copacabana, uh, who was a cold-hearted killer... And uh, performed as underboss of the Colombo crime family and was a regular fixture when he wasn't in prison at the Copa Cabana. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Over the years, when it was in its glory days, the Copa Cabana featured, what, Harry Belafonte, uh, the Supremes. Carmen Miranda, I could go through a whole laundry list of those who made an appearance at the Copacabana. But this guy was 100 years old and turned out to be the oldest uh, person ever to survive in the federal correctional facility. The underboss of the Colombo crime family who was a fixture at the Copacabana. And the reason I'm speaking of organized crime, the mafia, la cosa nostra, Italian organized crime, is because there is a battle going on right here in the studios of WABC. You have Frank Morano who has his, I guess we could call it his uh, mob talk uh, promo, his podcast. And he talks about the mob from time to time. You have Greg Kelly, who fancies himself as an expert on The Godfather. And then he's at conflict with Michael Maticic, who fancies himself as an expert on The Godfather movie trilogy. Uh, Michael Maticic, Rudy Giuliani. And then, of course, there's yours truly, Curtis Lewa. So you have four hosts, all of whom we all think we know more about organized crime and The Godfather trilogy than anybody else. And let's put it to the test. First off, let's uh, listen to the Frank Morano promo of his podcast with the Angel Gotti, who uh, for a period of time I could have swore was his sweetheart. 
Listen to this podcast now on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Racket Report. The one and only Angel Gotti. You are the most normal of any of the Gotti children and everybody else. They would treat your siblings a little differently, either better or worse. Did you find that to be an experience that people would treat either you or your siblings better or worse because of who your dad was? I don't think so. I mean, don't forget, they were more public figures. I wasn't. You know, and I was happy like that. We were involved in a car accident, a friend of mine and, and myself. I'll never forget the cop said to me, are you related? So I said, yes. You know, when he got my license, then he said, well, who are you? You know, I said, <laughs> he goes, are you related to John? You know, I said, yes. And he said, well, who are you? I said, I'm his daughter. He said, what do you mean you're his daughter? I said, I'm his daughter. He goes, I never heard of you before. I go, exactly. <laughs> Download all of Red Apple Media's podcasts right now through your favorite podcast platform. Now, you know damn well, sounded like Frank was a little sweet on Angel, right? Let's face it. Uh, let's face it, uh, Bill Lee, Broadway Bill Lee. He sounded like he's still kind of sweet on Angel. Uh, there's no doubt about it, Avery. Frank Morano's hot to trot for Angel Gotti. So that's one promo. But then he did a promo that got the attention of our own Greg Kelly. But first, let's play the promo Frank Schillen for the Mob Museum in Las Vegas. Listen to this podcast now on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Racket Report. What books, movies, documentaries would you recommend to someone that's interested in learning a little bit about the history of the American Mafia? There is no single resource that will tell you everything that you need to know about the American Mafia, except for one. And it may involve a visit. The visit is to Las Vegas, Nevada, and the place is the Mob Museum. I have to tell you, I'm not in the habit of visiting a lot of museums twice, especially out of town. I made a point to visit the Mob Museum twice, and it was one of the best decisions that I've ever made. And believe it or not, there's still a ton of stuff that I haven't really seen. You can spend a whole day there and still not see everything there is to see. Download all of Red Apple Media's podcasts right now through your favorite podcast platform. Sounds like he's shilling from the Mob Museum in Las Vegas. Like maybe he's getting greased. I never heard anybody so euphoric about the Mob Museum in Las Vegas. In fact, most people didn't even know there was an organized crime museum in Las Vegas. Yet, Frank, he's like, oh, gushing. I can't wait to go back. Uh, I went twice. I can't wait to go the third time. You think he's getting greased? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But I was not the lone talk show host to detect something strange in Frank Morano's promotion of the Mob Museum in Las Vegas. Our own Greg Kelly that you can listen to Monday through Fridays from 1 to 3 depicted the same thing. I just heard a uh, commercial for the Mob Museum in Las Vegas. Frank Morano went there twice. He says it's the best decision he's ever made. The best decision he's ever made is to go to a museum twice. And he couldn't get it done in just one visit. He had to go back. Huh. Can I hear that again? Because I think that Greg Kelly really brought it all to the forefront. And Frank Morano is shilling for the Mob Museum in Las Vegas. I just heard a uh, commercial for the Mob Museum in Las Vegas. 
Frank Morano went there twice. He says it's the best decision he's ever made. The best decision he's ever made is to go to a museum twice. <laughs> and he couldn't get it done in just one visit. He had to go back. Notice, Greg Kelly's curious. I'm curious. Greg then gave you better advice than Frank Morano. If you really are into the mob, a couple of things I would recommend. Uh, just go go to Spark Steakhouse. What? Look at where Paul Castellano got shot, right in front of the joint. I mean, it's right there. It's right there. Look up the picture on your phone. You can see it. Paul's new shoes. And Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And Greg Kelly just steals the show from Frank Morano and says, you don't need to go to the Mob Museum in Las Vegas. I'll give you all the mafia crap that you need. Go to your computer, Google my name, Greg Kelly and Godfather. Greg Kelly, Godfather. I did about maybe six or seven stories about where The Godfather was filmed. It's all the mafia crap you need, quite frankly. Ah. And then Greg continues to extrapolate and talks about the bathroom where the gun was hidden that Michael Corleone secured to kill the New York City police captain and that schifosa. I found out where... Um, you know the the scene in the uh, restaurant where uh, Michael kills McCluskey, Captain McCluskey, the corrupt cop, and uh, Salazzo. That's a fabric store in the Bronx. Uh, I went, I found the guy, and I had a great time. And we, we, I even went into the bathroom where the gun was hidden. Ah, hold on a second, hold on a second. I want you to go to number eleven. Uh, Broadway Bill Lee, because Rudy Giuliani seems to have an issue with Greg Kelly about that. And Louis, uh, uh, Louis restaurant, uh, in in um, in in real life, I think is um, Luna Azzurro. I think that's it. I think that's it. No, sorry, it, it was uh, Luna Azzurro in the novel. So it had three names. Uh, its actual name is the Old Limer Restaurant on White Plain Road near Gun Hill Road. In the novel, it's called Luna Azuro, Blue Moon. And in uh, the movie, it's called Luis. So there you go. There's your godfather. Uh, important that we get things accurate about the godfather. Ah, so really taking issue with Greg Kelly. Well, Greg Kelly went on to discuss about where the boardroom that you saw in The Godfather and the hospital really were. I found the boardroom where they made the peace. The five families all came together. That's actually in the Helmsley building on Park Avenue. What else did I see? Uh, I found, uh, oh, the hospital where Michael went to protect his father. Remember that? The Godfather, they were coming to kill him. They already shot him, and then they were coming back to finish the job. That was the New York Eye, Ear Infirmary on 2nd Avenue and 14th Street. Ladies and gentlemen, when it comes to Godfather trivia, who uh, are you more likely to believe? Greg Kelly? Michael Mbadichese, Rudy Giuliani? Frank Morano, or yours truly, Curtis Sliwa? It's a four-way race. Speaking of horse races... 
It's a four-way race of Ukavats. The Brajo here at WABC. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Then Greg talks about going to the Corleone compound. I went to the Corleone family compound. You know, remember, it's like a fortress. It's got walls around it, you know, and uh, where the big wedding was in the very opening of The Godfather. Well, that house exists. It's on Longfellow Avenue in Staten Island. I went there at the time. The Norton family lived in the house in in the early 70s. And when I went there about, what, I don't know, 10 years ago, and I found this house, and I did a – they let me inside, and they gave interviews, and they showed me all these cool pictures they had and artifacts. They had pieces of the wall, styrofoam wall, by the way. Don't understand why it is that Greg Kelly would have gone there, Longfellow, on Staten Island, but not Frank Morano, huh? I mean, Frankie Fiveboroughs resides there in Staten Island, but Greg Kelly was the one who actually went to see the real Corleone compound that was used in the Godfather movie. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Then Greg Kelly talks about seeing the cue cards that we used uh, by Marlon Brando to film The Godfather. I got to um, look at cue cards. You know, Marlon Brando would not memorize his lines. He just, I, I don't know if it was like early in his career, he did, and then later he got lazy, but they had cue cards. And that scene where he's in the backyard with Michael, I didn't want this for you. I wanted something better. You know, Senator Corleone, Governor Corleone. It's all in the cue card, and I read from it, and uh, you can see it in the piece. Again, Greg Kelly, Godfather House, uh, Godfather, whatever. It all pops up. Wow. Greg Kelly really tried to muscle out Michael Mbaticic, Rudy Giuliani, Frank Morano, and yours truly when it comes to knowledge about the Godfather series. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Who do you think is correct, ladies and gentlemen? Do you take the side of Rudy Giuliani? Do you take the side of Greg Kelly? Do you take the side of Frank Morano? Or do you take the side of yours truly, Curtis Lewa? Our numbers 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And then here's Greg Kelly talking about the time he spent with Gianni Russo. Oh, one other thing I did. I went with Carlo. Remember Carlo? Hello, Carlo. Uh, Carlo and I, whose real name is Gianni Russo, we walked around um, that street way uptown where Sonny, Jimmy Kahn, beat the hell out of him. We went right to that location. That was a very, very cool. There's a new show on Apple. Do me a favor. Try to find out the name of it. There's a new show on Apple TV. It's about the making of The Godfather, which looks very good. I don't think my wife is going to be down with that, but uh, I would love to see it. Well, well, Greg, you were kicking Godfather memorabilia. But then, all of a sudden, Rudy Giuliani, who follows Greg Kelly every Monday through Fridays from 3 to 4, kicked in by talking about how he had created the Godfather musical. I uh, did Godfather the musical. I sang, I danced, I dressed up in the in the tuxedo at the beginning. I even did that first, that whole first scene where he's in a tuxedo and he, he's petting the cat. But I didn't throw the cat the way he did because I thought I'd have Peter problems if I did that. I was much kinder to the cat. Well, I side with Rudy on that one. He's right. 
Brando had found a cat on the location. The cat originally had not been uh, written into the script. He picked up the cat who sat in his lap. And then, uh, as you know, towards the end of the scene, he tossed the cat. Rudy, very wisely, would not have wanted to enrage Nancy, my wife. Cat lover extraordinaire, so he would not have thrown the cat. Or there would have been a hell of a price to pay by Rudy Giuliani, Michael Bonicic. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And then the issue that divides so many. On the way, driving Michael Corleone to the sit-down with the captain. Um, there was a turn on a bridge. The car made a radical turn. What bridge was that? Greg Kelly believed that it was a certain bridge. Rudy Giuliani, Michael Mbaticic, uh, believed it was a different bridge. Which bridge... Do you believe that that actually was in the scene? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Rudy Giuliani. Well, the reason I started with The Godfather was I was listening, I was, I was listening to Greg, and they were, they were in a state of some confusion about uh, what bridge does uh, uh, Salazzo and uh, the captain and Michael uh, go over when they're going to head to Louis' restaurant. That's the name of the restaurant in the movie, the restaurant where he ultimately kills, you know, Salazzo and the captain. And uh, they're supposed to go to, they were supposed to go to Louis' restaurant in the Bronx. But all of a sudden, Michael sees himself headed toward New Jersey. He sees a sign on what everyone always thought was the, was the uh, George Washington Bridge, because that's logically where it would be. And then the guy makes a tremendous U-turn. Michael almost gives it away. He says, "We're not going to the, we're going to New Jersey." And uh, Salazzo looks at him, kind of, um, kind of uh, like worried. And he very beautifully pulls it off by saying something like, oh, "That's that's that was a good idea," meaning to shake a a tail. Hmm. So. The answer to the bridge is the Queensboro Bridge. So is that true, ladies and gentlemen? In the Godfather movie, when they made that radical turn on the bridge and then ended up going to Louis' restaurant in the Bronx, was that actual bridge being used by uh, Coppola? Was that the Queensboro Bridge, a.k.a. the 59th Street Bridge, a.k.a. the Ed Koch Bridge that now... Gays, lesbians, liberals, progressives, uh, members of the DSA, Democratic Socialists of America, and justice warriors are saying should be stripped of the name Ed Koch because he wasn't gay enough, because he was a homophobic gay man. <laughs> uh, was it the 59th Street Bridge, ladies and gentlemen, or did they use a different bridge? There seems to be quite the argument going on between Greg Kelly and our own uh, Rudy Giuliani. And no doubt Frank Morano would weigh in on this. And because he is a curmudgeon and a contrarian, would definitely come up with a different bridge. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And again, if we can hear from my Kumbadachi, Rudy Giuliani, the correct restaurant, which is where Louis was. And Louis' uh, re uh, restaurant uh, in... in uh... In, 
in real life, I think is um, Luna Azuro. I think that's it. I think that's it. No, sorry. It, it was Luna Azuro in the novel. So it had three names. Uh, its actual name is the Old Limer Restaurant on White Plain Road near Gunhill Road. In the novel, it's called Luna Azuro, Blue Moon. And in uh, the movie, it's called Luis. So there you go. There's your godfather. Uh, important we get things accurate about the godfather. That's Rudy Giuliani conflicting with Greg Kelly. Meantime, Frank Morano was promoting the Mob Museum in Las Vegas, totally attempting to reach, no doubt about it. In fact, that was put together by the former mayor there of Las Vegas, Oscar Goodman, who said whatever happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, uh, who had represented the Bruno crime family, the Scarfa crime family in uh, Philadelphia, and by the way, had represented individuals who tried to have me killed. Uh, he told Frank Morano that he wanted the bat that was used to beat the hell out of me. Uh, I don't know if he wanted the one that was used by Mikey McLaughlin, Stephen Kaplan, or the one used by... Uh, I'm already forgetting this guy's name, you see? I've been hit 38 times in the head with that baseball bat, three of them. Louisville Sluggers, not Randazzo. It'll come to me. Anyway, it was like the United Nations. You had the Italian, the Jew, and the Irish guy. 1-800-848-9222. And guess what? What a ripoff that mob museum that Frank Morano is promoting in Las Vegas. They get federal, state, and local grants. They're a 501c3 nonprofit. Ha, 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 ha. Plus, uh, one of their featured attractions, they claim that they have the wall that was used uh, by Capone and his men to shoot their adversaries in the St. Valentine's Day massacre in Chicago. By the way, who was the uh, gang leader who was late for his own execution at the St. Valentine's Day massacre? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. The trivia is flowing fast and furiously. Who was the gangster who missed his own execution because he was late? At Capone's uh, St. Valentine's Day Massacre, 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And Frank talks about, oh, they have the corpse. They have pictures of the corpses of the deceased mobsters choking on their lobsters with the pictures of their assassins. And they have actor mobsters. And they have a speakeasy there. And then they have the story of Anthony Spilato from the Chicago uh, Italian organized crime family who went to Vegas. And he was the one responsible for the skim. He had to bring the skim back to the uh, wise guys in Chi-Town. His nickname was Tony the Ant. And if you saw Casino, the movie, great movie, by the way, where De Niro played Frank Rosenthal, uh, he would take the skim from Frank Rosenthal for the casinos that Frank was managing, the Stardust, the Fremont, the Hacienda, the Marina. And then uh, all of a sudden, one day at his mom's restaurant in Chicago, Patsy's, where Sam Giancani uh, was oftentimes seen, and Jackie the Lackey uh, Sesson, and then Frank the Enforcer Nitty, that's right, of the Untouchables. Frank Nitty, remember, always would be uh, starring there, replacing uh, Al Capone, who was in prison. Well, turns out that Anthony Spilato, a.k.a. Tony the Ant and his brother, 
got buried uh, in an Indiana cornfield because apparently they kept a lot of the skim. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And then, of course, there's a ripoff that Frank Morano is promoting that if you're in Vegas, you should go to the museum. Uh, it gets all these write-offs, government grants. It's an absolute outrage. Mayor Oscar Goodman, the former mayor, his wife is the mayor now. He probably gets a piece of the action. It's 30 bucks to get in. It's a 501c3. And they do a tribute to Benjamin Bugsy Siegel. By the way, what borough was Bugsy Siegel from? Now, he was not part of Murder Incorporated, although he knew many of the guys, Lepke and Gurr, and obviously was a longtime uh, friend uh, and landsman uh, of uh, Meyer Lansky, a.k.a. Hyman Roth. 1-800-848-WABC built the Flamingo in Las Vegas and then uh, ended up in the living room of his home in Beverly Hills getting whacked as they shot through the window. Three Alansky's guys who then announced that they were taking over the Flamingo. Oh, man. Whose side are you on? When it comes to all of this gang talk trivia, Frank Morano, the wannabe wise guy, you can see his podcast. Uh, are you on the side of Rudy Giuliani, who uh, in the history of the Department of Justice locked up more of the heads of organized crime families than all other agencies combined? Uh, do you believe in Greg Kelly, who is obsessed with God, Father, trivia, and lore? Or do you believe yours truly, Curtis Lee, who's been at the at war against the Lucchese's and the Gambinos uh, from an early age in Canarsie and ended up getting uh, almost whacked with five hollow-point bullets that aired out my lower extremities on the... In the back of that cab on June 19th in 1992 on the orders of John Gotti Sr. to John Gotti Jr. in the Gambino crime family. Oh, you got quite a selection to choose from. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. All night long. This is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. New York's talk station with the king of New York, Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Got a little vertigo now. Whose side are you on? Greg Kelly, when it comes to his acumen about Godfather trivia. Michael Mbadicic, Rudy Giuliani, who locked up more mobsters choking on their lobsters than any Department of Justice U.S. attorney in the history of America. Frank Morano, the wannabe mobster with his uh, podcast. 
Uh, you heard that cut from Angel Gotti. I think he's still snacking on her. No, you know, just uh, uh, intellectually, of course. And, of course, yours truly, who was a victim of a mob hit twice. So who are you siding with, ladies and gentlemen? By the way, on more trivia, you saw that you uh, 2 and Bono performed in that Kiev subway station just last week. What subway station had they performed in in New York City? And who was their host? Wow, we are shooting out the trivia fast and furiously. Now, Frank Morano, on the other hand, said that trivia leads to no further discussion. Guess what? He couldn't be more hopelessly wrong. one 800 That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Eric in Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Eric. Hey, Curtis. What's going on? Oh, the bridge. The bridge. It was, uh, it was, it looked like, well, it was supposed to be the George Washington Bridge. It looked like the bottom level. It looked like they filmed it there. But remember, he goes, uh, he goes, um, uh, we're going to Jersey. Or they were supposed to be the Bronx. And they lose, went to lose a tail. He went on the bridge and turned, did a turn and turned around. So, I'm, but I'm, it looked like the bottom level. So, uh, what do you know? What was really filmed? <laughs> so now, Eric, uh, you're sticking with the lower level of the George Washington Bridge. Yes, yes. Well, I'm pretty sure it was the lower level. Yeah. Now you do realize that you do realize that's uh, the directly opposite Michael Bodicich, Rudy Giuliani, who says it was the Queensboro, <laughs> aka 59th Street, aka Ed Koch no, Bridge. Dude. Because, I mean, I could be, I'm getting old, you know, I'm not a spring chicken anymore, but I'm sure he said, we're going to Jersey, you know, because he's panicking, like he's like, where are we not supposed to go to the Bronx, you know? So he did the turn. So I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's it 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 going to Jersey. I know that for sure. All right. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's see what it turns out to be. I'm not going to give it away. I want to find out from our listeners, do they think that Eric from Manhattan is correct, that it was the lower level of the George Washington Bridge, or Mike Kumbadichich, Rudy Giuliani, who said... The bridge on the way to Louis in the Bronx turned out to be the 59th Street Bridge, a.k.a. Queensboro Bridge, a.k.a. Ed Koch Bridge. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Al in Manhattan. Your your turn to be heard here at WABC, Al. Hey, Curtis. How you doing? Uh, speak, speak, uh, speak into the phone, Al. Speak into the phone. I was outside. Okay. Can you hear me now? Uh, loud and clear, Al. Okay. Well, Curtis, let's talk about the three people that you're up against. So the way I look at it is, it, when you were talking, it reminded me of a story when I was younger. My friend used to own a club on Queens Boulevard, Lamore's, years ago. Hmm. I think I saw the Ramones there. Yes. But I was what they called a poser. See, I was the guy that used to go to the nightclubs. And I would go there to see my friend 3 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock in the morning, because the hottest girls were the rock girls. Not the girls from Bensonhurst. And they were nice with their teeth up here and everything. But the substantial ones were in those rock clubs. So I'd walk in there and they'd tease me. Ah, you're a poser. What's a poser? They said, well, you're trying to be a rock guy, but you're not. But I wasn't trying to be a rock guy, but that's what they
Delta. Hmm. And then the highest level is you're directly in. So if you take those three things, forget about the person being well in. The poser, out of the four people that are in this competition, who is the poser? Who's the guy that wants, who's the one? And um, who's the rounder? So the way I see it is the wannabe might be Morano, or he could be a poser also. I'm not sure. I have to think about it because you posed a good question. Mm. What I can tell you is this, Curtis. You are the man. So I came to the dance with Curtis. And being the gentleman that I am, the stand-up man that I am, I'm leaving the dance with Curtis. Ha. My vote, Al. Ha. Ha. <laughs> uh, you know, no, I'm not. What do you think, Curtis? Uh, I don't know. I'm not. Uh, you know, I'm not going to the mine shaft with you or anything like that. I don't go that <laughs> way, Al. You know. Uh, <laughs> but no, you you nailed it. The poser is Frank Morano. Well, he could have been. He could have been. Thing. Anyway, yeah, that's why. No, but you know, he's got a great podcast uh, about the mob. It's really good stuff. He gets people that would never talk to me. They want to shoot me. <laughs> he gets them to talk to him about <laughs> wanting to shoot me. It's <laughs> amazing talking about uh, Tommy Brown when you said that the uh, – I thought it was just the Gottis, but now you're talking about the Lucchese. I didn't know that. Curtis, you're a wanted man. Oh, yeah. When I was a kid, uh, Paulie Barrio, actually, they had more juice in Canarsie in East New York than the Gambinos did. They were on Avenue L on one side. The Gambinos were on the other side. Uh, and so I actually had more contacts with the Lucchese's. Uh, there were the Tester brothers. There was Anthony Centaur. I actually uh, taught them stickball when they were growing up. I had a few uh, years on them. They became stone-cold psychotic killers. But they, a doubt. they used to go back and forth. They used to, like, trade. Like, Patty Testo is a Gambino. Then they say, well, can we put them on loan to the Lucchese's? They didn't have a problem with that. It seemed like the Lucchese's and Gambino's got along like that. Uh, but when it came to killing one another, he didn't care. Lucchese, Gambino, if all of a sudden they had done a few lines of cocaine and were super paranoid and schizophrenic, that's it. You got whacked. Yeah, well, look. Right, the Tester brothers, uh, and then they had, then they had that other crew in uh, Bath Beach, uh, Bath whatever, that they used to turn you upside down and split you open in a bathtub. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what what it was about that, that era, uh, the Gemini Lounge, uh, which uh, in fact Sid Rosenberg just appeared in the film that's being made out in California about that. Not as uh, Chris Rosenberg, I said you should be the Jewish guy. I mean, he's the guy who tried the hardest because. Anybody who's not Italian would always try harder. Irish guy, German guy, uh, Jewish guy. They always try to. So, no, no, uh, Sid Rosemary, he wanted to be an Italian guy. He's always wanted to be an Italian guy. But uh, there were so many of these guys so psychotic. And then they would do a few lines of cocaine and they would Khashoggi their victims. They would gut them out. That's right. And you know what? My belief is the reason why that the, the, the violence became greater. I believe it all had to do drugs. I believe that the more violent the drug, the more violent the crime. And forget about when crack came in. But when the cocaine era was there, things would, you know, when people were smoking pot, they were very, very mellow. Then they would do some quaaludes. 
like your boy, like that uh, Wolf of Wall Street guy. He'd pop 10 quaaludes in a day. You know, very mellow. But, but when they started with that cocaine, now the violence became greater. So that's what my belief is. Curtis, you there? Yeah, yeah, no, no. That created uh, a severe paranoia, even amongst guys who grew up with one another who had risked their lives for one another in previous engagements where maybe they pulled the person out of a bad beatdown or a bad stabbing or a bad shooting. And then, like, two years later, they become all paranoid, schizophrenic, and they end up killing their best friend, their best friend. Absolutely. That's why when you're in the middle of the night you get a phone call and they say, come on, take a ride. Yeah, I'll see you later. <laughs> uh, you know, put me on your list. All right, Kurt. You got it. You got it, Al. Boy, Frank Morano always wished he got that call out in Staten Island. Yeah, you want to come ride with us, Frank? Really? Can I? Wow. Do I get to ride in the trunk of the car? Yeah, you get to ride in the trunk of the car. We'll put a parakeet right in your mouth after we put two bullets in the back of your head. Really? (sighs) Al had Frank pegged. Poser. But the question is, ladies and gentlemen, who do you side with? My Kumbadichich, Rudy Giuliani, number one gangbuster in the history of the Department of Justice. Greg Kelly obviously knows a lot about The Godfather. Frank Morano with that great podcast about organized crime and the mobsters choking on their lobsters. And yours truly a victim of organized crime uh, on a few occasions. But remember, when I grew up, you you had to take a beat down to give a beat down. These guys who were pretty boys walk around, no scars on their face, no broken or fractured noses. They say, Oh, I I used to give beat downs. I said, Did you ever did you ever catch a beat down? Never, never. Then you're lying. It's impossible that you gave beat downs but never caught a beat down. That is impossible. Because whoever you gave a beat down to is gonna come back and get you at some point. And they would get you. And they jap you. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Rick in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Rick. Yeah, good morning, Hawker, New York. I, I, I called a long time ago. In fact, I have to shave again. It's been so long. So you hit on a couple of these things. But excuse me if I go to them again. I called to tell you a long time ago that uh, I think Frank is in the mob or trying to get in the mob. And, of course, Hit on that, but here's the reasons I think. First of all, by the way, did you go to the uh, christening? No, I was persona non grata at the christening. Yeah, I thought so. Well, that was that was because the mob called that. I don't think you should blame Frank. He had a, probably advice he couldn't refuse. Mm. Probably the Gotti, didn't they? Yeah, I think they were there. You see? Well, why do you think he didn't go? Okay, first of all, the, the mob museum is who who, who from museum they isn't something that you're into. You know, if, you, if you're into trains, you go to the train museum. You're into art, you go to the art museum. I, I, I never understand. That's another reason. I Like, why is he so interested in the mob? He also has a mob name already, Frankie Fibro. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's only, he usually shills for just Atlantic City. You'd think he'd be the rambling, gambling man, you know, shilling for all the places in the tri-state that you could gamble. But he only goes for... Atlantic City, because that's where his base is, his mob base, you know? Yeah, now that makes a lot of sense, and he only goes to the Borgata. 
Right, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, uh, his age, he always hides his age. Well, you hide your age, you don't want anyone to investigate you because it's very hard to investigate somebody if you don't know how old they are. You know, if I, if I try to find out Curtis Sliwa and I don't know how old you are, there's a million of you, you know? So it's another reason why is he hiding his age? It's usually refused to get reserved for women. So, number five is DNA. You know, he's really adamant about get, not giving his DNA to like these DNA sites. Yeah. Uh, the reason you hide your DNA is because you're, you're, you don't want to be found out for past or future discretion. Yeah. You know? he, he doesn't want to give it to the Mormons uh, to be able to track his lineage. <laughs> now, here, here's the, the last one, and you got to put on your thinking cap for this, Curtis. Remember, like, uh, um, Betty Boop's grandpa with that hat that would beep, 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 beep. <laughs> uh, you're close to, you've been around Frank close. Have you ever noticed his fingertips? He's, he's, does he look like he's like trying to like, you know, um, remove them? Uh, he's very protective of uh, both his hands, his fingers, and especially his nails. They're not manicured. Uh, but you're right. He's constantly covering them. He's very protective of his hands. Whenever he's talking, yeah. he's got his uh, one hand covering the other hand. Yeah, I think he's like, you know, using sandpaper and lemon juice on him, trying to get rid of the uh, the fingerprints. So that that was the things I called it. Just, just uh, also, I need one other question. Yeah, but that you see, what you said so far about Frank is very plausible, makes a lot of sense. It's oh, a, yeah, yeah. One, one, one's a coincidence. Two is uh, after three or four or five, I mean, it's not a coincidence anymore. Not only that, he was sweet on Angel Gotti for a long time, and I don't think the Gotti family, as much as I hate them and they hate me, would have let anybody near Angel Gotti who wasn't involved in that thing of theirs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you don't let outsiders in when you're in the mob because you got to take too many you, people hear things. You got to take extra trips to the Meadowlands, mm. you know. I mean, you know. Yeah. yeah. All right, but here's here's the question that only I know you can answer. I got to know what I'm yelling out of my car window. What's the difference between a Gabon, a jabroni, and a mamaluk? Ah, very good. What is the difference between a Gabon, a jabroni, and a mamaluk? Yeah, because I got to know what I'm yelling at people when I yell out the window. I don't want to seem stupid. Sure. Uh, Mama Luke, that's the easy one. That's the mama's uh, boy. That, that's what Frank is, Frank Morano. That's why I call. Not, that's not. The, that's not like the mama. I'm sorry to interrupt you. That's not like the mama's boy. Like we, like a sissy. It's more like you can't take care of yourself. Like your mama has to, you know, make your bed for you and wake you up for work. Is that what we're talking? Or are we talking about hiding behind the apron strings? No, no. no. See, Italian uh, men will live at home until they're forty five, fifty, fifty five. <laughs> Because no woman could ever be better than Mama. Mama will right. will iron their shorts, will make their bed, uh, will knead their socks. I mean, Mama is just the, – the boy is the prince in the Italian family. So if he decides never to move out, uh, the Italian mother loves that. Now, the Italian father may not be all that happy with it, but the Italian mother is, like, so happy and – uh, Frank Morano until recently was the complete Mama Luke. Uh, then he met Rachel and he got married, so he lost a little bit of that. But he's a, a Mashad too, uh, and he's a, uh, a Kakyaran. 
So, I mean, there are a number of terms you could apply, but you use two other terms, agavon. Yeah. yeah. Agavon is somebody who just uh, has no brain. You know, they have uh, okay. no, 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 uh, let's say common sense. We'll use that. That's a nicer way of putting it. Is it, is it idiot, basically? I mean, is that yeah. idiot? I mean, idiot, yeah. a, a moron? Okay. Yeah, that, I, that would not apply to Frank Morano. He's, uh, he's, no, 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 no. Right, he's not a gavon. There are quite a few Gavones who work here at WABC. It would take me uh, about a half hour to go through the laundry list of all the Gavones that work here at WABC. And then the other term you used uh, was what? Uh, I'm looking at Brony and uh, what was it? The, uh, the other one you know, we always yell. You just you just gave me a brain fart. Um, you said Jim Brony. Jabroni? Right. Mama, now, Mama Luke, uh, I and... thought Jabroni is what you drive around to uh, clean the uh-huh. ice uh, between the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins and the New York Rangers in Game 7 now that's going to take place. Now, isn't Jabroni uh, my yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah, a guy. He, you know, he yeah. rides that machine around the ice to make sure it's nice and smooth. No, no, that's, no, no, that's, is that a Jabroni? Yeah, that's uh, a Jabroni. Uh, no, that's not an Italian. What did my father always say? Yeah, what a jabroni. Oh, no, that's a jabroni, I'm telling you. Uh, you trust me on this, okay. Rick. Yeah, you're going to see tomorrow night, right, when yeah. the Rangers play the Pittsburgh Penguins. No, I know the brownie. I used to, I used to, I used to manage a ski resort. Right. Right, uh, yeah. right. so you know. You're going to see the guy driving that around yeah. between uh, periods. Uh, and just to smooth out that ice, that's that's what it is. A lot of guys. I don't think it's jabroni. I think it's close to jabroni. No, uh, a lot of guys it. dreamed of being a jabroni driver. Trust me on that. They really <laughs> okay. did. Okay. They really did. But I trust. I tr- by the way, I, I agree with you. You wanted to know out of the four people agree. I agree with you because even when I don't know what the hell you're talking about, I agree with you. Yeah, but I, I must tell you, Eric, you were spot on about Frank Morano. Spot on about him. There, there, look at his fingerprints. Look at his fingers. He was ask him to ask ask him to see his hands. I bet you he squawks. Now that's I'm going to do that. You see, unfortunately, on uh, Monday mornings, like uh, I do the show up until twelve midnight, right? And now they have uh, Dominic Carter as a buffer because Frank doesn't like to be asked questions by me, and he's the chosen one. You know, he he can do no wrong now. The future and the here and now of talk radio. He is the untouchable. So whatever Frank wants, Frank gets. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's like that now. It's like, oh, oh I know. all he's got to do is complain. He's a male diva now here at WABC. And whatever he wants, he gets. But well, that may I'm also on. that may also suggest yeah. that he's affiliated yeah. with one of the families, which would be the Gambinos. Oh, yeah, you start to think that, yeah, yeah, you got protection. What I'd like you to do, uh, Rick, the next time we talk in between, go to his podcast Okay. on WABCradio.com. You will see him. There's a picture of him like no other picture I've ever seen. He's got on a gladiator suit, you know, a suit <laughs> that has a shine on it, like mobsters who choke on their lobsters wear big, thick pinstripes. Yeah, he totally mobbed down, and, and I said, "Wow, maybe that's real—that's the real Frank Morano." Oh, it's, it's called shark skin, right? Yeah, that shiny suit. Shark yeah, skin. Okay, yeah when you check it, oh yeah, 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 well, you check it out, and, and the ne- right? And the next time we speak, 
Yeah. Well, compare notes because I'm going to check his hands and you check okay. the suit that he's wearing and the look on his face. He's got that look on his face like, you know, F you out of my way, which is not a Frank Morano look normally. Not normally, but, you know, you convert him. Yeah, no, no, you hit on a, quite a few uh, subjects that would imply and make it quite probable that he's an affiliated member of the Gambino crime family, no doubt about it. Uh, well, well you gotta, we got you got to check it out. Let me know that it's funny. Definitely. Thank you, Rick. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Our number is one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Let's go to uh, Al, who's calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Al. Hey, Curtis. How you doing, buddy? Uh, the Irish mobster who wasn't at the St. Valentine's Day massacre was a guy named Bugs Moran. And he was late for the meeting. And by the way, in the movie, he was played by an actor named Ralph Meeker in the 20th Century Fox movie. Mm. And um, and by the way, let me back up a little bit here. First, that was the lower level of the GW Bridge for sure in The Godfather. Wow. So yeah. you actually disagreeing with my Kumbari Cheech, Rudy Definitely. Giuliani. Definitely. Wow. Yeah, and I respect Rudy. He's a dynamite uh, uh, broadcaster and reporter. But no, that was definitely the, the lower level of the GW Bridge for sure Oof. in The Godfather. Oof. And uh, just to go back to Chicago and the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, um, what happened is uh, Bugs Moran was uh, leaving a barber shop. And walking down the street toward the garage to meet with the other guys in his gang. And he noticed that a police car was pulling up and they were phony cops dressed in cops uniform. They were the ones who were the murderers in St. Valentine's Day Massacre. And he smelled something. This is the kind of guy Bugs Moran was. He smelled something wrong. And so he ducked into a pizzeria or something, and uh, all of a sudden all the shots rang out, and he knew he was right. Mm. But the actor was uh, Ralph Meeker, who uh, did a lot of movies, and uh, this was uh, the penultimate, if you will, mob part. (laughs) Mm. And basically, uh, after that, after escaping his uh, own execution... He, rather than uh, re-gearing up and taking on uh, Al Capone, he pretty much drifted away. That's right. He actually survived. Uh, Bugs Moran uh, lived out his life, and ultimately I think he repaired to Palm Beach, Florida, or something like that. Mm. Mm. Um, but he survived it. You're right. He's one of the few guys who did survive it. Um, and, uh, and, of course... Uh, we know what happened to uh, the other members who uh, were ultimately put in jail or died in jail or whatever happened to them. But, um, you know, in in terms of, uh, you know, mob guys, you had mentioned a whole bunch of people. And I, I just remember Johnny Dio, who was uh, um, unfortunately uh, a killer. And he came in that night when I was at Joey's with... Uh, with Ed McMahon and uh, Johnny Carson. And what happened is Johnny had patted the hat check girl on the backside 
and she called up her boyfriend and said, this fresh TV guy just patted my backside. And we're at the bar just chatting, and all of a sudden the bartenders, I noticed, were ducking down behind the bar. And I go, what's that all about? And down the other end of the bar, a guy's walking down the bar and pulls out a forty-five. And Ed McMahon and I know it's not a not for us. And Johnny, uh, he says to him, downstairs. And there's a men's room downstairs at Julie's in those days. So all of a sudden, Johnny goes downstairs with uh, this Johnny Dio. And the next thing we know is Johnny Dio comes upstairs, gives a hug to the hat check girl and walks out. And then Johnny Carson comes upstairs and he has a bruise on the right of his face. Mm. And we understand that that is the reason why John went back to the people at NBC and said, I'm moving my show to L.A. Wow, he just packed up and left. <laughs> you got a little mob justice right there. Anyway, up next, we're going to do the trifecta, the formula, Twitter, and the crypto Ponzi scheme that exists. Yeah, I have problems with all three of them. I wonder if you all do or even know much about all three of them. It's another side of midnight. Here's Curtis Lewa. With me, you're going to make it to 6 o'clock in the morning. My job is to keep you jumping and pumping, keep you in an insomaniac way so that you won't dare go to sleep, you won't dare close your eyes because you're so riled up, so focused, so pumped up that you just got to break it to the, uh, to the first light of dawn. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be discussing three topics now. The the Trinity, the Troika, the Trifecta of Issues. This week, that I couldn't give Jack Diddley squat about. Because I don't think 
it affects most of the average everyday people who have to survive and take care of their families. A number one, Twitter. Do I really care about Elon Musk and whether he's going to buy Twitter or not when Twitter has such a little impact on all of your lives? Tell me out there, what impact does Twitter have on your life, ladies and gentlemen? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And then you have all these crypto Ponzi scheme monsters uh, who bought these Bitcoins supposedly based on a financial concept of a guy that almost nobody ever saw that doesn't exist. It's like the Wizard of Oz, and now it's gone crashing. And I should give a damn about crypto or Bitcoin? And has it had any impact on your life? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And then lastly, this uh, craziness about the lack of formula. Craziness about the lack of formula. I'm saying to myself, what the hell did we do decades ago when there was no formula? How do, how the hell were babies weaned? How were they brought up? There was no formula years and years ago that I'm aware of. I remember carnation milk, right? Pet milk. But can anybody explain to me what was done years ago when you didn't have manufactured formula for babies? Somehow society survived. But it's almost like, what am I going to do without formula? How am I going to feed the kids? Had to be a way years and years ago. The kids were able to survive and grow up, and they were weaned on something. And come on, ladies and gentlemen, you're not going to tell me that there were cans of certain formula that you ordered years and years ago. I just don't believe that. It's sort of like when you had dirty uh, dirty diapers, remember? You'd wash the dirty diapers, and all of a sudden you had pampers and puffies or huffies or whatever they call that come along, and they were disposable before that. You had the kids wearing dirty water diapers. They get dirty and you had to wash them. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. So let's uh, attack all three of these issues simultaneously. The first formulas for babies. When were they invented? And what were they made of? I know it wasn't what we have now. I know it was sugars, grains, either cow's milk or newly invented can evaporated milk. Like I said, pet milk or carnation milk. Now, they tell me, and I don't know if this is true, so I'm going to need some of you out there to help me with this, that the formula initially created mixed 13 ounces of evaporated milk with 19 ounces of water two tablespoons of either corn syrup or table sugar. Every day, parents prepared a day's worth of this formula, transferred it to bottles that they then had sterilized in a pan of boiling water and stored in a refrigerator until used. In addition to formula, infants received supplemental vitamins and iron. Is this true, ladies and gentlemen? Is that how it used to be done as opposed to how it's done now? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And then the whole practice of feeding 
human babies milk from animals. It was called dry nursing. It began to flourish in the 19th century. Milk from a variety of animals, goats, cows, mares, donkeys, was used. Cow's milk became the most widely used because of its ready availability. Although donkey's milk was thought to be healthier because its appearance most closely resembled that of human milk. Physicians argued about the best way to prepare milk. Some suggested giving it fresh from the animal, while others recommended that it be warmed or boiled first, and still others suggested diluting it with water and adding sugar or honey. 1-800-848-9222. I remember I was, what, uh, three, three months, five months old, or at least it was told to me, I don't remember. Uh, We had moved to Chicago after I was born in Brooklyn Hospital. My father had a job there as a master craftsman because the ships were laid up. He wasn't getting work as a merchant seaman. So he went back to work for my grandfather, Anton, who had a construction firm. All four of his sons uh, were master craftsmen, and he was working in Chicago. Uh, Obviously, my mother came along. She hated Chicago. Uh, But I had a cold there. It was like 40 degrees below zero before there was... uh, uh, before there was uh, global warming, climate change, I mean, that 40 degrees below zero, forget the windshield factor, would cut you in half out of Lake Michigan. And so I had a cold. And my father, Chester, said to my mother, Francesca, oh, let's take, uh, let's take Curtis to Dr. Schluter for a checkup. And she said, okay, uh, who's Dr. Schluter? Uh, my father, this is 1954, said he's a chiropractor. A what? A chiropractor? That's like a voodoo doctor. You're not taking my son to no voodoo doctor, no chiropractor. He said, I believe in chiropractic care. It'll be good. He'll give an adjustment to uh, baby Curtis, and he won't have the cold any longer. She said, that's crazy. And then when I was with Dr. Schluter, after he gave me the adjustment, he told my mother, and from now on, you feed him pet evaporated milk. 60% of it is water. The other is unsweetened condensed milk. It's really canned cow's milk, homogenized, after space of fresh milk. I guess you could say that was formula back then in 1954. Or maybe you use the... Uh, uh, evaporated milk uh, carnation or the condensed milk, the sweetened milk of Nestle's. But I'm just, I'm a little confused. People were going absolutely out of their minds. What did they do years ago when they had no formula or they had to make up their own formula or something that resembled formula? So I'm appealing to all of you. Why the panic right now? And why not go back to some old school ways until the supply uh, can meet the demand. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Maureen, who's calling from Patterson. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Maureen. Hey, Curtis. Uh, I You said everything that I was going to say. My mother is 92, and uh, she says, I don't understand what the problem is. She says, all you kids, me and my two brothers, I made your formula. And, you know, I said, yeah, Mom, I'm still here, aren't I? You know, I don't understand it. Yeah, I mean, think of it, Maureen. It's like people are having panic attacks. There's no formula. How are we going to feed our kids? I'm saying to myself, wait a second. 1954, 
uh, my first year in this world, um, I don't remember them telling me they were feeding me formula other than pet milk. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you had, you had to be careful and, like, you, have, you had to sterilize the, the nipples and the bottles and everything. After that, you boiled it somehow, my mom said, and put it in the bottles and bingo, you were done, you know? And, and, and of course, they're saying, oh, no, don't try to make your own formula, you know? Why? You know, it, it doesn't make any sense. Well, you know why the companies don't want you going back. It's like, you know, uh, a liquor company would say, don't make shine, <laughs> because you might end up making your own moonshine and never go back to buying Johnny Walker again or Jameson or any other product. Speaking of moonshine, my great-grandmother used to make uh, booze in the bathtub, and uh, my grandfather was a detective uh, at Fort Apache, and he says, I'm telling you right now, he says, if you get arrested, I don't know you. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, my dad told me during Prohibition, uh, he used to have to go to the speakeasy and bring back to the house a pail of hot beer. They didn't have a way to cool the beer at that time, but he'd, he'd get a pail of hot beer from the speakeasy that he would bring home so that my grandfather, Anton, had it by the time he'd get home, which was like uh, 7, 8 o'clock at night. <laughs> yeah, and they used yeah, to have... my mother used to go down... <laughs> yeah, they used to have... Bath... My mother down with a tail. Yeah, they called <laughs> it have... bathtub gin. Bathtub gin. They'd make, yeah. uh, they'd make... They'd ferment in the bathtub. The problem was if you had uh, wood alcohol... You could end up dying from uh, alcohol poisoning if you didn't make it the right way. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, Maureen, I, I came yeah. to the same conclusion: is why are people freaking out? What did they do years ago uh, in order to uh, feed their babies? You would think right now it's impossible. Oh, my God, my babies are going to die. We need formula. Okay, I understand. We don't have formula, but I, I think somehow life will go on. What the hell do kids wean on for years and years and years? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Robert in New York. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Robert. Good morning, Curtis. Yes, Rob. I want you to fact check something. As part of the discussion, I heard that the federal government has bought up quite a lot of baby formula to give to immigrants who cross the border with their young kids. And that's why we have this shortage now. I don't, uh, Rob, that doesn't make sense. I mean, uh, even if uh, you had, let's say, 100,000 um, folks down at the border either waiting to get in or already in, and they were getting formula, you still, this is a country that is a capitalist country. It, it can uh, produce massive amounts of a product. I just think uh, for any number of reasons, there's a formula shortage, but we've all hit the panic button. Like there are other ways of feeding children, uh, babies, other than just the modern-day form of formula. All right. Uh Think about this also. The government trying to get mothers to breastfeed their kids, which, if they do and they've been vaccinated, will pass along the spike protein. So that will vaccinate the kids without the government having to do it, giving them shots. Uh, I hadn't uh, 
contemplated that at all. So if they were weaning on the woman's breast, uh, they would be getting the benefits of the vaccine, or maybe it would be detrimental to them, depending on uh, and depending on uh, the way the vaccine performed in that that woman's body. That's a very interesting extrapolation that you've just made, Rob. Yes, and uh, together with that, Moderna has applied for emergency use authorization for its vaccine for children under five. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coincidence, huh? It's all, it's all linkage, Robert. It's all big corporation linkage. And the government is right in the right in the middle of it. One eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. That's one eight hundred eight four eight WABC. Let's go to Tony in Florida. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Tony. Good morning, Curtis. Yes, Tony. I remember back in the early sixties, my brother and sisters were two and three years younger than me. Um. I remember my mom having to wash the diapers. They were really thick cloth ones, and she'd have to wash them in the toilet. And then they had a laundry chute right next to it, which went down to the washing machine, and then that would do the rest of it. And, my God, if I had to do that, I'd kill myself. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I, um, I remember seeing my mother wash dirty water diapers of my younger sister, Maria. Uh-huh. I remember seeing uh, my aunts uh, who would uh, go to the homes of their children who had children, and I, I remember them washing the dirty water uh, cloth diapers that you mentioned. Right. Uh, both in the sink, in the toilet, in the tub, and then, uh, you know, putting a little Clorox in them once they had finished the washing process so it would whiten them and then hanging them up on the line in the backyard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I, I remember, the, a, you know, it was a whole process, obviously, but it's yeah, something that al- work. it almost became like an assembly line. You know, uh, the kid would yeah. poop, you'd take the diaper off, you'd wash out the diaper as quickly as possible, uh, and then uh, you'd hang it up to dry and then reuse the diaper all over again. Yeah, but when I babysat the first time when I was 12, they had the disposable diapers then, but I didn't know that because I hadn't changed any diapers, and I didn't know what the heck to do with these, you know? I thought it was going to be cloth diapers, and they were disposable, so it took me a minute to figure out how to work that. Um, And I remember getting my mom used baby food, but I don't remember her using, you know, um, baby formula. So she must have mixed that because there was no baby formula being used in the house. Yeah, and Tony, now people are like having heart attacks. So we're not going to be able to feed uh, the children or our grandchildren. There's no baby formula. I'd say, okay, it's bad. But how did kids get fed years before there was formula? Yeah, I I heard back in the olden olden days they used goat's milk. Yeah, no, no, a wide variety, donkey's milk. 
I wonder why so many kids turned out to be uh, mules, burros, donkeys. Let's go to Patricia in Connecticut. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Patricia. Good morning, Curtis. Um, I agree with the lady. We used to use goat's milk. My youngest is 27, was sensitive, couldn't do the regular formula. She did goat's milk. You know, we add a little bit of the rice cereal to the bottle. Good to go. Why do you think this panic over a shortage of formula available in the commercial marketplace? It's what the Democrats want. It's want they want the food shortages. They want still want the control. You know, why are we having fires in all our chicken plants and food plants and everything else? It's about control. It's about the elite. We need to stop it. Well, and just think, years ago, you had the dirty water diapers and whatever you concocted. Uh, in your case, it was uh, goat's milk with a little maybe rice milk. Uh, you made sure that the rice didn't ferment for a month and turn into sake, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. They went to sleep, though. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, sake, it only, it only takes the rice a month uh, to be able to turn into sake, uh, it's not a long period of time like liquors or even wine. It's one month time of fermentation, and you can have a bottle of sake. There we go. That's a good to go. Good <laughs> to know. Didn't know that. All right. I'll excellent excellent point, Patricia. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Max calling all the way from Detroit. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Max. Hey, Curtis. This is Max from downtown Detroit. Uh, I know about the formula, the old time formula. I used to go shopping with my mom when I was five, six, seven. This is early to mid fifties. And the formula was powdered. There was no liquid formula back then. I remember her buying this stuff from my younger brother and sister, and she'd mix it with water. Now, when I lived in Germany in the mid-90s working for Chrysler Corporation, I lived in Frankfurt, I talked to some of my German friends, and the Germans invented the, the powdered baby formula during World War II because they didn't have enough titties to go around because uh, you know, the girls were sleeping with the SS guys and they were making babies to increase the population. So the Germans came up with the powdered formula it hit here sometime in the late 40s, early 50s. The liquid, I think, didn't come out till the 60s. But the 50s, the, when it first came here, it was powdered. It now, wasn't I got, liquid. I got to believe, Max, uh, you being in Detroit, that there was a little mixing of Stroh's beer in there. Stroh's, there was Stroh's here for a while, but uh, uh, as you know, uh, Stroh's is the plant gone, and... Uh, now there's some guys on uh, Michigan Avenue, I believe, that have resurrected the the label, but I'm not sure here is the same. Oh my God, it's my! Not, it's not fire brewed. It's not fire brewed anymore, as it was back in the day. My uncle Steve, who grew up in an orphanage in uh, Detroit, became a brewmaster for that Strove's uh, 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 location downtown near the Detroit River. Yep. Uh, and well, he, it he wasn't would... near the river. It's near the Eastern Market. It was near the Eastern Market on Monroe Street. Is a huge brewery, and they brewed most of the beer at night. You'd go down there to Greek Town, 
you look across the expressway, you could see strolls in the steam. And if the wind was blowing right, it smelled like beer. Yeah, well, he would be polluted from uh, testing uh, all the samples uh, at a young age. Oh, yeah. then, he, then he married my uh, my Aunt Mary, came to uh, Brooklyn, worked for Rheingold, worked for Schlitz, worked uh-huh. for Schaefer uh-huh. as a brewmaster. Could you get could you get Strohs on the East Coast? No, I, I never saw it here on the East Coast, but obviously when I was in Detroit, Michigan, I saw it uh, in sure. most of the party stores. Sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. Very popular here. Very, very, very popular here today. Now, explain to our, our listeners, uh, Max, why they are called party stores. When you go there, you're not going there necessarily to get goods to have a party. Why do they call them party stores in the greater metro Detroit area? Well, generally when you're, if someone's throwing a party on the way to the party and you can't come empty-handed, of course, uh, I don't know about New York City, but we don't come empty-handed here. So you go in, you pick up your chips, you get a couple of six-packs of beer, maybe a jug or two, and you're going to the party. That's, yeah, the party store is a Detroit thing. There's no doubt about that. What I loved about Detroit when the uh, automobile plants had their three shifts is that they would have a all-night softball league. They would have teams that would play all through the night into the wee hours of the morning. I was amazed at that. Yes. Yes. It, the place was called Softball City. It was on 8 Mile and Woodward right in back of the old state fairgrounds. And that would be going six days a week all night. And it was because the plant shift changes. Yeah, guys were playing before they went to work, and guys were playing after they got off work. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. That was uh, that was quite a big thing. For, it's not there anymore, but uh, yeah, that softball city. It was called softball city. That's what it was called. Yeah, no, it was it was phenomenal because all yeah. night long, as you mentioned, the shift changes. Yeah. The guys, they'd be coming out, they'd be playing softball, and you say, wow, this is the way it should be. And I think they had five diamonds all lit with these huge lights like you see at the airport, you know, the parking lot lights? Yes. I believe they had five diamonds, and those were going all night long. Yeah, and then I've told the listeners here when I was in Detroit and I got arrested by Coleman Young, King Coleman Young, they well, sh- they shipped yeah. me out to the uh, Detroit House of Correction, which used to be out oh. in the cornfields. Yeah, that was in uh, that was in uh, Nova uh, Northville. That was called Dehoko. That's what we called it, Dehoko, House of Correction. And uh, yeah, that was if you had a like you would drunk drive some minor thing. You didn't pay your park tickets, and you got four or five days, six days, ten days in jail. You go to Dehoko. And the thing was, uh, they used to take them out Grand River, you know, from downtown. And it was a blue bus. And we used to call it the Blue Goose. As we've seen it going down Grand River when we were kids. <laughs> the Blue Goose. <laughs> I remember that. Oh, you bring back a lot of memories here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, you know, the, when I first came to Detroit, obviously it's a city of freeways. Freeways uh, everywhere. Yeah. But it's not a city of public housing projects, unlike other large urban areas like uh, Chicago, St. Louis, Newark, New no. York, major uh, no. public housing projects. I only remember no. seeing two of them there. Well, we never had that population. Uh, we had, uh, what did we have? We had the Jeffersons, and then we had, what, they, 
they've they've toyed those within the last twenty years. Um, yeah, the uh, the high rise. Yeah, the high rise with the Jefferson. I, that's where I think uh, right. Diana Ross uh, actually came from. No, she came from a, a neighborhood around Grand River and uh, uh, well, Whitney. Uh, she used to sing. In fact, I could think about the Supremes. Uh, I used to work in a hot rod shop on Grand River. Right next door was the practice. Uh, office or whatever for the Jimmy Wilkins Orchestra. Now, this is in the mid-60s. And the girls used to come there at night and practice. We could hear them singing the wall at the hot rod shop uh, with the Jimmy Wilkins Orchestra on Grand River. And uh, the girls were just, this was 63, 64, 65. So they were just starting as the Supremes. So, yeah, but Diana Ross was with them. We, ah. we would see the girls go in and come out of the uh, the front of the, the office. Now, were you in the Detroit yeah. when the riots hit? Actually, uh, it was at our college in Amherstburg. But uh, I'll tell you, we came one night, I think Monday or two. It started on Saturday. Uh, we came Monday night to Windsor. From Amherstburg is south of Detroit on Lake Erie, and we sat on the banks in Windsor on the, uh, the, across the Detroit River, and you could see these flames from the Fisher Building, which was just across the street from the DM Building. You could see these flames. This was about eleven o'clock at night, and it looked like something, like they were playing some kind of uh, spotlight, but it was actually flames reflecting off the Fisher Building, and downtown. The 101st Airborne, of course, they were headquartered at uh, Cobo Hall on the river. So we didn't go back to Detroit, I think, for another two weeks. So uh, I had friends that were involved. They were sitting on the front porch on Dexter Avenue uh, with the guns. And uh, But uh, I spent, uh, when, the, uh, when the riot started, uh, I was actually out fishing on the river at Amherstburg. We came in to get uh, to eat about 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, getting some tomato sandwiches. We started looking at TV, and I thought it was a movie. You know, they're showing these riders on 12th Street running around. And I said, I said, Danny, I said, that, I said that looks like 12th Street. And sure enough, it was a news, uh, Channel 2, and uh, it was the riot downtown on TV. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, the uh, most surreal experience I ever had was riding that monorail that was built by Coleman Young. I called it the Mugger Mover, where no nobody was on this monorail. It just passed these empty buildings in the Cash Corridor. It was like Apocalypse Now. Used to be that way, Curtis. Uh, the last twenty years, it's turned to downtown. You wouldn't believe it for what. You, when were you here? The seventies, eighties? Yeah, eighties. Eighties. Yeah, you wouldn't believe it. Uh, there's apartments. People are downtown now. It's it's vibrant. I love going downtown. I'm downtown right now. I got a condo, it, although I live in St. Clair Shores, but I got a condo in the city. But uh, the problem here now is the neighborhoods. The downtown is completely turned around. You wouldn't you, you wouldn't recognize it. Uh, of course, the stadiums are all down there now. Tiger Stadium, Ford Stadium. 
but the neighborhoods, uh, they're suffering. I mean, it's terrible what's going on in the neighborhoods. A lot of shootings, a lot of drugs. And it, it's a shame because the neighborhood used to be, you know, I was born here in 37. So it's, 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 it's a shame what's going on in the neighborhoods. Oh, no doubt. It was a, uh, it was a city of neighborhoods. Uh, it was not a city yes. of public housing projects, uh, homeowners, no. uh, and people, yes. People have no idea of that. I experienced that yes. in di- in different eras, uh, in the 60s, because yeah. I have relatives there. Then in the 80s, when I formed the Guardian Angels there. But yeah. uh, it is, it's, it's a story of how a city can just be impaired, collapse, and as you said now, right. uh, resurrecting itself from the downtown That's court, right. and hopefully eventually it will affect the neighborhoods. Yeah, well, essentially the auto plants. That's what. That's why we really didn't. We've never really had a real poverty situation here, because we have the auto plants, Ford, GM, Chrysler, and you know we're always building cars. Now the the last ten, fifteen years with the boom, uh, the plants are working six, seven days, three shifts. Everybody's making money. They're buying houses. You know this economic problem that they're talking about on the radio. It's not in Detroit, I'll tell you that. Well, uh, I, I, the, the, the thing, the thing that, that I was the, the thing that I was amazed at is here you go you're in this huge metropolitan area, Detroit, and then you had two cities within the city, Hamtramck, the Polish uh, part. That's right. That's uh, right. And then you had the uh, one square mile where the Model T was developed by Henry Ford. Uh, yeah, which, that's right. That's in the Highland Park. Yeah. I, I I never saw that before in my life. Two cities, although small, within the main city. Yes. Yes, yes you're absolutely right. The draw for Hamtramck was Dodge, Maine. That's where the Dodge brothers built their first plant around 1912, 1913. And, uh, of course, Hamtramck, the boom for him was when Henry Ford built uh, the, the Model T plant at Woodward in Manchester in uh, 1914. So, yeah, the, uh, Detroit, well, we're the adult, we're, we're, you know, the motor city. I mean, that's what that's what generates the revenue here. In the parts, you know, they need parts, people, the small machine shop to support the plants, and that's why we do pretty good economically. But we just, what's happening in the neighborhoods with the drugs and shootings, It's it's, it's disappointing. No, it's uh, urban war. Urban war. Excellent. Excellent presentation by Max. The before, during, and after the life of the city of Detroit. Again, what so befuddled me, I was so used to going into large urban areas where there were a lot of public housing projects. There were only two of them in all of Detroit. People owned homes there. It was the city of homeowners. Whether they were Polish whether they were uh, Italian, whether they were Jewish, whether they were black. Uh, it was a city of homeowners. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. All night long, this is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. 
the founder of the Guardian Angels. A group dedicated to fight crime. On the streets of New York and on the air right now, Curtis Lewa on 77 WABC. I mean, think of it, ladies and gentlemen. There's a crisis because of a shortage of formula for babies. But is there a crisis? When you think of it, what did we do decades ago when there was no such thing as formula? We've had some suggestions of how to remedy that. But it seems like people are getting hysterical, bent out of shape. Acting like the babies will not be able to be nourished without the commercially made formula that comes in the tins, the cans, and other ways. I disagree. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Chris calling from Indiana. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Chris. Hi, Curtis. Um, I think it's a couple of things that I I used to uh, haul out of that plant up in Michigan. Uh, about around 2010, and they had a contamination scare then, and it was the same thing. Uh, they've almost got a monopoly on baby formula up there. They have all the uh, all the uh, brands are made in the same plant, and I'm pretty sure it's made out of soy. Uh, and the thing right now is there's class action suits, these lawyers that advertise, you know, they're all trying to scare people about giving cow's milk to babies. And uh, it can cause some kind of uh, permanent injury. I know we had powdered milk when I was a kid. I'm about your age. That stuff was horrid. <laughs> it was terrible. Now, did you grow up in Indiana? No, I'm from Cincinnati, but I'm driving the truck. All right, Cincinnati, so you're a natty boy from over the Rhine, Vine Street, but you remember drinking the powdered milk. Uh, you're how old now? I'm, I'm 60, 67. Now, I'm assuming, uh, since I'm, I got you by a year, that that was some kind of a Procter & Gamble product because it seems like every product in Cincinnati is from P&G. Well, I think that was Carnation, actually. They made the canned stuff, and they made the powdered stuff. But I, I don't know if uh, P&G made any, uh, any kind of baby food or not. Well, it's, inter- it's interesting because you mentioned the carnation can, which uh, they had both the evaporated uh, milk, which was 60% water, was unsweetened condensed milk, and then they had the sweetened uh, uh, form of condensed milk. So they had both. I, I was weaned on the uh, pet milk, which was their uh, adversary, their competition. I think I remember that. But uh, that was like a cream. You would use it uh, 
cooking and, and things like that too. Yeah, I just, uh, I, I just, Chris, I can't uh, fathom this freaking out that there's not enough formula to feed the children. Saying to myself, Jesus, we somehow were able to do it decades ago. Let's go to Melvin in Bronx. Uh, in the Bronx, your turn to be heard here at WABC, Melvin. Yes, at the age of 72, I remember when there was a diaper service that had to pick up their dirty diapers. And before the plastic baby bottles came to visit, there were the glass bottles. Also, when they took home economics out of the school system, these females that don't know how to cook, because there was no such thing as baby formula. I used to watch my mother and grandmother pass the food down to it was so soft, look at that, a baby could spoon down. It says so that these females don't know how to cook, they can't adapt to it. This is all about commercialism, because when they introduced this so-called formula out here, it was about the food companies, the chemical in there, to get the babies addicted to it and make the mothers lazy not, not to take care of their children. You asked somebody to do what they refuse to do for themselves. That's all it was about, it was about making a problem, about somebody else doing something for you that you refuse to do yourself. Until they bring the basics back into the educational system to educate people how to fish for themselves, you're going to go through this mess again and again and again about pure commercialization to make a profit for you, about you depending on so you go out there and work for them instead of you working for yourself. This is what this is all about. This is mass hysteria. It's about people not unable to think for themselves about how to do for themselves. All you got to do is go into now just look in the archives of what people are doing back there about the basics. People are not being taught how to do the basics, so they want to go out there and cry and whine and ramp and rave and spread misinformation. Now, so Melvin, uh, Melvin, yes. you're, you're 76, right? 72. 72. Okay. So uh, you got me by six years. Uh, mm-hmm. Question, though, what do you remember was being done to feed the babies? What What did the babies feed off of? You missed what I, I said. The mothers and the grandmothers, all the females in the neighborhood, got to get and they mashed the food. Down into like so, and beast and girl was big time back then. Mm. And plus, evaporated milk was used. So, whatever it was that being cooked, it was mashed down and was so, so smooth and so, so the baby would not choke. That's what that was all about. They took their time and took care of their children. Like today, they came in and killed that whole scene television. That came in and killed that whole scene because, before what the people do before television, they listen to the radio. And then what they do, they did their whole, they read, they study, they they talk to the ancestors, the people born before to learn what to do. All that was taken out to educate. People do not think no more. They're busy rapping, raving, crying. I read a lot. I talk to those who born before me. I learn what was done before them. And it's all come down to one issue, one issue. Make a profit of what you do not know. And until people get up and go out there and do what the ancestors did, they're going to be caught in this mess again and again and again. And you uh, you remember the dirty water diapers? I remember the diapers. Hey, you still, they had a steel bucket, but you put the diapers in. If you didn't want to do that, then you washed it and you boiled the water to soak the diapers in there. I remember watching them do that uh, before Pampers even came in the market. They boil that water, they soak the diapers in, they get everything out there and still be sterilized. Hmm. Wow. It just, all it required was a lot of work. So, living is work. 
if you do not want to work for yourself, who are you going to work for? You going to work for somebody else and depend on their generosity, or you going to work for yourself? Because keep in mind, Jim Crow started in the North. You want to talk about Detroit? Cause I always used to wonder why black folks in Chicago and Detroit were so broke. Come to find out, though, 436 was the best law for a black person owning land. Michigan, Illinois, Indiana, I can't recall the fourth state, but Jim Crow started in the North when you go back to 1776. Because all this called immigrants for one reason only, because they refuse to fight anywhere they come from for what was fought right here. Because keep in mind who's living here for the Europeans got over here. Oh, yeah, and what happened to them? You keep on talking about all these other people coming over here. Fine, get them go fight the crap. What's wrong where they came from? I can't go back to Africa, because I don't know nothing like that. Because guess what? Me speak language. Hmm. And how long you been living in the Bronx, Melvin? Since I was born. Wow. My what? father served in World War II in the Second Game Military. Look up uh, Executive Order 9981, how it came in fruitation. Or who fought in World War II for what? And, and, and put on airways how black female nurses were treated by the United States military. And how that came about. You want to put, put the truth out, let the truth for what they go for. Read a Executive Order 9981 and why FDR did not enact on it. Read about that and put it on airway. You got the heart to do that. What was World War War 369? We were stationed on Ragnar's Island before they got shipped over overseas. And they did not fight under the United States flag. They fought under the French flag. But you put all the truth out there. And read who saved Teddy Roosevelt when he got when he went down there or when he got trapped on that boat. Who saved him down there in uh, 1898? Yeah, you don't want to put no truth on the air, but you want to keep up with living up to the air. When we July 4th, I want to hear what you're going to talk about Douglas on July 5th. You That's... want to talk about the history of the United States. Now, one last question. What high school did you go to, Melvin? Oh, my goodness. We want to talk about D. Wood Clinton? Of course. Well, Kurt Douglas, was Kurt Douglas, did Kurt Douglas go to D. Clinton, or was it Burt Lancaster? Burt Lancaster. Thank you. Yes, Demico was all male. They need to bring those single-gender schools back so they can stay focused and so forth. Yes, I believe it should be co-ed schools also, but also should be single-gender school coaches. Things that males need to be taught by those who are born before, which females cannot teach them. The same thing with females. So there should be some schools for single-gender and so forth. The things can be passed out on how to carry one so. And plus, now that, so you can be more, because number one, we have the co-ed schools. It should be, I understand about the mingling of the genders, but it should be a focus on continuation of life in itself. So we will have all this disorder out here in the street. Because you got the breakdowns here for one reason only. J. Edgar Hoover in 1932, when we came here to FBI, took a trip to Hollywood. Why? To sit, sit down in the media industry about the way law enforcement be depicted in the so-called booty industry. Next year, 1930, with the golden age of movie making, law enforcement was, uh, was predicted in a, in a positive light. This same message going to every time you turn on the screen, you see nonsense, profanity, people being treated in a disrespectful manner, the senior citizens being put down. Well, who you gonna learn? What you going to school for? You went to school to learn for a season. What can somebody who was born after you teach you who never been on a path you tried to go on? Nothing. Because they've never been there. So you learn from those who've been there, but yet those who've been there are being looked down upon and what's been, been taught in the past is being cast aside. No, you got to go back to the narrative 
and get the clue to what they the basis what you tip to go to. Until you do that, you're gonna keep on making the same mistakes over and over again. Well, 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 Melvin, you've had your say. No doubt, we're gonna have to see what I do on July 4th and July 5th. Melvin has given me the test, and I know he's gonna be listening. Because uh, he's an insomaniac like all of us are in the fraternity and sorority of either you can't sleep, you have anxiety, or you don't want to sleep because you're wired up and you don't want to lose any precious time. So you listen to the radio, as Melvin had mentioned before there was TV. There was uh, radio, as there is now. It's theater of the mind. It stimulates the thought process. AM, active-minded as opposed to FM, freaking morons, feeble-minded, fornicating madly, free marijuana, and Frank Morano. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Julie in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Julie. Curtis, it's Big Julie. How are you tonight? Uh, listen, I'm going to comment on this baby formula thing and everything. First off, if you had money at that time, you called... You call the general diaper service. They used to deliver the diapers to your house and clean them. Do you remember that, uh, Curtis? Well, I remember there was the diaper service. Yeah, the diaper yeah, service. Yeah, it, was called gen- it was called general diaper, and one of my brothers worked for them. Second of all, bottle glass. And my, if, if you're born, I, I was born, uh, I'm in my 60s. But even though we were born in that generation from the 1960s, we still lived the life of people from the 1920s because that's the way they were brought up. So bottles were made of glass, and they couldn't afford bottles. They used to use Coca-Cola bottles with a little rubber nipple on it to replace the broken bottles. Coca-Cola bottles had these rubber rubber nipples. you remember that, Curtis? That I don't remember. Yeah, when I was a kid, they used to buy nipples from the drug and they actually fit over a Coca-Cola bottle. And I used to see my mother put the little pinhole in it, and that's how they fed the baby with that. Then, baby formula, like I said, even though we grew up in the 1960s, early 60s, we still lived the life of those people from 1920s and 30s. They still lived in the Depression, you know, the old time families, because that's the way they were brought up. What, what formula... Bottled milk. They used to heat the milk up in a pot on the stove where they used to put the water in and put the bottle in to warm it up. <laughs> you know what I mean? No microwaves. And in my father's time, I used to hear him say they could not afford enough milk for the 10 kids in their family. And my grandmother, believe it or not, would put coffee in the milk to extend it so the kids can eat. Mm. Imagine mm. that. Yeah. 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 That's how they were. No, no, I remember, I remember uh, my grandfather and grandmother did that with me. They put a little coffee in the milk to extend it. Yeah, t- today, if you, if you put coffee in the milk, they think you were child abusive and everything. Never mind the fact that they, even when, if you drove in a car or went into a store and you smoked a cigarette around a kid, well, forget about it. Today, you'd be up, up, up on charges at Rikers Island. <laughs> That's right. They, I, my uh, grandmother, uh, Nicoletta Bianchino, put a little medaglia d'oro in the cup with the milk. Uh, she would be brought up on uh, charges of abuse. So right. I actually liked it as a kid. I was never a coffee drinker. I liked tea. Uh, but I liked that little bit of medaglia d'oro coffee that my grandmother from Bari, Andrea, Nicoletta Bianchino made, and then she'd give me a little A1 yawn. She'd pour a little in there with the milk. 
made it taste better. Let's go to Wilfred in Newark. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Wilfred. Thank you. Uh, one thing I like to say about that, I don't know much about that milk. I'm 74. But I remember the first thing when you said about the farm, I remember that pet milk or whatever you call it, evaporated milk. Yep, the uh, pet evaporated milk. That's what I was brought up on. Yeah, that's what I remembered from that point. But a more important thing, like you say, what this brings up is, you know, with all this computer, they think people are smarter. But they're not because, you know, you just look on the computer and you find out, right? Well, yeah, yeah, I, I call them, uh, as my father did, Wilfred, intellectually stupid. They may have the uh, academic credentials, but they lack the common sense. Like right now, what do you do if you don't have formula? How do you feed the kids? Well, for me, it was uh, the unsweetened condensed milk, the pet evaporated milk in the can. Yeah, that's what I remember. And I had nothing to do with it. And, but the main thing is I wanted to say. My daughter, you know, she's going to school and she should look at the clock, the digital clock, and say, hey, it was 9 o'clock, right? Yes. One day we had a regular clock, you know, with the numbers, one, two, three. She couldn't tell the time, right? So what that made me realize is we're making functional illiterates, right? They can do stuff as long as they got a computer, but they can't think. Like the other guy was saying, they don't know how to, like you said, what do you do with this? They don't. If you study history, right, the way it used to be when I went to school, they tell you, you know, it worked this way, then we got better, better, better. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, let's quickly go to Susan in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Susan. Hey, Curtis. Um, you were saying what did people do before formula? And um, I remember reading, you know, in the olden days, this something about wet nurses has anyone called about that no oh yeah it, and then uh, so um i just you know looked it up to uh, kind of refresh what this is about it's women who breastfeed other uh, babies that aren't their own and it used to be a very highly paid profession before the 1900s wow uh, i had this, n- so, no idea of just, that just google it google and, yeah, no, because I remember reading about this in, um, you know, like, I don't know, during when we had all the crazy things we had to read when uh, we were younger, when people actually read. Well, um, well, you know what we're going to do, Susan? This was such an interesting topic. We're the only ones who tackled it in this matter and said, hey, okay, there's a shortage, but there are other things you can do. Let's not freak out and panic. Uh, We'll do some more of it maybe in another 12, make that 24 hours when I return. But up next, the speed cameras and the red light cameras that are ripping you off for nickels, dimes, pennies, and $50 bills here in the city of New York. And guess what? They want more of them. If you're up late on the weekends, this is what WABC sounds like. Eileen from Queens uh, fell asleep on me just uh, 24 hours ago. Do I do this to people? Do I put people to sleep? Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa. Weekends, 77 WABC. 
It's another side of midnight. Here's Curtis Lewa. It is 6 o'clock. My role is to keep you jumping and pumping, keeping that adrenaline going for all you insomaniacs in the ever-growing fraternity and sorority here at WABC. The overnights that I do early Saturday mornings from 12 midnight to 6 followed so nice we do it twice Sunday mornings from 12 midnight to 6. And then remember, you don't want to miss it as I join Anthony Weiner. Uh, from 2 to 4 in just a few hours. And then I flip the script on Sunday and come back at you 3 to 5 and then finish it up a weekend of uh, always broadcasting Curtis from 9 p.m. And then the most listened to hour of the many hours that I do on the weekends here, most requested, most phoned in the Animal Welfare Hour featuring my wife Nancy from 11 to 12. And then it's Dominic Carter who acts as the buffer between me and Frank Morano. Thank you, that. Now we're going to talk about a subject that makes no sense whatsoever. You know, a long time ago in New Jersey and out in Long Island, they put up those red light cameras, those speed cameras, and it was challenged in court because Shamu! El Jefe, Chris Christie in New Jersey, said, oh, no, 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 it's for the safety of the drivers, the passengers, and it turned out it was nothing more than revenue raising, likewise in Suffolk and Nassau County. So pretty much uh, that was discouraged in those areas, if not completely eliminated. But in New York City, there's been a propensity to force even more Uh, speed cameras and red light cameras into our five boroughs to the point where there are some highways, make that roadways, that you can't go a few hundred feet without there being a speed camera. And you got the app that warns you, (coughs) speed camera 500 feet ahead. They're everywhere. And yet, with all these speed cameras and red light cameras, there are more accidents than ever before. There are more fatalities that fake, phony, fraudulent, vagazi uh, program of uh, zero vision, I think that's what it was called by uh, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope, uh, Bill de Blasio. Notice uh, Eric Adams has inherited it, and he wants to increase the number of speed cameras and red light cameras. He sent up his Department of Transportation Commissioner, Idanis Rodriguez, the former city council person from Washington Heights, uh, and he bombed out to join in Albany. Apparently, he really pissed off members of the Assembly and State Senate who are not willing to give New York City the opportunity of placing up more speed cameras and red light cameras. And it's an absolute outrage. An absolute outrage. Let me give you the stats as they exist. 
New York City speed cameras issued a total of, now get this, 4,397,375 tickets. Did you hear that? 4 million plus tickets. The fine associated with a speed camera is $50. So in other words, if all tickets were to have been paid, that would mean approximately $220 million in tickets alone garnered from speed cameras. Let me take you back and tell you what the history of speed cameras in New York City is as compared to how they've been eliminated in most places across the Hudson in New Jersey and out in Nassau and Suffolk County. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Love to hear from you if you've been clipped by a speed camera or a red light camera. And also how slow you have to go, especially out in Highland Boulevard in Staten Island, which has more speed cameras per capita, per square inch, than any of the other five boroughs. Uh, today, I was on Woodhaven Boulevard going into Cross Bay Boulevard, and that app was going like every five seconds, uh, speed camera ahead, uh, speed camera ahead. What an outrage. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. So in 2013, the New York State Legislature and Governor Andrew Evilized Cuomo granted New York City the authority to pilot an automated speed enforcement program to deter speeding in 20 school speed zones. Then in 2014, the pilot was expanded to a total of 140 school speed zones as part of the Vision Zero program. By default, the maximum speed is 25 miles per hour unless otherwise noted. Then a law expanded both the number of school speed zones and the program's hours, which were previously limited to one hour before, after, or during school hours, or a half hour before, after, or during school activities. Then the New York City Department of Transportation became authorized to deploy speed cameras in 750 school speed zones on all weekdays between 6 a.m. and 10 p.m. Well, I'd love to talk to you if you got clipped by one of these speed cameras or these red light cameras because, man, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. All they are are revenue raises. They haven't made it any safer on the roads. It's another tax. And this isn't even a hidden tax. You get clipped at 50 bucks. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And then the city's red light program which was the first in the nation, was launched in 1994 after authorization from the state legislature in Albany. And it's been extended by legislators eight times. The most recent extension will expire at the end of 2024. But unlike the city's robust speed camera program, red light cameras are rare. By law, they're allowed at just 150 intersections, which is fewer than 1% of the city's nearly 40,000 intersections. Large swaths of the city have no red light cameras at all, leaving residents there, uh, the city says, more vulnerable to traffic violence. So you see now the argument is they want to put up more red light cameras, more speed cameras. And then there's, there's Staten Island. As I mentioned, 
<laughs> you're getting clobbered in Staten Island. The Forgotten Borough, uh, some called it uh, Satan Island, the Lost Island. But when it comes to taxing you with those hidden taxes from speed cameras and red light cameras, of course, because they know out there in Staten Island you'll have to pay. They know you'll have to pay. I suggest that the exact locations of speed cameras be made available to the general department, uh, the general population through the Department of Transportation. They refuse to provide those locations. They have no reason, they say, to give public access to the database on all camera locations. And I think that is incumbent, incumbent upon the city Department of Transportation to do that. Because all people are getting to it. Right now, they're getting clipped. Right now, starting at 6 a.m., they're going to start getting clipped. And you say to yourself, why? What has it done? Has it slowed traffic down? Has it made it safer for the vehicles, for vehicular drivers, for pedestrians? No. The answer is no. It hasn't done that. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And then there are ideas in New Jersey where they raised the tolls on the Garden State Parkway, the Atlantic City Expressway, and, of course, the Turnpike. Uh, People have suggested that because speeding tickets dropped during COVID in New Jersey, but fatal crashes went up, that there's a new way of dealing with this with red light cameras that would make roads safer. This would be the idea. It would have a significant impact on the uh, amount of money that Trenton could raise from drivers and, more importantly, an impact on the fuel economy. People are now suggesting that you use the technology that already is available on the Turnpike and the Garden State Parkway, Easy Pass. In simple terms, as each vehicle reaches a toll barrier, this is in New Jersey, the time the vehicle takes to get from one toll barrier to another is recorded by Easy Pass. If a driver averaged more than 20 to 25 miles per hour over the posted limit to get from point A to point B, a violation is automatically activated and forwarded to the car's driver's owner. This is not a preclude, though, to prevent state troopers smoking the bears from stopping a driver for speeding. This would supplement their efforts and free them to address more dangerous violations like tailgating, unsafe lane changes, and slow left lane drivers. So the idea is if you take the Garden State Parkway and you know that you're like getting into the flow of traffic real quick, sometimes people are trying to run you off the road. And when they're doing like 12 miles miles an hour faster than the speed limit and it's like you feel like everybody's passing you by, uh, then... They suggest you take it to the easy pass. I'm saying this is crazy. This is just revenue raising. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Robert, who's calling in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Robert. Hey, Curtis. Um, I love you. I think you're awesome. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a limo driver. I've been driving a limo for eight years, and I've been driving in uh, New York City. In eight years, I've only been clipped once by a, by a speeding camera, uh, which I'm you know, pretty proud of. But um, something that I think is really important, you know, this Vision Zero program, I think it should be renamed to Vision Safe. 
And SAFE stands for Streets Are For Everyone. And it's not just the cars and the drivers who should be pinched. It's people on bicycles, people on electric bicycles, people on motorcycles and pedestrians. Everybody should pay. Everybody should be held responsible because you should see the people who jaywalk, who walk right in front of my car against the light and give me this look of indignation when I hold them to get out of the way. What do you think? No, no, absolutely, Robert. You see people that have their earbuds in their ears. They're staring down at their iPhones, their smartphones, uh, and then they're just walking obliviously across the street, and you're being held responsible. Uh, I'll give you the perfect example. Uh, I was uh, reckless as a pedestrian running here to WABC three days before the election, the mayoral election that I lost Eric Adams, uh, because I had to get hit by a cab. Right. Uh, it was not the cab driver's fault. I was running through traffic. I can't tell you how many people afterwards Robert said, oh, you should sue the cab company. Uh, you know, they have to pay. Uh, you should make it an issue. And I said, I'm not going to make it an issue. I got to take self-responsibility. I took a chance. I had to get to WABC by 12 noon to do a hour program that my campaign paid for. And I got clipped. And as a result, I broke my elbow in two spots. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hold the cab company or the cab driver responsible. We're constantly wanting to vilify drivers, whether they drive trucks or vans, whether they're driving cars or like yourself, a limo driver. And we don't want to at all ever fault pedestrians or as you mentioned, guys and gals on bicycles, on these uh electric bicycles that well, the electric bicycles, they're, they're like a, a threat to everybody because they're, they're not only speeding up and down the streets, they're speeding up and down the, the sidewalks. Yep, and they go the wrong way down one-way streets constantly. Yeah, and, and how much was your ticket? You got clipped one time in how many years? Uh, one time in uh, in eight years, and uh, I remember the ticket was like $100. Wow. Well, i tell you what. Uh, They're going to try to squeeze you more now with congestion pricing. The mayor has decided not to fund the uh, rehabilitation of the BQE that is uh, desperately in need of uh, rehab there. So they're going to make it tougher and tougher on everybody who's in four wheels. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. The pension, the desire of our city officials is to tax you more. They want Albany to give them the right to put up more speed cameras, more red light cameras, even though de Blasio put up hundreds of them. And it's unsafer than it's ever been before. And all it's done is raise revenue, whereas they cut back on the red light cameras, speed cameras in New Jersey in Nassau and Suffolk. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Chris in Staten Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Chris. Hey, what's up there, Chris? What's happening, pal? Yeah, I got nailed one time one week. I got nailed like two or three times. My wife got nailed twice with it. $50 a pop. Wow. And that's out in Staten Island? Yeah, Staten Island. We get happy. Staten Island. I think it's because everyone's Staten Island, you know, they know we're going to pay our bills out there. Everyone else, I drive, I work in Brooklyn. I see people with these fake license plates all over the place. They're, what are they paying? They're not paying nothing. You see, and they don't allow for traffic enforcement. They used to have a whole traffic enforcement division of NYPD with the traffic service agents. 
and they would uh, bust people's stones, but they don't do it anymore. So people basically, as you mentioned, they put on those fake plates so they don't have any plates at all. And they violate every traffic rule and uh, regulation in the book, and there are no consequences for them. None. No. Who pays for it? The sucker like me. For a living, gets up like I'm going to work now. I wake up, I go to work, and I'm going to pay whatever they give me. I'm just going to pay without saying anything about it. Now, I think they slowed down Highland Boulevard, the major artery. What was that, down to 25 miles an hour? Yeah, there's certain parts of 25. I know Richmond Avenue, certain parts of 35 now. But then you have 25, but then someone's doing 15 to 20. It's ridiculous. Yep. No, no, no. They know that the uh, place to raise revenue is Staten Island, as you point out, Chris, because they know the majority of Staten Island residents are going to pay. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Kevin, who's calling from New York. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Kev. Hey, Curtis. Uh, you said that they were taken out of uh, Suffolk County? Uh, I said they were uh, removed from parts of Suffolk County and Nassau County and Jersey. Yeah, uh, some of them were actually uh, moved from areas where they were in towns and moved to areas where they were more in more areas where there's going to be more traffic. Ah, so uh, explain that. So give me an example. Uh, you're in Suffolk or Nassau County? Uh, Suffolk County. All right. So my impression was they started them in the towns and villages. It didn't work out. They started to pull them back. So where did they place them instead? Uh, they started placing them on like Mill Country Road and in places where they were closer to the shopping centers and malls. And if you get clipped, how much is it? Uh, if it's in a town, it's one hundred and twenty dollars. Wow, a hundred—that's a speed trap. Yeah. Wow, one hundred and twenty dollars. They have no shame with all the property taxes you pay out there, and that's in Suffolk County, right? A second and third highest in the nation. They clip you for one hundred and twenty dollars with the speed camera. Yep, because you're in a town, they have to pay a surcharge. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Towns and villages and, oh, man, you got all these bureaucracies, these little bureaucracies, instead of just operating within one county structure. Mm -hmm. Every every town is a little fiefdom, you know, where they yeah. issue their own, uh, their own speeding tickets and they, they just become revenue raisers. So how many uh, how many times have you been clipped, Kevin? Uh, I was clipped once about four years ago. Uh, do you have the app? I know a lot of drivers have the app now. They warn them about the speed cameras. Uh, I do. It's uh, Google Maps, and it tells you when you're coming up on a uh, on a uh, yeah. on a speed camera. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank God for that. Can you imagine if they didn't have those apps? If they didn't have those. Uh, Warnings, you know, 500 feet speed camera, how often drivers would be clipped, how often they would have to be paying tickets because they need a set of wheels. And a lot of places out there, there's no form of mass transportation that they can depend on. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. Yeah, something's got to be done about it because to me, it hasn't made it any safer. In anything, all that's being done is to raise revenue. We're talking about speed cameras and red light cameras and how Albany controls how many you can have. Uh, you know, we don't have a home rule in New York City for a variety of reasons.
But we're so greedy here in New York City uh, under the new mayor, Eric Adams. His Department of Transportation Commissioner, Idanis Rodriguez, went up there. And he wants the right to be able to put up speed cameras and red light uh, cameras in all five boroughs in places that never had them before. They just continually want to milk the taxpayers with this tax. Fifty bucks a pop. As you heard out there in Suffolk County, in some of those towns and villages, $120 a pop. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to David, who's calling from the Bronx. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Dave? Yeah, good morning. Let me give you a different perspective. I'm totally blind. And something I've noticed in the past several years, and one of the reasons I don't go out nearly as much as I used to is that the problem, people speeding in Manhattan and the Bronx going through red light is terrible. I can't even cross the street by myself in parts of the city. I have to wait for someone to help me because you never know if someone's actually going to stop at these red lights. You use the word clipped. These are people breaking the law. You're supposed to be a crime fighter from what I understand. Apparently, you have no problem with people breaking the law in a case that could result in people like me getting killed. I don't understand where the sympathy is for lawbreakers when it comes to going through red lights or speeding through the five boroughs of this city. Well, let me ask you, David. Do you have you, an answer for that? Yes, uh, I have uh, many answers. Uh, de Blasio put up hundreds of these cameras. Uh, I pointed out how much revenue has been raised, $220 million, $4 million plus tickets written from speed cameras, and yet there are more traffic violations than ever before. Well, let me ask you this, Curtis. If we had less of these, you really think that would decrease the accidents and, and, and the other things that happen? Of course not. It would get worse because people will not obey traffic laws unless there's a penalty. And the only thing that people apparently care about is their pocketbooks. So well, well, I, I, I would say that life. what they're most concerned about is being stopped by cops. But uh, you may have uh, observed uh, over time, David, that the cops have been told to not do traffic enforcement, not do traffic stops. It might create a problem. So, Drivers have no fear, really, no fear of traffic cops pulling them over any longer. Right. So money is the only deterrent. Well, I so. think I think if you allowed cops to go back to doing traffic enforcement, David, where they were aggressive, uh, they were preemptive, that would slow down a lot of these problems because the cameras are not doing it. All they're doing is raising revenue. It's a it's a, a another tax. One eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Let's go to Stu in New York. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Stu. Big fan of yours. I remember when you were first interviewed by Bill Butel and Roger Grisley like fifty years ago. <laughs> um, I was clipped twice. I live in upstate New York. I don't go into New York City. I just don't. That's not my territory. And I get this ticket in the mail saying, you owe $150, you ran a red light. So they send you like a photograph, and they show you video evidence that you blew a red light. you got to go online for the video evidence. So I'm looking at the truck. It's a the black 
Cadillac Escalade blowing through the red light. I own a white Ford SUV. So I took photographs of my car and compared it to that car, and I got a big sticker on the back of my SUV that says, Socialism Sucks. <laughs> so I told the uh, Department of Motor Vehicles in New York City, I said, please compare these videos, because it was a $150 fine that I was facing. Wow. For whatever reason. So I sent in my uh, retort, and they dropped the charges. And they sent me, they didn't send me an apology, uh, uh, anything like that. They just said, case dismissed. But funny thing is, Curtis, I go to the video portion of the uh, online thing. And what blows through a red light before the black SUV was a small white van like mine. But it, it only went through the yellow. I beat them twice. Just with the evidence. Take a photograph. I wasn't there. Here's a receipt. I wasn't even in New York City on this day, date, and time. And they dropped the charges. All the best, my friend. I voted for you. I'll vote for you again. Do appreciate that, Stu. War on drivers. Uh, the city of New York, through the Department of Transportation, has gone up to Albany. They want the right to be able to set up more speed cameras, more red light cameras in all five boroughs. There are already hundreds of them. They operate between 6 a.m. and 10 p.m. They want them operating 24 hours a day. It's all to raise revenue. It's not going to stop accidents. It's not going to make it any safer on the streets because so far these speed cameras and red light cameras have not made it safer. All they've done is raise revenue. It's like another tax. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Bambino, who's calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Bambino. Curtis, my man, what's happening, my brother? We, I got uh, my brother-in-law, 38-year New York City firefighter around the block. So he wakes up one morning, and he sees these guys jackhammering in front of his house. So he goes outside, he says, what's the dilly? And they say, oh, we're putting in a speed camera. He's like, a speed camera? We're in the middle of Bay Ridge. There ain't a school for miles. What is the deal? So he goes to his representative, makes a big stink about it, and lo and behold, they never came back. <laughs> ah, ah. But they were, they, were, they were prepared to put up that speed trap, right? Right in front of the guy's house. My <laughs> brother-in-law, New York City fireman, 38 freaking years. Oh, they're putting them up everywhere. I, I see yeah, them. but for no reason. Like you said, it's a cash cow. They just reach to your pocket, bro. Yeah, it used to be the coppers were very aggressive. I mean, they had quotas imposed upon them. Uh, a lot of times they'd wrongfully stop somebody, but they were aggressive. Now they're reactive, not proactive, so they do very little traffic enforcement. It's not the speed cameras and the red light cameras that are going to make it safer. That's just going to raise revenue for the city What's going to make it safer is traffic enforcement by cops. But oh no, God! A traffic a traffic situation could lead to a dispute, could lead to a real bad optical situation involving the cops. Really, this is an outrage. New York City speed cameras issued a total of four million 
397,375 tickets last year. That's just the speed cameras. If every one of those tickets were collected, that would mean approximately $220 million. And they want to put up more of these cameras in all five boroughs. They want the right to put up a speed camera wherever they feel they could generate revenue. They claim that it's to make the streets safer, but the streets have never been as unsafe with all these speed cameras and red light cameras. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. It's another side of midnight. 77 WABC. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Going to make it to the break of dawn. The clubs are closed. The restaurants and gin mills are closed, and maybe some of you are going to the after-hours joints that are not as prolific as they used to be before the lockdown and the pandemic of March of 2020. The city has not revived. It's dead at night in the wee hours of the morning, except at the Club Zero Bond where the swag man who has no plan to deal with the crime is raising the roof. That's our mayor, Eric Adams. Listen, you know and I know that it's all about the swagger. (laughs) And it's all about the tickets. He's going up to Albany. He wants the right to put up more speed cameras, more red light cameras. Again, just last year alone, cameras issued a total of 4,397,375 tickets. That's the speed cameras. And if each and every one of those $50 tickets were paid, $220 million. And can you say it's any safer out there on the roads? That there are less uh, accidents involving other cars or pedestrians? It never was meant to make the street safer. It was another form of attacks. And after this, it's going to be congestion pricing south of 60th Street to the battery. Another reason to just drive you out of the city. Anyway, let's go to the phones and to Al in Queens. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Al. Okay, Curtis, I'll make this quick. You're absolutely right about the money thing because I get at least 10 tickets a month between parking and uh, and camera. And if they were so worried about the streets, and I run red lights too because I want to get done quicker, but if they were so worried about the streets, they would think the reason they say they can't suspend your license is because they say we don't know driving. But you could suspend the plate. But they don't do that because you know why? They like me. I feed the I feed the beast. So they're full of it. I'm so tired of them. And the other thing, I'll tell you a quick story about how I got three tickets in one day parked in one spot. <laughs> I don't put I don't put lettering on my truck. They want you to put lettering. So I went out and I got it because I have commercial plates. So I put the mat that you buy, the, the magnetic thing, my doors. Well, I got a ticket for that because they weren't three inches big, and they weren't permanent. All right. So I took them off. Now, the reason I don't put lettering 
is because I like driving on the parkway. Okay, so I admit it. So I take my van, I make a delivery on Fulton Street in Manhattan. I park in a commercial spot, which allows you to park there. But there I come out, I get two tickets. One for the lettering, and one for no meter, and one for being parked in a commercial spot. I said, wait a second, I have commercial plates. Well, because you don't have lettering, we take away we take away your commercial privileges. So we're figuring you're a passenger van now. I said, Are you out of your mind? Do you hear what you're saying? You're penalizing me for parking here, but I have commercial plates. But because I don't have lettering on the truck, you give me another ticket. Three hundred and forty five dollars. A hundred and fifteen dollars a ticket. That's all Mayor Bloomberg with his nonsense. When he came into office after Giuliani, who was the best, the tickets were $55. Bloomberg, who's aloof, has no, it's like he's like the rain man. Hey, I can calculate all these things in my mind. How much is a steak dinner? I don't know, $375? Are you crazy? <laughs> you, you raised it from $55 from Giuliani to 115 what the hell is going on here? Well, Al, you know what it is. It's revenue raising. It's not to make the streets any safer or easier to navigate. Let's go to Joel in Staten Island where they're getting clipped at a higher rate than anywhere in the five boroughs. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Joel. Oh, yeah, Curtis. I've got clipped with five of them already. And over the span until I got the app now. That ended that problem. But, and if you don't pay and you first get that ticket from 50, it's 75 bucks. Then it goes to 100 bucks. If you still don't pay, it goes to a collection agency. So, and you're absolutely right. It's just a revenue thing for the city. I avoid Highland Boulevard now at all costs. So, a lot of motorists who are smart are going through the side streets as they travel from, say, Dongan Hills and they're trying to go all the way out to Elkville. They'll go through the side streets just to avoid going through um, Highland Boulevard where you know you're going to get hit with the, uh, with the speed cameras. Oh, with that app, uh, you're rolling on Highland Boulevard. It's like every two minutes. Oh, yeah. Every yeah, two minutes absolutely. it's warning you that there's a speed camera ahead. And the reason they clip you out there, Joel, is they know that you're going to pay your tickets out there. They know you have to oh. pay your tickets. Absolutely, and it, exactly. Ended up, you know, I, maybe the first ticket, all right, I took paid right away. Second one, ah, I, I forgot about it. Next thing you know, it went up to 75 bucks. And the third ticket, same thing. I didn't pay right away, went up to 100 bucks. And so I learned, I said, oh, you get the ticket, pay it right away. I said, so, but it's, um, but you're right, it's, it's just a, a money thing. I remember I ran into you in Eltingville. You at the shopping center, and I asked you about it, and you said that's the first thing you're going to correct if you get elected, that these um, speed cameras um, definitely had to be adjusted, you said. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. It's, a, it's an absolute outrage in every one of the boroughs. Uh, along the West Side Highway, you see them. You see them blinking. The apps are pointed out, and you say, what the hell is going on? It hasn't gotten any safer on the asphalt streets and major thoroughfares in the city. If anything, it's gotten more dangerous for 
people driving and for pedestrians. And they keep saying, well, we'll put up more speed cameras and red light cameras. Really? Uh, That's why they eliminated them in New Jersey, because it was proving not to make the roads safer. Likewise, in Suffolk and Nassau County. Let's go to Pamela in central Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Pam. They, uh, I have truckers in my family. Even before Biden, they have been hassling truckers for so long. I mean, not to get off the subject of the uh, – I have another point about the cameras. Um, it, they, they've been hassling them at the border. Uh, one time they wanted my husband to be x-rayed with their truck machine while he was in the truck. He said, I'm not sitting in that truck and getting x-rayed with that. I'll get cancer, like, tomorrow. And they, they would give you arguments, and there's nowhere for them to rest, and it, it's insanity. Time we traveled to Long Island, and it was like that game, Mother May I? Every time we moved, we we uh, you know could tell that the camera went off on the, on the light. It's like this is insanity. Every time you move, you know the cameras weren't synced properly, and uh, so you know it's just crazy. People, pretty soon, people aren't going to have their food because they keep hassling truck drivers and and uh, these these uh, light things. I'm against speeding. I, I really have a you know with that i mean i've i've ridden motorcycles and everything and and i have no problem if people want to speed go on a track or something uh but um the these lights are don't work don't work they, they cause hesitation there's nothing worse than hesitation startup hesitation doubt that's what causes accidents oh there's no doubt pam and they know that truckers whether they're independent truckers or they drive for a company that those tickets are going to be paid. You have to, or you're not going to be able to stay on the road. So they know, oh, it's prime time, man. Clip them. Let's go to Josh in Connecticut. Your turn to be heard here at WABD, Josh. Curtis. Yes. How you doing, my friend? I've been a driver, a professional driver, for about God knows how long, but just to go fast. I'm a very careful driver. It's my profession. And, you know, I, I demand excellence when it comes to it. And so so do my clients. I think that the whole idea of these stock, these red light cameras, speeding cameras, like you said, it's an ambush. You know, and, and I check, you know, like sometimes you get caught in the middle because there's so much cross traffic and then the police coming through and there's all kinds of crazy traffic. And sometimes you get caught in the box and you, and then, boom, you get hit. You know what I mean? And it's like, how does that work? You know, you could see it flash. I used to sit up on 57th Street by uh, Studio CBS, and uh, I would watch. I'm telling you, I would sit there and wait for my client four or five hours, and I would see the light go off, oh, my goodness, mm. 40, 50 times. And a lot of out-of-towners, they don't get it from New Jersey. But for me, I just think it's an ambush. I'm not going to pay them. You know, uh, uh, New York is buried. They have the highest per annum out of any city or state uh, of what they owe. I think it's like $1 billion or something, yeah? Yeah, it's built into the budget a year before. So that means not just uh, parking tickets, moving violations, traffic tickets, speeding tickets, but tickets that have to be written up in parks by the parkies, sanitation tickets, EPA tickets. All kinds of tickets. Imagine already in the budget a year ahead, a billion dollars in revenue from tickets. And that means the quotas get imposed towards the end of the month when they start writing up, I mean, severely, 
So what normally maybe at the beginning of the month you wouldn't have been uh, ticketed for, towards the end of the month you get two or three tickets to help that cop or whoever is writing the tickets uh, make their quota. And it's so sad. You know, I I remember years ago, you remember in the paper, the front page, uh, where a cop was writing a ticket for a poor pregnant woman that was resting on the stairs of the subway. Do you remember that? I do. I do. It was so crazy. And I mean... Look, man, you can't oppress the people. The more you oppress the people, the more the, the more the whole city's going to be oppressed. Well, you know, it's it. just it just looms. It's just a dark cloud over the city. Dark cloud, born and raised in the city. Lenox Hill Hospital, nineteen sixty four. Love you, deal, man. I'm not going to hold you up, uh, Curtis. You're you're the best. No, man. no, but know this. Keep, keep know looking this. up. Keep looking up. The other tax that's coming down the pipe that they're going to uh, Albany to try to get is congestion pricing. That's another tax when you go south of 60th Street uh, and you go down towards the battery. Another tax. It's a war on four wheels. Again, I want to give you these numbers. You know, math was never my good subject. What are they, 365 days in a year, right? Divide that into 4 million 397,375 tickets. Figure out how many tickets a day these speed cameras and red light cameras are clipping you for in the five boroughs of the city of New York. At the end of the year, if every one of these tickets is paid, it's 50 bucks a clip. It's $220 million. And don't tell me this has to do with providing safety in the streets for those who drive vehicles and for pedestrians, for people on bicycles, nonsense. Because, if anything, things are worse ever since they put them into effect. one 800 Let's go to Frankie in Glendale. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Frankie. Hey, good morning, Curtis. Listen, this is a scam. This whole zero vision is a scam. Uh, I... It gives a false sense of security. Like you said, it has nothing to do with the safety of pedestrians. It's just for making money. I almost got hit uh, yesterday morning by those illegal scooters going the wrong way down a side street. I'm at a stop sign. I'm looking left. I look right. There are no pedestrians. It is for me to go. I pull out. Here comes an illegal scooter. You know, Curtis, you can do this. You could look up the statistics. We don't hear on how many people uh, have getting saved because it is uh, Vision Zero. Uh, I think there's a lot more people getting hit uh, because of these scooters and bicycles because of false sense of security that's giving these people, oh, yeah, the, the cars and the trucks are just going to stop. It's not the case. I got a red light ticket, not a red light ticket, a speeding ticket down there on Cross Bay in front of Russo's on the Bay, uh, coming back from a funeral. All right, I went once one mile over the speed limit. I think they it's thirty. Uh, they they give it to you at thirty six. It's a twenty five. Okay, it's my fault. I did it, but it's just a money making racket. Oh, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. And look, they putting they put up hundreds of them. De Blasio did. And did it stop accidents? Did it prevent accidents? Did it make it safer for drivers, pedestrians, people on bicycles, people on motorcycles? Absolutely not. It was solely for the revenue. 
And this week they're going back up to Albany. Idanis Rodriguez, who is the chairman of the Department of Transportation in the city, and Eric Adams, the mayor. And they want the right to be able to put up even more speed cameras and more red light cameras. And then they want congestion pricing. It's just going to squeeze anybody in four wheels. And imagine if you're getting deliveries, 18-wheel tractor trailers. Imagine what they're paying. Congestion pricing, speed cameras, red light cameras. It's like it's going to continue to drive people out of the city. Anyway, let's go to Harvey, who's calling from New York. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Harvey. Yeah, good morning. Um, I uh, lived in Arizona where they uh, had uh, private companies running the red lights and the uh, speed cameras. And um, there was one guy who would put a Halloween mask on because the ticket had to be uh, verified by a photo. So um, he would not, not get it. He would be speeding and speeding and making a ticket. Uh, also, um, my ex-wife, she uh, she got a, a red light ticket, and it came in my name because the car was registered in both our names. So, um, but I uh, I beat it because I uh, uh, sent in a photo of my uh, driver's license, and uh, it came back... Uh, uh, I never got a, a, an answer for that, and my ex-wife never got a, the ticket that she deserved. So, and also, uh, uh, I also got a speedy ticket on the uh, freeway when uh, a friend of mine who was a policeman, actually, uh, I told him about it, and I never heard anything about it. I never got a, a summons, I never got a, a private company trying to get the money, and uh, that was the end of it. So uh, Yeah, well, I, wish, uh, I wish it was the end of these speed cameras and these red light cameras. They haven't prevented any accidents. They haven't made it safer for pedestrians or drivers or those on bicycles or e-bikes or uh, motorcycles. All they've been utilized to do is raise revenue. They are revenuers. It's all meant to be another tax. And if you think this is bad, congestion pricing will soon make it even more difficult for people to come in in their vehicles, whether they're here to do work, whether they're here to do service, maintenance, whatever the reason for the vehicle being here, the tax is going to increase. You're going to get clipped even more. Our number is one 800 This is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Ah, you're not going to sleep on me now. Moments to go to the 6 o'clock hour. Then the best of the morning show, uh, Sid uh, and Bernard McGurk. And then it gets right into Bo Snurdly from 7 to 10. Oh, yeah. And then we get right into the economy with uh, Larry. Oh, yeah. Larry with a big capital L here. Who's going to take you from 10 to 1. 
You don't want to miss it. Just keep it on the dial here at 77 AM WABC. Let's go, if we can, to uh, Ed, who's calling from New York. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Ed. Good morning, Curtis. Yes, Ed. Uh, I'm, I'm heading out to uh, just wanted to, to remind people that these these red cameras, think of the subcontractors that must be, uh, you know, gre- greasing the skids so that they can get the jobs that maintain the, the red light cameras and then the, uh, the bureaus that clean And the other thing is when we get to um, congestion pricing, the problem is the MTA money thrown away. The MTA, uh, I've, I've seen uh, compulsive gambling crackheads. If you gave them a, a no-limit credit card and sent them to Las Vegas, they would show fiscal restraint in the MTA. <laughs> As they said in the French Connection, they spend money like the Russians are in Jersey. No doubt. That's why I call the MTA the money-taking agency. Let's go to Will in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Will. Hey, Curtis. Isn't it funny? They come up with congestion pricing. They make the streets smaller, create the congestion, and then they want to charge us for congestion pricing. Look at 42nd Street. 42nd Street used to be able to drive from east to west 10 minutes tops. Now it almost takes you almost a half an hour to get across there during rush hour. I think it's really, really unfair what they're doing. They're creating these situations and charging us for it. Yeah, and uh, again, they don't want four wheels in uh, the city of New York. They're doing everything to harass you, to drive you out, to send you south of the Mason-Dixon line, where the next place you're going to end up living is Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, Texas, Tennessee, or parts unknown. Anyway, let's go, if we can, to Al, who's calling from the Bronx. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Al. How you doing, Curtis? Great show. Thank you, Al. Hey, listen, I'm a operator in Bronx, and um, we get we get also by those speed cameras, and we have to pay for it. They take it out of our, our checks, also. Wow, they do. So you're you're a driver for a company? Oh, MTA. Oh, MTA. No, money taking yes. agency. I see. You drive buses. Yes, we, I drive the bus, and, uh, and if we go through those speed cameras, we also get um tickets, and we also have to pay it. They take it from our checks. We have to see the boss. We get a violation, and we have to see, and we have, and we have to pay the tickets. Wow! It's crazy, but and they and they install a lot of cameras throughout all the routes. We don't have one camera; we have various cameras on all the. Routes. No, I know, and it hasn't it's made safe. it. It hasn't made it any safer, has it out there? No, not at all. Because we will be. I'll be watching these people with these temporary plates, uh, paper plates. They slide them there like that. They don't have to pay. That's right, and they're, they're, they're everywhere with these paper plates. You know those are fake plates. Those are not real plates. They run them off of a Xerox machine. Everybody knows, and they don't have cops doing enforcement on that. They drive right by the cop. Yeah, I, I guarantee you, I guarantee you most of those cars are stolen. Guarantee you, Al. Anyway, let's go to Glenn, who's calling from uh, Rockaway. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Glenn. Good morning, King Curtis. How you doing today? I've had better days. Uh, I'm watching my city clip drivers who are trying to make a living, just trying to service clients, and they're just having to pay more and more tickets. Yeah, well, they dropped the ball not electing you, but uh, I would like to defend the NYPD. 
I worked on East 25th and 1st Avenue in Manhattan, and they were actually pulling cars over that uh, were running the stoplight when you exit off the FDR South on 23rd Street. Well, I got to tell you, Glenn, they're going to have to do a lot more traffic enforcement, a lot more, and the mayor's going to have to turn them loose, or it's just going to keep getting worse and worse and worse. Ghost will be ghost. Cute ponytails.